Sweet song from Eric Clapton from 1978. Wonderful tonight. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is the Druff and Friends show. This is being broadcast live and recorded on January 24th, 2018. The time right now, 8.27 p.m. The show's official scheduled start time is 8.15. 
and I came into the chat room at 8.14, and there was one person in the chat room. <laughs> so I, I think that speaks volumes as far as my record for starting on time recently. We didn't quite start on time, but I did get the song going at about 8.24, so I was actually slightly less than 10 minutes late, which is pretty good for me. So we are going to have Trey Daruski tonight as a co-host. He has confirmed. Hopefully he's around. And Calwatt, this time he doesn't have as much of an excuse because I just about started on time. So we're going to see if he's around, see if we can get him on the show. We've, we've missed him a few times recently because I've started so late that he's gone to sleep. So I've texted him that we're on, and we'll see if he pops up. Anyway, I'm going to go through the agenda as usual. And then we will get to our topics. We actually have a, a new character we're going to have on the show tonight. In fact, this show is going to have a lot of uh, discussion of characters at the beginning. We're going to have a discussion of Ken Scaler's Judge Judy appearance, which broadcast six days ago on Thursday. And he lost, so <laughs> I can say that now. I knew that for quite some time. I've known that since November, but... I didn't want to tell any of you until it actually aired, but yes, he lost. I'm going to give you a way to view it if you have not viewed it yet. And furthermore, uh, we're going to have a new person on the show who's never been on before, someone who found me on Facebook as a result of something having to do with Absolute Poker. Though this segment has nothing to do with Absolute Poker, but it's someone who found me because of me getting cheated on Absolute Poker it's a girl. We're going to have a, a girl we're going to interview on the show with a very interesting backstory. That's why I decided to ask her to come on here, and she has agreed. Her name is Kristen. So here's the intro, and then we will get to the agenda, and then we will get going. If you want to call into the show tonight, the phone number, as always, is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID or otherwise your call will not get through. You can also call our alternate phone number, the Mount Charleston line, which is located in a cabin on the top of Mount Charleston, which is about 45 minutes by car from Las Vegas. It does get snowed, though it got very little so far this year. And it's an old 70s rotary phone that forwards to me wherever I go. That phone number is 702-430-1808-702-430-1808. That is the Mount Charleston line. You can chat in our chat room if you like and talk to people who are listening to the show. If you're listening live, if you're not listening live, don't bother because there will not be anyone there. We have a $75 free roll tonight. It takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It'll be in about half an hour at 9 p.m. Pacific time. Totally free. Does not even require any play chips. Just make an account there. It needs a separate account from the forum and just start playing. However, you need to know the rules because you may or may not qualify for the free money. I think I'm having some... I don't know if you guys can hear this. I'm having some sound issues here. So one, one second while I try to adjust those. It's really weird. I'm getting like a kind of a tapping sound in the background. I think it's from some kind of interference. There we go. I think we're better. So, yes, make sure to read the rules and know the rules, or otherwise you may not win the free money, which is real cash money that I will send to you by bank transfer, by Bitcoin, by cash or check if you've accumulated enough winnings, 
or other methods that you might be able to think of of a way people can send money back and forth online, maybe pay for certain certain things online. I can send it to you that way too. If you win, email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com or PM me on the forum, Dan Space Druff. And the free roll rules, which you must know and must follow, are at pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll. Pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, exactly as it sounds. There is the call to listen line, which is a lovely innovation that I came up with in November of 2015 that allows you to listen to the show by simply calling a phone number with any phone that can dial in the world. It does not require the internet, does not require a data plan. If you have a data plan, it won't use any data. And if your connection is poor, don't worry about it because you can still call it as long as the call can complete and you can hear it. That's all you need. There's never any buffering. doesn't matter how bad your connection is. It will never, never, never buffer. It's just a non-buffering stream of an internet radio show. How often can you find that? How often can you find an internet radio show where it does not buffer when, uh, you know, when the, the connection is not good? You, you always have buffering problems. There, there's no buffering. The call to listen line does not know the meaning of buffering, and uh, CalWatt does not know the meaning of uh, staying up to midnight uh, to wait for the show, so that's why I started uh, close to on time tonight. Hello. Oh, my God. Thank God I got here in time to hear about the call to listen line. <laughs> you rushed over. You, you rushed over to, to hear about that. So the number, which I haven't given out yet, is 712-775-8162. Actually, you know what? I, I kind of missed the beginning of this. Can you re-explain what this call to listen line thing is? I'd love to, but I, I think it's just better if you go back and listen to it. <laughs> just, go, just, just go back and listen. 712-775-8162 is the number, and... Any phone in the world can call it. It's that simple. If you forget that or any other phone number that I've given out here, don't worry about it. You don't need a perfect memory. Just go to the radio page, the radio tab on PokerFraudAlert.com, and they are all listed there. When we are not live on the air, the call to listen line still plays this show. It will run a random show from the past six years. We've been doing the show almost six years. It'll pick a random show since the beginning run it in full as if it's live, and then pick another one and another one and another one until we go back on the air approximately one week later. You can also find those reruns by just going to the radio page or by going to the TuneIn app. The TuneIn app is also a way you can listen to the show in the archives. That can be used. You can use the Stitcher app. You can use iTunes. You can use Google Play. You can download the MP3 directly from PokerFraudAlert.com, and you can even... Use an RSS feed that's there if you know how to use those. So just go to the radio page and scroll down and you'll see the various ways we support the archives. Many, many ways to listen. And if there's some way that you want to listen to this show that is not provided, I might be able to provide it to you. So just uh, text me, which brings me to my next point. We have a text number, which is the same as our main phone number. That's 775-FRAUD55. 775-372-8355 is the number you text, same as our main number. Make sure to, t- to tell me before you text me if you don't want your message read on the air. Otherwise, I might read it. And you can text me anytime, before, after, or during the show, and I will usually respond to you. Here's a text which will... Uh, I'm going to answer this when we get to the segment, which will be the first segment we have. 
But it says, answer on air. If you were teleported into the Ken Scaler's body in Judge Judy's court and spoke instead of him, do you think your explanations and answers you would you would have won the case? Basically, the person saying, yeah, if I could take over for Ken Scaler and basically be him, would the result have been different? I will answer that when we get to the Ken Scaler segment. So you can text me. I may read your texts on the air. And there's never a time that you shouldn't text me. You can always text me if you want to say something, no matter what time of day or night. So here's the agenda, and then we will get going. Now, Drift, what about calling you over and over and over and over again when you're in the middle of a segment? Thank you for bringing that up. Don't. Don't do that. If you do that, then I may block your number, and I'm definitely not going to answer if that's the way you try to get through. So when you try to call, try once. If I don't answer, then try back in about 15 minutes or preferably try in between segments or just as we're coming to the end of a segment, then I will be much more likely to take your call. If we're we're beginning something new that we're talking about, I will never answer your call. Never. So here is the agenda, and then we will get started. Ken Scaler was on Judge Judy. I can't believe this is the lead story, but it is. Ken Scaler, he appeared on Judge Judy on Thursday, January 18th. He lost... I'm going to play some clips of that, and then we will discuss whether or not the ruling was fair. Of course, Drew, I watched that thanks to, uh, I don't remember which PFA member it was, but uh, he put it on his Google Drive. Yeah. So big props to you. I apologize. I don't remember who it was. Beer and poker did it, yeah. But he he looks like a guy that would get caught jacking it off in the Starbucks bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Nothing against Ken. He seems like a really nice guy, but like if I... Saw a headline with a mugshot of, you know, man caught masturbating in Starbucks bathroom and his picture was on it. I'd be like, yeah, you know, that seems about right. Yeah, I can't argue with that. So (laughs) and by the way, if you do want to see the video and uh, this is exactly what Cal Watt was mentioning, you can go watch it. If you go to the Poker Fraud Alert Flying Stupidity Forum and go to this thread about uh, Ken Scaler appearing on Judge Judy, which is probably going to be on page one or two by the time you get there. Uh, go to that thread, and there's a message posted by Beer and Poker, and where he posts inside of a spoiler. Spoiler meaning you click the show spoiler button, and then it shows you a link. You click on that link, and it will show you the the entire show with commercials cut out too. He did a great job. So uh, I'm going to connect on Trader Ruski, who for whatever reason, whenever he tries to call in, and I don't know why. I'm going to have to try to investigate this. For whatever reason, when he's involved and he tries to call, or if I'm on with him already and someone else tries to call, I can never merge them together. It's either him or the other people. So I I have to not accept the call and then connect him on here. But he'll be here in a second. Trader Ruski, hello. Trader Ruski, you there? How you doing? Good. Okay, we got got, got all three of us together. Maybe we'll even get uh, Brandon later. We never know. So, we have an interview, I think, provided she doesn't fall asleep or something. She's an hour later than where I am. Uh, a woman named Chris, Kristen, who lives in Idaho, and messaged me on Facebook. And Actually, she, she didn't message me. She tried to add me as a friend. And whenever people try to add me as a friend on Facebook, I will not just blindly accept them if I don't know them. I will put them through 20 questions to find out, how do you know me? Why do you want to add me? Why do you want to be in my life? And so so I, uh, I put her through the questions and came up with some very interesting answers, enough to where I thought she would be an interesting character to have on radio, and she agreed to come on tonight. So 
you will hear from her. What's most interesting about Kristen is she has a very unusual marriage. She is married, but the marriage is quite unusual. I think you guys will be fascinated by it. Seriously Serious, a listener to the show, a poster on our forum, a, a great Photoshopper, a great maker of song parodies, especially about poker. He now works for Doug Polk. And Mas- master of bots, you forgot that one. Yeah, master of view botting on YouTube. That's right. He was, he was good at that as well. He, he appeared on, or he's, he's worked for Doug Polk now and makes pretty good money doing so. So whenever Doug Polk gets into little spats with people on Twitter, you know what side Seriously Serious is on. He's, he's quite biased when it comes to Doug Polk. And uh, Doug Polk has had a kind of back and forth battle. Not too serious, but they clearly don't like each other with uh, with Daniel Negreanu. So, seriously serious, you know what side he was on, and now he is doing battle on Twitter with Daniel Negreanu. And I'll tell you what that's about, and I'll give you my opinion as to who is right. A poker fraud alert user has been cheated by 888Poker. Not, by, you know, not a whole lot of money, but it's pretty outrageous, and I think it's more incompetent than an intention to cheat him, but it's still kind of a disturbing story, and one I think deserves to be told out here. Dan Fleischman, who was best known to poker players as the guy who started Victory Poker, and that failed. He is releasing a book on how to start a business for less than $1,000. So we'll tell you a bit about Dan Fleischman. I'll give you my opinion on him, and whether you should take Advice from Dan Fleischman on how to start a business for less than $1,000. A huge bad beat jackpot hit, this time live, at a Detroit-area casino. So we'll talk about that. Actually, a bigger bad beat jackpot than I think has ever hit live. I've talked about my NBA betting on this show. I, I'm, I've actually had a good week. I had a good week after uh, a two-week slump. I had a good week. And I, I'm still continuing to do pretty well, but this is not really about me. This is about the NBA, and they have actually proposed legalizing sports betting. This is from Commissioner Adam Silver. One little twist to it, though. The NBA, in their proposal to legalize betting on their sport everywhere, they want 1% of all bets placed. <laughs> They just want it given to them. That's uh, <laughs> pretty outrageous. So we're going to talk about that proposal and, and why this is so stupid. Gambling addiction is something that I'm sure many of the listeners of this show have faced. I mean, it, it's, it, that's the truth. There's a lot of people who listen to this show because they enjoy gambling. They enjoy the discussion of poker and gambling topics. But I'm aware of the fact that many people who listen here have a gambling addiction. For some people, it may be a light addiction where it doesn't really affect them that much. Others, it may be a pretty severe addiction where it's really harmed their lives. I try not to judge the listeners here. I'm just happy to have ears listening. But I'm sure there's a lot of gambling addicts who listen to this show. So I think this topic is one that everybody should pay attention to. Doctors in Finland are studying whether, and this is going to sound crazy, but they're really studying this, whether nasal spray can cure gambling addiction. So we'll talk about that when we get to that segment. 
Two Las Vegas topics. Maybe Brandon will be on by that point. He tends to call towards the end of the show, so I always hold these back towards the till the end. The Wynn plans to open up a new Las Vegas hotel. They currently have the Wynn and the Encore right next to each other. Hard Rock Las Vegas is no longer. They have sold to Virgin. Yes, the same Virgin that uh, you probably know of. Virgin Records, Virgin, Virgin Atlantic Airways, same Virgin. Uh, Virgin Hotels they have sold to. And I'll tell you what uh, the future plans are for the Hard Rock. Finally, this is a requested topic by listener Benford. I'm going to talk about do not call lists and robocalls that you're getting even though you're on the do not call list and if there's anything you can do to stop them and how is this happening? Why are you getting so many and why is it so hard to stop? So that is our agenda this evening. And happy to have uh, both co-hosts here. Free roll starting in 16 minutes, which it's so unusual to finish this agenda and get ready to start the main show and have the free roll not started yet. Uh, it's, it's usually, I know. Thank you. Thank you for starting, like, almost on time. It, it's, it's actually amazing that I've done this because usually it's a race between the free roll starting and me starting the show at all. But here, it's usually I'm like, yeah, we have a free roll tonight. It began minus nine minutes ago. Or it's beginning not minus nine minutes ago. But no, it's actually not running yet. It won't be running for another 15 minutes. All right, so I want to talk about Ken Scaler and the appearance on Judge Judy. Now, I gave a long segment last week on the backstory, and I'm not going to do that again because you guys heard it last week. If you didn't hear it last week, go back to the show last week. It's kind of near the beginning. And listen to the long segment explaining the backstory. At- nah, fuck it. Just play call to listen line roulette. <laughs> you know, just load it up and pray that you're going to get that episode. Yeah, it, it may only be like a month wait until it comes on. But uh, you'll, you'll be entertained in the meantime, at least. So, anyway, he was on Judge Judy on Thursday. If you miss it again, go to that thread I talked about on the Flying Stupidity Forum and look for the post by Beer and Poker, where he does the spoiler tags. You'll find a link to it, and you can watch it. In a good quality version of it with no commercials. I tried to post it on YouTube, and it just got yanked immediately. CBS is, is so good at – their bots are just so good at catching it that within four minutes it was gone. So I'm not even going to bother again. It's too bad. I mean, I, I wish they made these things available, even if they want to put commercials in them. But I, I couldn't find a way like online where they just normally post it where you can just go watch it. So unfortunately, we have to deal with uh, Beer and Poker's shady link on, uh, on Google Drives. But it's totally safe to view, totally safe, so don't worry about that. Oh, it's beer and poker? Thank you, beer and poker. Yeah. So, yeah, he did it fast, too. Like, he, he actually got it done before it even aired on the West Coast, so I actually was able to, to watch it before it aired in California. So, very, very brief synopsis of what happened. Um, Ken Scaler has a rent-control apartment where he's lived since 1995. He moved in almost 23 full years ago. And... Hold on, I'm having this interference again. I think I yeah, I'm hearing some crackling on yeah, your end. Yeah, okay, that's, that's not good. I was hoping it was only me hearing it. Okay, I think it's gone. So, since 95, I think he moved there in March 95, he's in a rent-control one-bedroom apartment in an expensive area of Los Angeles. Now, all of Southern California is fairly expensive compared to most of the rest of the country as far as rent prices and also home prices if you want to buy them. But... He lives in an area that is more expensive than average. 
he lives what's known as south of the boulevard, which refers to Ventura Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley in a city called Sherman Oaks. So even though the building itself is older and you know, not that great, it's just kind of an okay giant apartment building, but it's location south of the boulevard, and it's also right by the 101 and 405 freeways, so it's also very convenient if you need to take the freeway anywhere, like to work or whatever, but it's... Uh, very fast to get there where other parts of LA you have to drive. Oh, hold on. Does, does Ken have that problem where he's got to get to work? He, he does work. Yes, but he just doesn't drive. Really? There. I yeah. thought for a long, Oh no, no, no. Okay. That's right. It's yeah. his roommate. The guy that was living with yes, him. Right? Yes. So he had a roommate and the pro- you may think, what a roommate. It's a one bedroom apartment. Well, exactly. That's the problem is that they cuddle, right? Yeah, they, they just curl up together and cuddle. Right. Unless it's like a, a romantic relationship. You don't want a roommate in a one bedroom. So what Ken did to entice roommates to live there, he's been doing this since like 08, since his uh, mom stopped giving, his mom was kind of like tapering down how much money she was giving him, and now she gives him nothing. And, you know, nothing against her here. She, he, he's uh, almost 48 years old, so that the time for that should have ended a long time ago. So he, he got these roommates and, o- over time. He's like, had like five or six different roommates, and all of them have been terrible. Why? Well, think. Who would want to live with Ken Scaler, who's also very messy, in a one-bedroom apartment? Even if he gives you the bedroom, who would want to live there with him? And you know, you're in the bedroom. He's sleeping out in the living room. It's, it, he's, he's very messy. It's, it's a very unpleasant situation. So the type of people who would rent part of a one-bedroom are ones who are usually desperate for somewhere to live. Usually people who have terrible credit, uh, a criminal background, uh, a drug problem, a combination of both. So he's had all of that. Uh, just scammers and deadbeats, he's had that too. So the problem is he's very unlikely to find a normal, responsible, good person to share the place with him. There are even some people who've wanted to live with him that uh, you know, fell through, thankfully, but ones who actually had good intentions and weren't bad people, but they just were perpetually broke and very bad with money and to where they just wouldn't have the money eventually to to live there. So it's, it's just very tough to get someone there that's financially at least like semi-stable, not a criminal, uh, not someone with a drug or drinking problem, not someone with horrible credit. Like to get that in that situation is very unlikely. It's like, it's kind of like if you say you're a guy who's 50 years old and you're ugly and you're broke and you're kind of a jerk you're being uh, kind of harsh, Stress. You're not fifty. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't mean me, though. Anyway, go ahead. So let's let's say you're, you this. That's you. Uh, you couldn't really be expected to score like a really hot chick that you didn't pay for, which you probably couldn't pay for because you're broke. Like, you, like a, a hot young chick is almost never going to be interested in you. Or probably never, not even almost never, because you, you have nothing to offer. There's nothing. If, up- if she is, she's probably going to murder you in your sleep. Right. There's there's nothing about you that <laughs> that she's going to say. Oh, like I, I find that appealing. Like none of that altogether is is going to attract her. So it's the same thing. Ken had Ken's living situation was like the really 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 ugly broke person of the dating world. So uh, no one's going to want to be in that situation unless they're desperate. So and I told him that. I told him over and over, and he had terrible roommates over and over. So. He found someone, and he had promised me, because I helped him out of these bad situations, he had promised me that he was not going to get another roommate unless I talked to the person, got to know them, and approved, of, approved them. 
But I was away on a cruise in September 2015, and he moved someone in, a guy named Eric. Eric's background was that he was a former drug addict, claimed that he just wanted a place to live where he was away from all that, and Ken does not do drugs or drink, so you know, he said that was a perfect place for him to go. He was actually referred by Colleen, if some of you remember her. And you know, she brought him over one day to Ken's. He offered Ken six hundred sixty dollars a month, which was far more than anyone else was willing to pay. And Ken just snap accepted him without really getting to know the guy or running it by me. He was so mesmerized by the six sixty a month, he snap accepted the guy. Problems immediately started. Uh, eventually, the rent the guy was paying went down from six sixty to five hundred for various reasons. And the guy also was not paying utilities and would run the air conditioner all the time. And Ken would. Sometimes, you know, have to spend a lot of that 500 the guy would give on the electric bill. So it was a bad situation. But the bad situation got much worse when, in May, Ken got an eviction notice. He actually got a three-day perform or quit notice to get rid of the roommate, which they claimed was unauthorized. This was 20 months later, in May of 2017. They wanted the guy, you know, they gave him a notice dated three days earlier, saying you have a three-day notice to fix this or quit. Quit meaning leave. So that was a trick, of course. They didn't want him to fix it. They wanted to pretend like the three days had expired already. And then they filed an eviction because he, quote, didn't fix it in three days. So why was the building doing this? Well, because Ken was only paying $1,100 a month rent, and the building could get 2100 for that same unit if Ken was out because then they could charge whatever they wanted once the rent control tenant was gone. So that's a common trick that landlords use is finding some flimsy reason to try to evict the rent control tenant, especially when it's someone who's been there a very long time. So the reason they were doing this now, after all these years, is because they were trying to sell the building, and the building will go for more money if they have fewer rent control tenants. That, that was the reason for this, law, this uh, eviction that was filed. Now, evictions are kind of slow, so you're not going to be gone the next day. You know, it, it goes all the way to court. It's a, it, it, I helped Ken get attorneys. I'm not going to get to that whole story. I told that last week. But It can sometimes take years to get people out. It, it does, it not depends, over here. You know? it, it takes months sometimes, several months. So the, here, here it took, uh, until the whole thing was done, it, it took five months. So it, it, it went all the way through. This happened at the beginning of May 2017. It went through May, June, July, August, September. So the good news was that Ken won. Ken beat the eviction. And... The one who did not beat the eviction was Eric, who Ken did not want there anymore. And the reason Ken didn't want him there anymore, among the other problems, was that when the eviction notice came down in May, Eric said, I'm not paying rent now. Why? Because Eric knew that when an eviction is filed, and he knew this from being evicted previously, when an eviction is filed, the landlord cannot accept your rent. Because uh, what happens in most states, I don't know if all 50 are like this, but most states, including California, once an eviction is filed, if the landlord accepts your rent... Even if it's not an eviction about rent, even if it's just an eviction over something else, like this was. If the landlord accepts your rent, it cancels the eviction. Why? Because the eviction... Judge Judy didn't seem to agree with that. Right. Well, Judge Judy is clueless, and we'll we'll get to that. But I know this very, very well. I've known this many, many years. I know it very, very well. I am very, very familiar with, with rental law, especially in California. And when you accept rent, it cancels the eviction automatically. Why? Because it's basically an indication the landlord has chosen to continue the rental contract. The eviction is a, it's a court procedure to say, we are canceling this rental contract, and we need the court to affirm that we have the right to do so. Once right, you accept- it's the same, same reason why um, when the police are doing like a prostitu- prostitution sting, 
that there's a implied contract once the money is handed over. That's why they wait until the money has been exchanged, because right. that's an implied contract. That is similar. Look, look at this. CalWatch compares the prostitution to Ken's uh, rent uh, situation. So, yeah. Well, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to bring it into terms that everyone can understand. That's, that's true. They probably understand it better. You're right. <laughs> so... Once you accept rent, that's we could get Raymer on to talk about that. <laughs> maybe both, maybe both <laughs> right? things, maybe both things. If he's really broke, like people think, then maybe, <laughs> maybe both things have happened to him. So, so yes, if they accept rent, and I know in California, one hundred percent that's true. In most states, that's true. There, there may be a few states which aren't like this, but I don't know of any. If they accept rent, it's it's an indication to the court that the landlord is interested in continuing the rental contract, and then that erases the cancellation of the contract and they'd have to start all over so they would not accept ken's rent in fact ken had already paid the rent they returned the rent to him for may they also would not accept the rent in june july august or september and they actually were actually uh, june july august they also wouldn't uh, by august then uh, there was a, a settlement in court where at point at that point ken had to pay the back rent and then there were some more actions in september which are immaterial here but what I'm trying to say here is that the roommate, knowing that Ken didn't have to hand the rent to the landlord, said, oh, good. Well, you don't have to pay rent. Well, I don't have to pay rent. And Ken's like, no, 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 no. You're renting from me, not them. You're not even an official tenant. You're, you're, you're renting a room from me. I'm like subletting to you. He says, nope, you're not paying them rent. I'm not paying you rent. So then the guy says, look, I'm not going to cheat you. Uh, when you have to pay them your rent, then I will hold all this rent and I will give it to you. Now, believe it or not, you may think this guy was lying. No, he actually was. This guy actually, the one thing this guy isn't is a liar. This guy is, is, a, is a piece of crap in many ways, but the one thing he isn't is a liar. So he actually was holding the rent. You may say, okay, so what's the problem? He's going to give Ken a lump sum when Ken actually has to pay the landlord. Well, the problem is the guy attached a condition to it. The guy's condition was, I'm only going to pay you this back rent if I get to stay. If I don't get to stay, then I'm leaving and I'm not paying you anything. And Ken says, well, no, but I'm going to owe the back rent either way. Because when you get evicted, you owe the back rent whether you win or lose. You owe the rent from the moment they stop taking your rent all the way up until the day in court when you get evicted. So you owe the rent for that period, win or lose. If you don't have it, they can, you know, they can garnish your wages, whatever. So... Uh, Ken was going to owe that no matter what, win or lose. So Ken kept telling him this, but the guy's like, no, they never go after you. Don't worry about it. I've, I've walked out on these types of situations so many times. They never came after me. He said, no, I'm not, unless I can stay, I'm not paying you. So that was really crappy that the guy was basically free rolling. The guy says either I'm going to get to stay here or I get a free apartment all these months. And Ken, it's going to all be on you. Real crappy. So anyway, the end result of the eviction is this guy was evicted and, and Ken was not evicted. So, of course, this guy did not pay the rent. This guy remained there all the way till the end of September when finally the sheriff uh, removed him as a result of the eviction. So he was there for five months, five full months rent-free without Ken's permission. Ken was demanding he pay rent. The guy was refusing. So the, Ken filed a lawsuit, and I actually was the one who told him to file the lawsuit. I told Ken that uh, he should sue the guy, and he needs to do it quickly before the guy leaves the place and disappears. Because if if Ken uh, leaves, or sorry, if this guy leaves, Ken won't know where to find him and serve him. And you have to serve someone in order to sue them. So uh, I said to Ken, you better get a lawsuit filed quickly. 
Otherwise, uh, this guy is, is going to disappear on you. So Ken did that. He filed a lawsuit, and he got a call from Judge Judy. And Judge Judy, uh, not you know, Judge Judy herself, but someone working for Judge Judy, said that they wanted this case to be on the show. And that's how Judge Judy gets cases, is they go through cases that are filed in courts, usually small claims, and they try to convince the person to dismiss the case in exchange for appearing on the show. And then what the show does for the people is each person gets a $500 appearance fee, both the plaintiff and the defendant. And then if the defendant loses or if the plaintiff loses a countersuit, then the show pays that. So the advantages to going on Judge Judy are that, number one, you get a $500 appearance fee. And number two, that if there's any judgment, that the show will pay it. And uh, so if you're the one who loses the judgment, then, you know, then you will not have to owe it yourself. And if you are the one who wins, you won't have to worry about collection, that the show will pay you. So... Ken really wanted to go on, and Ken loves going on TV. You can go on YouTube and look up Ken Scaler, that's S-C-L-I-R, and you'll see all his different TV appearances dating back to the mid-'90s. And he was very happy to go on, and, and surprisingly, he thought that the guy was going to refuse. I guess the guy was so so much, uh, so much broke and so much wanting money that he was willing to appear as well, just for the 500 and also knowing that he won't owe anything if he loses the case. So in early November... They tape this. Some people think Judge Judy is taped in New York. They try to kind of imply that without directly saying it during the opening of the show. That's not true. It's actually taped in Los Angeles. So Ken didn't have to why, travel. Why would anyone care where it's taped? It's not so much caring. It's kind of just watching and seeing the setting that they try to make it look like. And she's got the New York accent. And they really make just mm. kind of make it look like New York. And people are surprised to hear it's L.A. It doesn't really matter, though. So Ken went to down to L.A. in early November, and they did this. Now, there are two sides to this as to whether Ken should win. On one hand, this guy voluntarily stayed for five months and did not pay rent when he had agreed. And he, he's, by the way, the guy never denied that he was paying $500 a month and had agreed to $500 a month. So that, that was never at issue. There was, the guy was not saying, oh, no, Ken always let me live for free. No, he, he admitted that they had an agreement that he pays $500 a month, and it's been that way since 2015. So that, that is never in question. So the only question is, does this guy have a right to stay there for those five months for free because the implied contract they have – and I say implied because they don't have a written on paper contract – but because the agreement they have is technically not legal because uh, he can't be a tenant there according to – the he, he, He'd have to be approved to be a tenant He actually could be, but he would have to have been approved He was not approved The landlord did know he was there And that actually does make him an official tenant But there's no way to prove that So uh, after 60 days Once the landlord knows you're there, you become an official tenant But that, that was never proven But uh, Ken did win the eviction case Based upon that And so the question is Does this guy Can Ken collect back rent from a guy That according to his rental agreement, wasn't supposed to be there, but was paying $500 a month all the way back to September, and upon learning he wasn't supposed to be there, chose to stay five months anyway and said he's staying for free. Does, uh, you know, morally should Ken get the money and legally should Ken get the money? So there's something I didn't know about Judge Judy, because I I never watched Judge Judy, because I I don't like her. I find her very obnoxious. Cal, what do you think of Judge Judy? Isn't she your people? She is, but I, I don't like her. She's obnoxious. She's... I 
I find her to be like an authoritarian, someone who just wants to be nasty and abusive to everybody just just for the sake of it. And 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 well, that's her. That's her stick. Well, I know it is, and she makes she makes. Uh, what do you believe? Forty seven million a year for that run. Totally that believe it. She makes forty seven million a year and works fifty two days a year. She works fifty two days a year, makes forty seven million a year. So I'm not I'm not saying that she she has a bad thing going. Obviously, she's done something that's incredibly successful. But personally, I don't like her. And personally, I always hate people who just uh, cut you off, won't let you speak, make up their mind already before you can talk to them act like they're better than you, shout over you, and, and, and think they basically have the authority to do so. They, they're just unreasonable. And Truff, you, you've been to an actual courtroom, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I know there was a network, court TV, and all that kind of stuff, but for the most part, like, you know, I mean, courts are boring as fuck. So, I mean, of course, she's going to have some kind of a shtick, right? She's got to have something to make it, you know, interesting. And, I, you know... I, I think some people find it entertaining, especially to have a, you know, a, a woman in power up there who's just absolutely excoriating, you know, the the people that are in front of her. Yeah, you know? and 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 I get that, and I I'm not questioning so much. Like, you know, I'm not saying she shouldn't be this way because she's doing it and it's successful, and she's making forty seven a million a year. Of course, she should be this way. I'm saying I personally don't like it, and for that reason, I didn't watch the show uh, until. Would this. you do that? Would you? Ask- uh, we're losing. We lost Calwood. I think. Calwood, you there? Trader are you still here? No, I'm here. He disappeared for me too. Very strange. I I was getting worried that we lost connection or something. Okay. Well, uh, Trader Ruski, what do you think of Judge Judy? I like. I'm a big Judge Judy fan. Really? You're very, okay. So I want to be interested. In I just think, I just think the shows are hilarious. Okay. You know. See, I, see, so I, I don't know if it's as much her or the people coming on and just the whole thing, but it's yeah, it's I, pretty funny. You know, I the funny thing is, I actually wouldn't mind a show where the judge like just berates idiots who, who who are coming into court with a ridiculous demand or claim or ridiculous lawsuit or people defending a lawsuit where they're way in the wrong and don't realize it like i that that is actually entertaining the problem as demonstrated by this show as i'm going to with ken as, as i'm going to show people is that she would not listen and and was totally not number one not even uh ruling on the actual situation but number two was also refusing to listen so I'm going to play some some parts of this. It's unfortunate. I don't know what happened to Calwat. He actually fell off. I hope I hope he's okay. I hope there wasn't just a a, a catastrophic event there in, in Rochester, New York. But I, I hope not. But I'm going to play Judge Judy here. What do you want? Hang on a second. We're going to I'm going to jump to the past the intro here. And I'll play the very beginning. I'm going to jump around here. This is 16 minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But I, I want to comment on a few parts because this is it's pissing me off. I don't like what happened there. Is suing his former roommate, Eric Polivka, for unpaid rent. Order. All rise. This case- By the way, can you hear this, uh, Trader Risky? Can you hear? It? I can. Okay, good. Did the free roll start yet? By the way, Jeff. Uh, sorry, seven minutes ago, so you can get in. Okay. Uh, Scaler versus Polifka. Thank you. You're welcome, Judge. By the way, that bailiff who does like almost nothing gets a million a year. Can you believe that? Parties have been sworn in. Wow. You're seated, sir. Have a seat. Oh, Bird, would you do me a favor? Sure. I walked out here without my glasses. Oh, okay. okay. Could you put my glasses, maybe? No problem. Thank you. 
This sounds like something that would happen on this show. <laughs> you would think something where they pay the star $47 million, that they would have somebody to make sure she doesn't go out without her glasses. And if she does, like, they'd pause the show and, uh, like, so somehow that's actually part of the show. And it's not, not an interesting part. Just, uh, it's just part of the show that she forgot her glasses. And, and the bailiff is to go get them and give them to her later in the show. Like, they, they can't even reshoot something. It, it's so strange to me. It really, like, it really looks very amateur hour to me. And yet she's being paid $47 million a year, and this is a huge production. But anyway, going on. I'm going to try to soldier on without them until you get back. Okay. Mr. Scalin. Hello. Is your claim that the defendant, who was your roommate for a while, owes you for some things, rent? Correct. Back rent. So let me try You're to You're playing something. This. We can't How hear you. How long have you been living oh, in your apartment? Okay. I've been there since March. Okay. Let me fix that. I think it's be you entered the line. Yeah, that is why. Okay. Here we go. March 1995. Is it a rent-controlled apartment? It's rent-controlled SRO. Rent-controlled SRO? Did I think you... SRO is a type of apartment under rent control. I don't know what it stands for. But... And in what state, thank you, in what state do you live? California. Are you allowed to have a roommate in your apartment? The answer is no. Okay, right there, I knew he's losing. Right, right there, it's over. I, think I might as well turn it off. The second I saw that, I mean, I knew he was losing anyway because he told me. But had I not heard from him what the result was, the second I heard that, are you allowed to have a roommate? The answer is no, no, no. I, I knew it. I knew. I, I would have known it right then. As I said, I knew it anyway, but I would have known it right then because right there she has decided that Ken's losing. She's decided that Ken is pulling a fast one on the building and that she's going to basically be the attorney – and the judge in the eviction case that has already been completed and ruled in Ken's favor. That she's basically going back to retry an eviction case against Ken where he won and make him lose and then rule against him based upon him losing in her mind. That's, that's really what she was doing here. So let, let's go on listening. Correct. Your Honor, I... Judge, just a sec. I can't hear oh, God, I hate Skype. Like, if I have it off like a minute... If it's not playing something for a minute, it's, it, it loses the sound. It's so frustrating. Okay, this should fix it. State of California, are you allowed to have a roommate in your apartment? Of course I'm allowed to have a roommate. I've and had... charge them rent. Well, yes. I'm going to look that up. Are you telling me that you are permitted under rent control to have a strange person living with you and to split the rent with them? I've Actually, yes, he is. The answer is yes. You actually are allowed, and this, she didn't know this either. She's acting like, she, like this is crazy, a strange person come live with him. Under Los Angeles rent control law, and he's going to state this here, you are allowed to add a roommate. The only thing you need, and the landlord can't say you can't have a roommate. The only thing the landlord can do is check out that roommate, and if, land, if the roommate doesn't meet their approval process, they can reject them. But if the person meets the process, if the person is a, you know, their credit's okay and everything else, which those guys wouldn't have been, but... Uh, you, yes, you can have a roommate, and they can't stop you by L.A. rent control law. I've had permission from the managers that I can have a roommate. I've had six roommates. I don't since care I've... how many you've had. That's not my okay. question. Then... What I'm asking you is, under rent control, were you permitted by law to have a roommate? I believe under 242 and 338, from what I remember, you are allowed to add a, a tenant into your apartment, and then they can charge 10% more rent. See, I thought that was pretty good. He actually knew the code. I didn't, even I didn't know that. He must have looked it up. Now, when the yeah, defendant I, I gotta, came to live with you... i got to say, Druff... Oh. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, as much as I'm having fun busting on Ken, he actually, you know, he 
carried himself well, and he, he came off pretty good, I think, uh, for the most part in the, his appearance on there. That's what I thought. I, and I, I, gave, yeah. I kind of prepared him for this. Like, I didn't tell him to look up those exact codes, but I told, I told him in ba- you know, basically what to say. Uh, I, so he, he didn't follow it completely, but I, I, yeah, I thought he did a reasonable job. So let's go on here. Did you notify them? I told my manager that I... I, Did you? Yes. Show me. What do you mean, show you, though? Show me official notification that you are paying a tenant. (laughs) I'm going crazy here. I I think I'm going to sue Skype for this. This is pissing me off. And paying a 10% increase in rent. I don't have any official notification. I told him verbally. And you did not not pay a 10% increase. I did not pay a 10% increase. Correct. I was not. We're just just setting the framework here, sir. Yeah, we're setting the framework for him losing. That's the problem. The 10% is what happens is by L.A. City law with rent control building, you can force them to let you take a roommate, but you do have to pay them 10% extra rent while the roommate is living there. If the roommate moves out, you don't have to pay the 10% anymore. But uh, while the So you have to pay it, or they have the option to... Oh, right. Actually, Trader Ruski is correct. They have an option to tell you to pay the 10%. They don't... So that's... And that's a good point, Trader Ruski. They knew he was there. He was there 20 months before they tried to evict him, and they never asked for the 10%, which they could have at any time. And they're... Yeah, now, believe, is, that, is that 10% cumulative? Like, the next time you add another one, that's another 10% no, on no, top of the 10%? No, in fact, the 10% goes back away when that roommate leaves. Oh. So, okay. so, so she is obsessed over this ten percent too. So, basically, between that and him quote not being allowed to to have a roommate, uh, which wasn't even true, she already has. She said we're setting the framework. That's more right, true. Right, but than- right there, I think was his first mistake because what he could have said is. The building has an option to charge me ten. You're right. You're right. And in fact, I think uh, the way he said it was like he didn't report it to the right authorities. Right. So she thought he was getting away with something. Right. And he also could have said that uh, you know, it's been twenty. You know, it's been twenty months. They've known about him for a long time. He he uh, he he answered the door for them many times. They were very aware of him. And by L.A. City law, that if they're aware of him for sixty days, they they can't even charge the ten percent anymore. So, but yeah, you're right. He he just said that he, he made it seem like it's an automatic ten percent that kicks in, and then that uh, made it look like he's just stiffing them. Right. So right there, he they she thought that he was trying to pull one over. Yeah. The, the the point is, she should know this. She's not, uh, and she should have a research staff that looks this up. She she's just winging it here. Doesn't know the law. No problem, man. You're supposed to be living there by yourself. If I believe you, which is probably... Don't tell him, Trader. Don't tell The thing is, I don't know whether I want to get involved with somebody who's sort of stretching what the law is and then asking courts to help them. So the defendant was living with you. The management did not know that they were living with you. You did not pay an additional 10% rent. What was the rent on your apartment? When he first moved in or now? When he first moved in. The rent in 2015 was 1040. And how large is your apartment? I believe it's a little over 900 square feet. How many bedrooms? One bedroom. How many baths? One bath. Where does he sleep? In the bedroom. And where do you sleep? On the couch. Cuddled up in my arms. And what rent was he charging you? $500 a month. So when they found out management, who you say that knew, when they found out they brought eviction proceedings against you, in what month did they bring eviction proceedings against you? May 2017. But they did know I've had him as a roommate since practically when he moved in, as well as all my past roommates. I'd like to see then... What was the basis for their eviction? The basis for their eviction. No, you have to show me. 
Okay. What was the- okay, so here's here's where the problem is. The, the rest of the time here, she sits there basically chiding him for, you know, the, hey, what's the basis of their eviction? Oh, it's because you had a roommate here. Well, they're evicting you for a good reason. Why does this matter? This has already been decided. This is done. This was done before he entered the Judge Judy courtroom. The eviction was ruled in his favor, meaning it's over. It's over. He won. And whatever they were evicting him for turned out to not be true. It was ruled in court. This was not true, what they alleged. Because if, if what they were alleging was true, then they would have won. They did not win. This is, it's not like it was an ongoing case. It was over. He had already won. So for her, she, what she's trying to do here is ask him a bunch of questions. And notice there's been nothing asked about the agreement between him and Eric other than how much Eric was paying per month and where he sleeps. She's focusing on this eviction, which was already done, and it doesn't make any sense to me because it has nothing to do with the case. It has nothing to do with it here. It's, it's very simple. Eric refused to pay rent and stayed. Now, if you were thinking, well, wait a minute. Ken didn't get the approval from the landlord. He can't prove that he got approved. He can't prove they knew about it. Even if he won the eviction case, he can't prove they knew about it. He never got approval, so doesn't, make that, doesn't that make his agreement with Eric illegal? Well... Not illegal in the sense that uh, that any action could be taken, other than you know the building could sue him for it if they wanted to. But they, you know that that was part of the eviction; and it was dismissed. But what you can do at that point, if you're if you're Eric and you don't like the, if you think the agreement you have with Ken is not legal, then you can just get up and leave. You can say, "Okay, Ken, I'm not giving you 30 day notice. I'm giving you no notice. I'm leaving because I'm not supposed to be here." And our agreement, uh, therefore, is invalid, so I'm leaving now. You can do that. But what you can't do is say, yeah, our rental agreement is illegal. It's invalid. So, therefore, I'm not leaving. I'm just going to stay here indefinitely, and I'm not going to pay rent. You, you can't say that. You can't say, uh, dude, your, your rental agreement, it's, you know, the one I have with you, it's, it's not a good agreement. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to live here for free from now on. <laughs> you can't do that. You you cannot do that. You, you you never have a right to live anywhere for free. The only exception is if the place you're currently living is what's known as uninhabitable, meaning the the heat is broken in the winter, the AC is broken during the hot summer, uh, the water is not working for an extended period of time. Uh, you know, various other factors that make the place what's known as legally uninhabitable. But that's not the case here. It was messy, but it wasn't legally uninhabitable. Nor did his roommate claim it was. So that has nothing to do with it. Otherwise, there is no way you ever have the legal right to live somewhere for free in California. You cannot ever say, I'm staying here and paying you nothing to stay here, unless the person agrees. But even Eric agrees that, that, that Ken expected him to pay the 500 So he's not, he's not alleging that Ken said, uh, you know, hey, you can live here for free. He, he's admitting that, that that was the agreement, you can't just stay and pay nothing, ever, ever. But, but she's trying to somehow twist and turn to make it sound like that you can. The basis for their eviction. They weren't evicting you for non-payment of rent. They had to be evicting you for something. What were they evicting you for? They claimed that I had an unlicensed tenant there. Right. But there's a lot of background information. I don't, listen. Okay. Listen, I'm no 75. Problem. I'm not interested in your background. Okay, no. <laughs> You're being paid $47 million a year. You should be very interested. You're not into, you're 75. Well, then, then quit the show. <laughs> quit the show. 
it, it, it pisses me off so much when you say to the judge, you know, I want to show you. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Why not? It's about this case. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. They're evicting you for having an unlicensed tenant there. So answer all my questions. Can I say something, Your Honor? About what? During this whole time, the building, they were owned by the time. It was for sale. This was all happening while they were trying to increase the value of the building to the new owner, which is going to be real estate. Good for them. You've been having roommates unauthorized in violation of what you say the law is by paying increased rent since you've had roommates since 1995. And that's okay with you. But when a landlord wants to sell his building and increase the value of his apartment because you've been living there for 20 years and paying a rent-controlled rent, you somehow think that that's terrible. Why would you think it's terrible for them and not terrible for you? I have no problem paying a 10% increase. Just a second. Just a second. Why would you think, well, you did have a problem because you didn't pay it. You didn't voluntarily pay it. You ha- yeah, Trader Risky said you don't have to voluntarily pay it. But You guys can hear it now, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you don't yep. have to, you don't have to volunteer. It's, this is the way it went for, for most of the, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but this, this is the way it went. And you, I mean, obviously, even if you didn't know that he lost just from hearing these five minutes of it, you'd know that he lost. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was so infuriating. And, and then came the part, I've got to find it. I should have noted where this was, but I got to produce the show during the show where she didn't know. This is shocking to me. She didn't know that you don't pay rent while an eviction's going on. Let me see if I can find this. To pay the 10% increase required by... That's not it here. Let me try to find it here. Paying rent? Just to answer, that's a yes or a no. Here, here we go. But they move to evict you. When they move to evict you, let... Yeah, let me put this... I think you guys still can't hear, right? We can hear. Oh, you can hear now. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. No play. See what you did. Did you stop paying rent? Just to answer, that's a yes or a no. Yes. When they moved to evict me, they made me stop paying rent, no. and then I hired a lawyer to no, fight no, the No, 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 no. How did they make you stop paying rent? They wouldn't. They filed the papers to evict me, and they wouldn't take my rent from May no, on. Just show me where they refused to accept your rent. They moved to evict you. The papers refused to accept my rent were the no, ones... Show, show me. Show, I, thought that's, I thought that's in the uh, eviction thing. It says, just a second. Just show me. I may be wrong. I thought that... Just a second. Don't tell me what you thought. Just... Show me. Show you. Okay. This is standard. This is what all landlords do in California and every other state I know of. They do not accept your rent or it cancels the case. So he doesn't have, he was blindsided by this and I don't blame him that he has to prove he didn't, you know, that, that they didn't accept his rent. That's obvious. That's obvious, and I can't believe that Judge Judy didn't know this because this is very basic. This is not something that uh, – an obscure part of rental law that if, you don't, if you're not a judge who deals in that, that you may not know it. Well, it does depend on the state. Uh, which, what state makes you pay rent when you're, uh, when you're being evicted? Well, I don't know, but I, I did some research on it while we are talking about this, and everything that I found says that uh, it depends on the state that you're in. It's uh, right here, you uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, late late rent payment waives your rights in the eviction process in many states. So clearly, it's not all of them. 
I don't I don't know exactly which ones. You, okay. That's not the but, case. But, but the thing is, this is in California, and she has a legal team to go research this before. So someone screwed up big time here. She didn't, she didn't give a fuck, man. She's making a she's making an <laughs> entertainment show. I'm just surprised you know? the, the legal team you know came up with this, and like like this this should have been unless you just came up with this on the fly when she's on the bench there because this, this is crazy. This is this is very standard, and you, even if there's some states that that don't do this, Bro, uh, it, TV TV news is just a show. Right. I mean, it, it changed from being um, actual, just hard fact news a, a long time ago. So Judge Judy is a fucking sitcom, man. <laughs> I mean, it really is, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I know. And it's it's that's what's frustrating. And I was a little so don't fr- get too don't get too worked up is all I'm saying. Like, I, you know, you know, I was a little afraid that something like this would happen. But I thought, OK, what what seemed more likely to me, not really knowing Judge Judy, but just knowing about her, I, I just it seemed more likely to me that she'd be berating the roommate, going, "What you expected him to? You expected to live there for five months for free? You you think you can just stay somewhere and pay no rent? If you didn't like it, why, why didn't you leave?" Watch Ruff. like you were saying, you you don't like her and everything. But people watch Judge Judy because they want to see her yell at somebody. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I know. It's either the plaintiff or the defendant or both of them. But if she doesn't yell at them, people don't, aren't going to watch. Right. So I know? thought she was going to yell at the roommate for being so ridiculous to think he has a yeah. right to live for five months for free. Instead, she yells at Ken about this thing with the, with the building when this isn't about the, the – the building isn't there. They're not suing him. That has nothing to do with this. It's, it's about does his roommate owe him back rent when he lived there for five months? The answer is yes. So she actually went on insisting this. It's, it's, it's just that's the part that tilted me the most listening to this because <laughs> she just had no knowledge of the law and was berating him for not being able to prove something that's super standard in the state of California. In the document, sir, where it says we're moving to evict you for an unlicensed tenant, do not pay any more rent. Just show me that. I may be wrong. If I am, I will apologize. I'll give you some time to find it. Okay. You go through it. It doesn't have to say that. They just don't accept your rent. They just return it to you. It doesn't have to say that. And I don't know if it does or not, but it doesn't have to say that. And for those of you that are wondering, yes, Ken did not pay rent. He tried to pay. Sorry, he paid rent. They returned it to him. I actually saw that happen. I saw the money order he got back. Uh, The I I heard on three-way. I was secretly on three-way with him when he talked to the attorney for – the other, you know, for the building, and that attorney told him, "Do not pay rent." And Ken's own attorney, who worked for the basically the best eviction defense firm in Los Angeles, told him, "Do not pay rent." So this is not just my opinion. The attorney for the building that was uh, trying to evict Ken, this attorney who has you know thirty years' experience in dealing with these things, and Ken's own attorney, who's very experienced and works for a great firm that uh, defends evictions, they bo- one thing they agreed upon is Ken shouldn't pay rent. So Dred Judy's an idiot. And uh, yes, I know this is entertainment. I know it's not a real courtroom. Uh, it, it just bothered me. Yeah, Ken's my friend. He got the shaft. Anyway, you you can watch the rest of this. I'm not going to play anymore. That's, I, I played about yeah, maybe seven minutes of it. The whole thing's like 16 minutes. You can listen to the rest of it. And I'm, I'm also tired of battling with it going on and off. So, uh, okay, we're going to try to call up uh, Kristen. For our second topic here, I'm afraid she's going to go to sleep because it's, it's 10:30 and she she has a regular job. She's a she's a hairdresser in Idaho, and uh, she's a random who tried to add me on Facebook, and uh, I never just let a random add me. I could tell she wasn't 
I, I, it seemed unlikely she was a catfish, and it seemed unlikely she was a scammer. But still, I don't just let randoms add me on Facebook because on Facebook, I know you're you're traumatized by that whole terror thing. I understand. <laughs> the, the problem with Facebook is people get a view into your personal life. And even if, even if you think you don't post anything that personal, they do because they got they get to see who your friends are, who comments, you know, people people responding on your things you do post will often make reference to things that, about your life that they know, and they'll they won't be on guard to keep your privacy. So you, you've just got to make sure the people you have on your Facebook are ones that uh, you don't mind seeing a lot about your life. And if you just add everybody who tries to add you, then you can have people that. You really don't want seeing this. So I'm going to call her up and uh, talk about what happened here, see if she answers the phone. And Does it matter that I know absolutely nothing about what happened? No, it doesn't. All right. Christian, are you there? What are you po- Yes. Yes, hello. Okay, so this is the first time I've ever heard your voice. I've only communicated with you on Facebook. Uh, this is Todd. And uh, on this show with me, I have Calwatt. Say hello. Hello, Kristen. How are you tonight? Good. Okay, we have uh, Trader Ruski as well. Hey, Kristen. Okay, so I, Hello. I, I told them a very, very brief backstory. Uh, I'm going to tell most of it with you on here and then ask you a few questions that let the audience get to know you. Uh, this, this show's audience is a sausage fest. It's almost all men. So whenever we have a woman on the show, it's very exciting for everybody. So... Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to take that opportunity here. So no, no, he's he's right. I've already got my pants off. Uh, come on, she, she's gonna hang up. Now. Oh my god, <laughs> she's gonna hang up before we even get going here. Because I'm in my pajamas, uh, man. I'm on the East Coast. Yeah. It's after midnight. Everybody, chill out. Unbelievable. Okay. okay. So <laughs> so Kristen is uh, is thirty. She's thirty three years old. But I'll say this: when I saw her pictures, and I, I I don't even think these are like filtered or touched up. I saw her pictures uh, on on Facebook. I guess she was around 26. I was very surprised if she was 33. So you look very good for 33. And winning. She, yes, and you. I, I think that's. I think that winning thing kind of died out like what like three years ago. I think you're. Is that it, like, it? Could be. It could be making a comeback. I think it's been missed. Maybe it just got to Idaho. Maybe that's. Uh, is that po- still popular in Idaho to say that? We're pretty behind the times. Okay, so she's uh, a hairdresser in. Idaho, and she tried to add me on Facebook, and as I mentioned before I connected her on, I was very skeptical about this whole thing, as I am with any randoms who add me. So I, I, quick, I quickly looked at her profile. She looked real. She didn't seem like a catfish or a scammer, so I asked her, how do you know me? And she said, so tell, tell everybody what you told me at first. <laughs> the first thing I said was, I met you in a casino in Vegas. Yeah, and so my son was – I was actually lying in bed with my son. I was trying to get him to go to sleep, and he sees this exchange. I was doing this from lying in bed with my son, and he's reading this, and he says, what? You met her at a casino in Vegas? I'm like, oh, great. Now he's going to go back and You're tell – You're fucked, his- Ruff. You're fucked. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to go back and tell his mom that I'm meeting girls <laughs> at a casino in Vegas, and I'm like – And I'm was like, talking to her on the internet? Yeah. You're just fucked. Yeah, so, I, was, uh, so, so I, I typed, and I made sure that my son understood. I was like, no, I don't think this is true. I don't remember this. I said, so I'm like, I don't remember this. Let's, let's see what she says next. So I, I typed back that I don't remember this. And the, but she, before I could even finish saying that, she said, no, just kidding. And she said she saw – my blog and she likes my style. So that didn't mean much to me. That seemed like a generic answer. 
So I, I said, "Wait, you have a blog?" I, said, I I was wondering that too. I kind of do, but I hardly ever update it. So I said, Trev, I don't I don't even know that you have a blog. Okay. I had no fucking clue." Exactly. So so I asked her, "What are you talking about?" And she sent me a screenshot, and what she was actually referring to was a, a long comment I made on an article about Absolute Poker founder Scott Tom <laughs> on calvinair.com where it was written about Scott Tom making a deal and being able to return to the US. Oh, and, so she didn't like she didn't like your blog. She liked Calvin Air. Well, she liked my response to Calvin Air. So what happened is Calvin Air didn't write this this uh, article, but Calvin himself actually responded to it, which he rarely does. He responded to the article by saying good for Scott, referring to Scott Tom. So when I saw this, I got pissed. This I, I think this is a few months ago, whenever this whole thing happened with Scott Tom. So I was pissed that Calvin Ayer was rooting for Scott Tom getting off basically scot-free for everything he did. So I wrote a long response saying, uh, Calvin, you shouldn't be saying good for Scott, and here's why. And I, I put all my reasons, which most of you know, about how he was cheating everybody on absolute poker, including me. So Kristen saw this, and uh, for some reason – seeing my angry response to Calvin Ayer, even though you're not really a poker player yourself, uh, this made you want to add me on Facebook. Now, now, why why did you want to add me on Facebook after seeing that response? It was obvious that you had balls. Okay. Okay, that's, uh, that's And I answer. like that. You like that. All right, good. I like that about people. I, I like people who are willing to straight up see somebody who's remotely famous and go, uh, no, dude, that's not okay. Yes. <laughs> So, so later on, when I was talking with Kristen, and uh, I, I still hadn't added her at that point. I was still skeptical, but at least she had a legitimate backstory as to why she was talking to me. But, but I, I asked her at one point. I said, "Wait a minute. Why were you talking? Why were you even reading that article?" And she told me that one of her friends is actually the sister of Brent Beckley, who was both one of the owners of Absolute Poker and, and co-founders of it, and also processed all the payments on there. So, mm. so there's, there's a little tie-in here to the whole absolute poker scandal, and that's uh, now this friend who who's uh, the sister of Brent Beckley. How do you know her? Um, she, I actually ended up having to do a really horrible job um, in between beauty school and actually working in a salon because I had to pay off student loan debt mm-hmm. in order to get my license, and I had to work in a call center that was like a spin-off of Verizon or whatever, and she was my boss. Really? <laughs> you know, I probably have spoken yep. to you. I, I, I hate those third-party companies that spin off of, of Verizon and these other you know, cable companies and phone companies. When, whenever I get like a third-party company answering the phone there, they always do a horrible job. They're rude to me. And like, so I ask them, are, are you working for Verizon or are you actually a third-party company? And if they are from Verizon, they just tell me. If they say we're not allowed to answer that, then I know the answer. So, I, I, hey, Drew, this is, something really strange is going on here. What? Somebody, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. So we've got a, a 33-year-old girl on here, right? Yes. And Brandon has <laughs> not called up yet. Uh, he must not be listening. I mean, that's just that's just bizarre. He must not be listening. I'm, I'm sure he'll. You're right, though. It is like it's like the call of the wild. Like the second a girl appears on here, he just uh, he he's here immediately. Hey, is there a girl on this uh, on the show? Who is this? What does she look like? Can I see her picture? <laughs> yeah, it's just something's not right. He must be asleep or something. He must be. He must be asleep yeah. or at the casino or something. So, up oh, <laughs> to speak of that. Here, here, hold on. 
Hold on. <laughs> here we are. I knew it. I knew it. it. Brandon, oh, here no. he is. Brandon. Yeah. Hey, someone told me there's a hot girl on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Here comes the pussy whisperer. Right oh, boy. Oh, boy. What have I missed? What? I don't know nothing about oh, this. So the, only, the, the only important thing Kristen, you missed. Kristen, just guard yourself. Be careful. What have I missed? The, the Kristen, only thing- be careful. He can charm any girl out of her panties. Just be very careful. <laughs> The only thing you've missed so far, Brandon, is the fact that she tried to add me on Facebook because she saw me bashing Calvin Air about absolute poker. And, yeah, because uh, Druff hooked up with her at a casino in Vegas or something <laughs> no, like that. So, so <laughs> she she so this tried, is, uh, Caitlin. I'm told her name. No, Caitlin. No, Kristen. 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 All right. A- well, anyway, so so we found out that she, that her someone she she was friends with someone who uh was the sister of Brent Beckley who was the payment processor of Absolute Poker and one of the co-owners. This so, is a very elaborate cover story, Drew. Yeah, have it, you seen pictures of this uh I I have I see I knew that, I, I knew that was coming up. Yes, I've seen pictures and and she's pretty and she looks younger than her age. She's 33 but she looks like she's like 26. So hmm. So anyway, let me go on here. Hi, now, we're not, now Brandon hold on, hold, Brandon's Brand, in it for the duration. Brandon now. Brandon I I have to, I have to tell you something though, Brandon. Kristen, did you get a friend request on Facebook yet from some guy named Brandon? Because it's coming. <laughs> okay. So, oh, no. So let's, let's, oh, it's coming. Hold on. Hold on. I, I have to break to everybody here, to Brandon, Uh-oh. to the two of Uh-oh. you, to all the listeners, that Kristen is married. So... Kristen is married, and, that, and that's, I don't think anything has changed. Right? Well, well, wait, wait till you hear the rest of the story. This, this, this is the reason. The marriage is the reason I wanted her on this show. Okay. Okay. Kristen, how long have you been married? Uh, since July of last year. Since July of last year. Right. And her husband has been in prison for the last twelve years. Wait, I lied. I lied. It's 2018, since July of 2016. Oh, boy. He's going to be mad when he hears this from prison. What, your husband's in the big house right now? Yes. He's been there for the last 12 years. That Hey, Brandon, that means it's safe to go over. <laughs> it's, it's, Wait, are you one of those women that, like, I see in the press that just got engaged, like, Charles Manson or, you know, some well, well, kind of kind of, we're, we're, kind of thing. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Mm. That's 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 the reason I wanted to have her on here that she so she has been married. Oh, for, this is great. I got some <coughs> questions for her. I yeah. can't wait. All right, go right, what, right, is right. It, what is the old man in prison for? Yeah. You want so tell everybody what, what is he in prison for and, and how long he's been there? Twelve years. I mean, so tell it's either her, obviously murder, or, you know, homicide or drug dealing. No, that's that's the the really messed up part about our system, actually. Um he went in when he was only 21 years old. So he hadn't even had enough adult time to do a bunch of illegal things. Uh, he obviously made a bunch of stupid choices as a child up until the age of 18. Um, there were a couple of really small, stupid things that he did. But the main thing, um, this was his first real felony charge and his first a uh, big offense, mm-hmm. and nobody was seriously injured. It was a bar fight. It was the same crap that pretty much you all of to, us you have You go to prison for 12 years people. for a bar fight? Well, so, so, right. So I, I had, uh, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. She actually got 15 fixed and 35 altogether. So after 15 years of being in there, he'll be eligible for parole. 
Wow. What the fuck? But, but, what okay. did, he, did he kill someone? Right. In the I'm bar trying fight? to. Fig- I'm trying to figure this out. What What no. happened at that bar fight? But what happened there? There's some reason he got 15 hard years for sure. Uh, if he had a repeat, a, a, like, repeat offender. Did, did someone get Anyone? really? Did someone I mean, get? They don't even do uh, that in North Korea. Did someone get beaten like really badly? Like what? Okay. What, what happened from that bar? No. Fight? I'm so confused. No, and that's that's the part that. I mean, it took me forever to even accept it. I was like, yeah, right. We need to just get a good lawyer. Like, this is ridiculous. How could you possibly be in there for that long for that? Wait, but when did you really the, when did, got, you, we, we, did you know him back when this occurred? Um, I knew him a little while before that, and it wasn't even that we were good friends or that we dated or anything. It was I knew of him. Like we were, we ran in the same circles. We knew some of the same people, but, but we were but have never. You seen, do you know factually that these charges, like meaning, have you actually read this somewhere? What you're telling us? Yeah, that's, like, so that's a good no question. There's no way he's being yeah. dishonest to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, believe me, I am like a. I'm a girl. First of all, we're natural born CSIs. And what what state we is will this in? That's true. The Facebook for like four minutes and know everything about your life. What state is this in? Idaho. Now, do they allow conjugal? Visits don't be so hard on yourself. No, no, we're going to Brandon. We're going to get to that. We'll get to that. Don't well, don't, don't get well, ahead. How do of I know it. we're going to get to that? No, because, because come on, that's that's an obvious question. Stuff. That's an obvious. I'm just question. saying. Listen, Kristen, you got to have a little bit more self esteem. Don't be calling yourself a hoe. Come on. <laughs> she said Idaho, and I don't. Okay, so, I just think she should have a right, little wait, better self esteem. Hang on, so, hang on. Okay, hold on, hold on. So, Kristen, just go on a little more detail about this about these charges. So, there's a fight. Just tell us about that fateful night. Okay, well, uh, long story short, he ended up at a pool bar, um, and a bunch of guys, too much testosterone, too much alcohol in their systems, they got in a fight. It was a huge group of guys. They all got in a huge fight. Um, There were pool sticks used as weapons, which automatically ups the charge to assault with a deadly weapon. Um. So that's that's basically what happened. Is and, that they just got in a fight? There were pool sticks used. Um, did everyone in that who, fight get 16, 16 years? No, he was the only one him? that what ended did, up. What did he do? The big target. Uh, that's a really good question. When you read when you read the actual charges online, it says that, um, like when you read the actual court paperwork. Um, it says that he ended up hitting the female bartender in the face who was trying to call the police. Mm. But even then, like when they go to court and all that stuff, she's not sure if it was really him or if it was someone else. And like the whole thing was just so messed up. Like the first hand accounts, like the worst part about it is there was no video footage. So the bar didn't have any cameras. And so all of this firsthand knowledge and and information is coming from a bunch of drunk people. Okay, so can so you really go to jail for sixteen so? years for assault and battery? Yeah, that is crazy. So here's here's the question. I think Brandon was asking this too. Are you one hundred percent sure that you verified that these are really all the details? There's nothing being left out. Are you one hundred percent sure that you, you researched this and you you saw some oh. kind of hard proof that this was the case? Oh yeah. So not only have I looked up all of the court documents on the whole case, I've talked to other people that were there. Um, at one point, I did contact one of my friends who's a lawyer and had him look into the entire thing to see if there was anything he could possibly do 
to lower the time. Like I, I've looked into it completely. And, and the reality of the situation is, is that this is just what our court system has come to. Is well, that if he, if, if they, he was a guy that you, if he was a guy that you only like sort of knew, how did you transition from that into, you know, being involved w- with him to the point where you were looking to find a lawyer to try and help him out? Um, so about that, Facebook, like we've just now established with this whole situation, is a very weird thing. <laughs> um, his sister was actually running a Facebook account for him mm. and was adding people to it. And on Facebook, I really don't have time to look through every single request that I get. And so if you look like a remotely normal person, I just add you. That sounds like a slam against me here. You're you're saying you don't have time for it, but I do. I I have all the time to waste, but you you are too busy. Well, you know, sometimes the (laughs) truth hurts, Druff, you know. That was that was a back that was a backdoor slam. I didn't that didn't get past me here, but go on. Um and so I ended up adding um that Facebook profile and it was probably a couple weeks later that in my news feed started statuses started popping up from that profile saying my brother needs good people to talk to and blah 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 mm. and honestly my first res- my first initial thought was gross how did i get a prison dude on my facebook right so you're a sane <laughs> and person so, right <laughs> and that's the funniest part about this is people that know me are like are you serious like what's happening here how did this happen and the answer to that is I really don't know. Um, so I saw that, and I went and I looked at the profile because I was like, ew, how'd this get on here? And I go look at it, and I look at it a little bit closer, and I'm like, I actually know this person. So mm. I didn't immediately delete the profile. I just left it and was like, yeah, whatever. Moved on with my life, and once again, like a week later, that same type of status popped up. And at that point, I had been single for probably a year and I have pretty much no social life. All I do is work and hang out with my daughter who I raised by myself. And so I was like, eh, I could be his pen pal. Like, why not? Yeah, I can see the appeal of that. Sure. Like, yeah, it's a safe thing. Like I don't have to actually see this person in real life. I don't have to introduce anyone to my daughter and you get um, you get, get something out of it, but also you're you kind of feel like you're doing a good deed as well, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Like a lot of people that end up in prison, they don't have a good support system. They don't have normal, hardworking, good people to converse with. You know what I mean? Like they've never had that. So I was like, eh, I can do that. Well, it took about six months of that before I realized that. I was more excited to talk to him than I was to anybody else in my entire life. And at that oh point, boy. I knew I was done. <laughs> bow, bow, chicken, bow, yeah. wow. All right. Yeah, no, that's actually the sad part. So to answer that previous question, there has been no bow, chicka, wow, wow. Oh, God damn it. I, that's the main thing I wanted to talk to you about is the conjugal visits. Yeah, there's not, they don't have them. Yeah, I, no, wanted, I, I wanted to know the logistics of how you play hide the salami in the conjugal visits. You tell me you, you can't tell us about that? Uh, nope. I would never be able to tell you about that because Idaho is terrible. Uh, and so she and is, she, she's been married for... That. So she's not even like a little hand job in that visiting room? Nothing? Oh my god. <laughs> what? It's a reasonable question. 
It actually is, sadly. Uh, um, they you gotta, you gotta help them like rub one out, right? Well, let let her answer. Got, let, let's let's hear her okay. answer. Okay, go ahead. So, think of it this way: there are obviously drugs in prison, right? So there's a way that they get there, right? Yeah, through Somehow, body orifices. Right. Well, I I'm pretty convinced at this point that they are more concerned with the amount of tongue that I'm using while kissing my husband than they are with the people who are shoving drugs up each other's butts. Right. Well, butts in other places, but yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. well we're, we're not we're not getting a clear answer here though. Like like have you done anything with him? Uh, like I know you haven't had sex with him in the year and a half you've been married, but have you done anything uh, beyond like kissing with him in the time that you two have been together, or it just there's no opportunity there? Um, let's put it this way: I'm not a crazy person. I'm not willing to spend the rest of my life with somebody when I don't know what they're working with. So I did test that. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, because you know if I'm in there for ten years. You know, at some point, there's it's going to be like a scene from one of those movies where, you know, I'm just leaning up against a glass, staring at you while I'm jerking off. You know. Now, now you know, someone in the chat asks. Oh my god! So, someone in the in the chat asks, uh, "Do you exchange balloons of drugs when you kiss?" <laughs> oh, god. Do I definitely? I definitely do not. <laughs> All right. So, there, so there was some kind of sexual contact, is what you're saying? Or did he? Okay. First of all. When you're in the room together, not, there's not a there's not a glass between you, right? You can actually touch each other, kiss each other, that kind of stuff, right? Is it like Midnight Express? Uh, at the beginning of the visit, you are allowed to do a brief hug and a closed mouth kiss, and the same at the end of the visit. Closed uh, mouth. Other than that, you sit across the table from each other and you can hold hands, and that's as far as it goes. So, so okay, how, but how, you, but um, you could, actually, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to be like you know, do them a favor, like in theory. I'm not saying you did, but in theory. You know, you, you could pull up your skirt and touch yourself or do something to kind of please him, right? You could do that, right? Um, uh, not with the skirt, no. You're not allowed to wear a skirt. Uh, they well, like okay. to... Can you get undressed? They like to desexualize you as much as possible, so... Can you get much- undressed? No. But, so I'm confused here. It sounds like by I these rules... I was going to say, under <laughs> these rules, how, how did you get your hand in his pants? Uh, there was one small brief window where that was possible. Yeah, I that was the only time that has ever happened, and it was enough to let it be known that I was not going to be wasting my time for a tiny weenie. Yeah. So here's the thing: like you know, guys, right? And you really are performing an act of mercy for a poor guy that's you know been 12 years without having anything. To figure out some way to like slip the guard some money just so you can you know give him a hand job or something something to keep this poor guy, you know, knowing that there's some hope left in life, you know. <laughs> well, right? he, he's getting he's getting out. Oh, now, now, you, is he really getting out in three years though? You said it's fifteen years minimum, but does it look likely he'll be paroled in fifteen years? Yeah, you know, at, at the fifteen year mark. Uh, yes. Okay, and. The uh, another question I have for you. You told me on Facebook. Of course, my obvious question when uh, you know I asked about the conjugal visits, and you told me they didn't exist. Uh, and then that's fuck it. That's terrible. Yeah, and, th- and then another. That, it really is terrible. It, it is. <laughs> but my next question then was okay. So it's it's been a long time since you've had sex. Like I heard that women in their 
early 30s tend to be at their sexual peak you know is that okay and she, and she said well you know it, it, it kind of it's unfortunate like she she's not happy about that situation so i asked okay well what are you doing about that are you sleeping with other guys while your husband is in prison I mean, tell people your answer definitely not no but you said you've had offers nope, you've had have... offers right I haven't even had, oh God, yeah, of course. I'm a, I'm a woman. I mean, I pretty much get offers weekly. Right. Um, I even have really good guy friends who constantly make the joke that they can help me out anytime I want them to or whatever. It's like, it's you just a get a vibrator or something, offers. you know? Oh, if yeah. you have, if, if, like a lot of women, not all women, right? Because there are some women that, uh, you know, in your situation, definitely would. But there, there are a decent number of women that if they feel that there's a, an emotional attachment to somebody and they feel they have a good relationship with somebody, you know, and they, they can get a vibrator and they can be pretty happy for a pretty long time. I definitely believe that. I think that for the most part, women are emotional beings. Men are the more physical. Well, uh, I think, I think it, it would be much, sex, much harder for men not to yeah, I think when it comes to to sex, and you know, we're we're rational beings, right? So we can fight it or we can make choices. But for men, it's really a, more of a biological urge, right? It really is. It's yes. like a, a a base urge, and for women, it's more of a mental thing, you know. So if you're if you're in the state where you're emotionally and mentally happy with the relationship, you you are definitely able to to do that uh, a lot better than any man would. Now, I'm not saying a guy could never do it, um, but I, I definitely think that women are better poised to do that, now, for sure. Now, and especially, you know, getting an extra set of batteries doesn't help either. You know? Now, here's, are, are you, do you think that your husband is worried that you might be doing this behind his back, or do you think he's very confident that you're sitting there and, and, and you know, not doing anything with any other guys? Do you get credit for, what, for your, uh, your, your restraint here? No, he is definitely secure in our relationship, and I think we both are, which is what makes it work. Uh, I mean, obviously, in any relationship, there's like those, you get those tiny little tinges of jealousy for some who knows why reason, but our communication is extremely good. And so we're able to talk about those things without getting weird. And he's probably just, he's probably just incredibly happy to have you like his life is really shitty and you are probably you know the the shining light or the bright spot in his life so you know i can totally see why he would you know and and what he is probably jealous about more is uh just the things that he can't do with you that other people could you know what i mean because it's got to be super frustrating um to be that emotionally attached to someone and not even be able to do you know silly everyday things with some with that person that you're in love with you know yeah, and that's he tells me that constantly. Like the hardest part about this isn't that he can't sleep with me; it's the fact that when I have a migraine, he can't rub my neck, or you know, when I'm having financial difficulties and when I'm just getting stressed out about money, uh, that he can't do anything to help that really. Or um, when I when I've had a hard day and I'm tired and I just don't even want to cook dinner, like he wants to be able to do that for me and things like that. Like mm-hmm. those are the things that are hardest for him. Yeah, he's a better person um, than I it, am. I'd, I'd help you with your migraine after we had sex. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, so it sounds like at least so far in the in the year and a half you've been married, 
Now, how long were you like? Did you have like a relationship before you were married? Like, how, how far does it back where you considered yourself with him? Um, I would say that we were officially dating um, December. Actually, it was Christmas, so December twenty fifth of. 2015. Okay, so so we were only officially dating for like seven months before we got married. Okay, so I, and I, it was I, the start of your dating when you checked out his package. Is that when it officially started? <laughs> um, it was after we were officially dating that I checked that out. Okay, well, oh, okay. well, here's 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 one. I got one more question here, then we'll let you go. Um, since you have not ever physically dated him like outside you know other than just seeing him in, in the prison is it possible have you worried about it's possible that he will get out and once you actually spend time together in person that doesn't involve like a short visit with guards there that you won't be compatible are you have you ever worried that might be what will happen um i was actually having a conversation kind of similar to this uh with one of my friends the other day um, I consider her to be what I would call a love addict. And she's one of those people that's constantly chasing the fairy tale and the butterflies and the fireworks and all of that nonsense. Oh, she knows that and that I goes away no matter who it is, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no apparently, apparently not. Well, she's in and, for a big disappointment. <laughs> right. And one of the things that I was trying to explain to her, because... I mean, there's always that worry, like, what if, what if? But at the same time, um, I think that we've built a very solid relationship uh, by not having the physical stuff there and having uh, a relationship primarily around communication. And, um, yeah, I mean, you probably have a more solid like, foundation than most people have. Yeah, maybe that's what every, maybe everybody should meet. Right. Through, maybe everybody should start meeting through prisons. Maybe that's the, uh, the, the dating wave of the future. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I would recommend that. I mean, I think I got really lucky with this one. Um, right. And I'm sure there's other really good people in there as well. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> I definitely would not suggest this to a friend. Okay. Like, so Kristen, oh, I, I got a tough question. I got a tough question for you, right? Uh-huh. So he's been in prison for, you know, a very long time or whatever. Would you have a problem if you found out that he had been having sex with men while he was in there? Whether I would you know, definitely have, yeah, oh yeah. Well, I would, whether whether <laughs> I would he have was a problem with that. Well, whether he was like, like you know, let's say that for to get some kind of special favor, he would give a guy a blowjob. Would that <laughs> would that be a troublesome thing for you to deal with? Uh, that would be a troublesome thing for me for a lot of reasons, but mainly okay. because, um, yeah, I feel like in order to do that, you're probably not straight. No, 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 but I, I mean, in, listen, understand, he's in prison with only men, and I'm not saying he's doing it because he wants to. I'm saying he's doing it because, you know, he, there's some kind of special favor that he needs or some I, kind I, of I, I have to, I have like to side with Kristen here because, like, if I were there, if I were in prison, unless I was physically forced to where there was no way for yeah. me to resist, I mean, like, physically forced to and held down or something or beaten up, and unless that happened, there's no way, even if I got favors for it, that I could bring myself to do that. Okay, so, so here's a scenario then. You guys um, want to have a conjugal visit, and what if the only way he can get a guard to agree – to allow you guys to have, you know, time alone together for a conjugal conjugal visit, 
is if he gives the, the guard a blowjob. <laughs> uh, then in that case, I would happily wait three more years. Okay. All right. But okay. So here's my follow up question to all this. If you found out mm-hmm. that in prison, he was forcibly raped, like he, he took a, you know, some guys held him down and just fucked him in the ass. Would that bother you? <laughs> um, it would bother me in the sense that that would make me extremely sad that that type of thing could possibly happen to a human. Right. Well, I mean, it does it would not make me upset with him. It, right. it would not make me upset with him because obviously if, if anybody is forcibly raped, it's not their fault and right. they didn't like it guaranteed. So, well, you, you do um, sometimes hear about men that have, you know, problems when they, the, the person that they're dating, they find out ends up getting raped. Now, I'm not saying it's right. But it's something that uh, that does sometimes happen. Yeah. Well, she she gave good answers here. I think I think yeah she's, yeah uh, for she's, sure she's she's uh, she has a good attitude about this whole thing. Ho- hopefully it works out. Hopefully he gets out and you, you live happily ever after. And he can kind of you know it, it sucks to lose ages twenty one through thirty six in prison. That's that's a pretty. Uh-oh. I mean, Kristen point. has been waiting so long. This guy's sausage is just going to be like fucking Nirvana to her. You know. <laughs> It's going to be fantastic. Well, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about him. Just I'm talking about him. Just losing his life for 15 years in prison between 30, 21 and 36. So you know she she hasn't been waiting all these years. She she's you know just started with him a few years ago. But well, uh, I'm yeah. talking about how awesome his summer sausage is going to be when he's released. You know. Well, okay. I, I'm not thinking about that. But I'm I'm going to agree with both of those things. Okay. Yeah, why not, man? You've been you've been waiting all this time. Why not? All right, you know. Well, well, Kristen, right. Kristen, uh, it's it's 11 p.m. there in, in Idaho. What, do you do you have to wake up early to be a hairdresser, or do you start later in the day? Oh, I have to wake up early every day. I have a six year old. Oh, that's right. You have the kids, but, but you know, I I have a, a kid around that age too, and I I wake up early and get him ready for school and then go back to sleep. So do mm-hmm. do, you, do you have that luxury? Oh, or do you, lucky you. Well, do, do you have to go to work right after that? Why don't you go back to sleep? Uh, because I have a very limited window of working time because I can only work Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. All right. Um, because her daycare closes at 6. Okay. So in order to get as much work in as I possibly can throughout the week, I do have to go straight to work, and I don't get sick days or vacation time or anything fun like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds like you're still holding it together, you know, despite uh, all the adversity you've dealt with. So, thank you for coming on the show. I wanted, I want. This is the first time we've ever had anybody on here who who's married to somebody in prison, especially one that you haven't actually had sex with yet. So, I I thought that was all interesting and especially appropriate for our degenerate audience to listen to. So, uh, yeah. thank you for coming on. And, here. and degenerate hosts. Yeah, and degen- definitely degenerate hosts as well. <laughs> so, thank thank you for coming on here. And uh, yeah, good luck, Kristen. You, and good luck. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. All right. Good night, Kristen. That was uh, hey, Brandon. Brandon, are you still there? Yeah, I think Brandon went surprisingly silent in the middle there. Well, he found out she was married and that she was actually being loyal and waiting. Yeah, I think, no that, I think that was the killer. I, I think that was the killer for him is that like there was there, yeah. there was no opening. There was no opportunity to get in. And, and she's not but close. He, but he mentioned uh, Midnight Express. Um which is a great movie if no one's ever seen it. But uh, you, do you know that movie, Drew? Uh, I've heard of it, but I did not see it, or I don't know that much about it. Uh, it's a really good movie about a guy that spends a bunch of time in prison for smuggling drugs. I think it was in Turkey or something like that. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, I actually played poker with Billy Hayes several times, the guy who the that movie was all written about. Wow, well, uh, yeah, I heard he used to play. He still does. Bit, right? Yeah, he comes... 
Well, he does. Um, he had some kind of like a a theater production or something like that related to Midnight Express, and he was up in town uh, doing. He he came up actually many times in town doing it, and he came over to my poker game and played with us a few times. He was a really nice guy. Interesting. That's all. Yeah, I, I never got to see it. Well, so uh, you know, you I should see it. It's a good flick. Yeah, check it out for sure. The, the only thing I, I I I'm a little doubtful of here. This whole call. I actually believe that she's she's faithful. I don't think she's lying about that. Some people in the chat room were being very harsh about it. You know, they didn't believe it. Uh, they think she's lying. I I don't think so. I I really believe my gut feeling from hearing her was that yeah. she she is not having sex with other guys. That she is staying loyal to him. I, I believe all that. I don't have proof. She could be lying, but I, I think she's telling the truth. The only thing that's still weird to me is has, even in a state like Idaho, which is conservative and probably has tougher laws on crime, how being in a bar fight where nobody is significantly injured. No, you get we're, six, we're not you get hearing six, the whole story. You get 16 girl. years. I just don't. I don't well, but, I, but it did sound like he did a couple of things before that. Yes. And then he did the third thing. I don't know if they have like a three strikes Maybe. thing like they do out here. Maybe it's something like that. But it could have been something there, like that. There's no way that you get 15 years. I don't care what anyone says about our legal system, that you get 15 years just for being in a bar fight. Like it just doesn't happen. So, yeah, it has to be like uh, Trader Ruski was saying, it has to be that he had previous convictions and, you know, that, that was taken into account or. You know, something happened during that bar fight uh, above and beyond because she said a whole lot of people were involved with this. So why was he singled out for yeah, 15 that's, years that's, that's from the bar point. fight? Like, that's, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't you know? make sense. But uh, And that's yeah. why I was wondering. And she, she never – I didn't want to press her about it. She, she didn't get specific of you know how she checked this out that the story was 100% as he said it. Well, maybe she doesn't want to get specific. You know? <laughs> well, that's why I didn't press it. But uh, yeah. know, she, she was uh, – Nice enough to come on here and open up about all that, and and she's never been on anything like this, you know. So if she, we have all these people out too uh, hitting her with questions, with dirty questions too. Well, come on. Now, now that you're fr- now that you're friends with her, Droth, have you gotten a request from the husband in jail yet? No, that may come. <laughs> next. I, well, maybe maybe I can have him on. Maybe he can get a, a special permission to come on the show from prison. That'll be even better. Yeah, he can call. Collect, well, I don't know. It'd be a collect call, Droth. You're gonna have to dig deep for that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> is it is that true, Trader Ruski? You got to call collect to get in there. Well, I assume if he calls from jail, you know, that's a good collect. question. Don't if they he, have like phone cards or something? No, like, yeah, you, I mean, you usually do have not, to, the the days of pay phones are long fucking gone. No, no, not in prisons. Right? No, not in prisons. It's a big racket. It's a big oh, racket. God. So, so, and they're super expensive. But I do wonder if if he called, it probably just wouldn't let it go through. If he called the the poker fraud alert number, there is no way for it to bill me for a collect call. So I could actually accept a collect call, and it probably would not bill me in any way. But it probably would just be blocked for that reason. So anyway, they, they don't have some kind of Skype set up in the library or no, something? No, no, no. Let me tell you, you know, there's, there's all these complaints about privatized prisons, which you usually hear from Democrats. And, and this, this is actually something that uh, I, I agree with the Democrats. And those Republicans who feel this way, too, such as myself, that, that the privatized prison system is terrible. And, it, and it's very corrupt, and it, it makes a ton of money. Now, where I don't agree is, like, there's people who say, oh, the, the whole system's racist. They're purposely sentencing minorities uh, to, to make the privatized prisons money. That, that's all. That's BS. There's been a few instances in, like, some small counties and small towns where that, that occurs. But for the most part, it's two separate. You're talking about th- Alabama. It's two, it's two <laughs> separate arguments, and I, I – 
I think the reason a lot more people, a lot of times it's easier to get sentenced to something longer as a person of color is because, you know, if you don't have the money, it's all about money. If you don't have the money to hire a good attorney, that makes a huge mm. difference. A huge. This is why O.J. Simpson, who's black, got off for murder. And, you know, so O.J. Simpson have a much, much better chance in court, even if he wasn't famous, as long as he's rich, a much, much better chance in court than, than a white guy who's poor. So I don't think it's so much about race. It's much more about how much money you have to hire a good defense, for, for, you know, between that or getting a public defender or an attorney that's not that good, it's cheaper. Uh, but as far as the privatized prisons, they're just very corrupt, and they they make a lot of money on things that they shouldn't. And one aspect of it, though, this is a, a – wow, someone actually – oh, she actually sent me uh, a link, which I'll check out later, of the, uh, the case. Put it in chat. Put it in chat. I'm not sure if she wants the name out there, so I'll have to ask her. Uh, but well it's, well, it's public record, but it's right. public record, but not, not who he is, not who she is on the show. So I will have to ask her permission for that. But all right, uh, the the thing is that they are these companies are making a lot of money on prisons, and they shouldn't. This shouldn't be something where companies make a lot of money. There shouldn't be. This shouldn't be a for profit venture. And payphones are part of it, where they charge exorbitant rates to call from prison. Through these collect calls, I mean, just insane rates, and the people who suffer for this are not the, the criminals. You may say, "Oh, criminals! You know who cares? Let them get you know gouged by these companies." Well, it's not the criminal; it, it's the families of these criminals who have to pay, and they, it, they often did nothing wrong. So, you know, if you're a mom and your son your son was a piece of crap and ended up in prison or made mistakes, whatever it was, he ended up in prison. He's calling you collect. What are you going to say? No, I'm not. I'm not going to talk to my son. I'm not going to accept. So, so you accept and you just get super gouged by these companies that have an exclusive contract to carry these calls and make insane profits by just charging. Uh, it really is price gouging. So, and, and there's no reason for this. The, the, the technology has changed so much to where these calls can be completed for very, very cheaply. And if it's a matter of they don't want the inmates to just sit there talking on the phone all day because it's free or very cheap, fine. Then, then you know, put limits on it. Put limits on how many minutes a day they can they can talk. You know, say you get at most uh, thirty minutes a day you can talk on the phone. I'd be fine with that. But the the problem is that these collect calls from these payphones in prisons just charge insane prices. You know, twenty dollars a minute, things like that. And uh, it just because they can, and because there's no competition. And what's even worse is. Some of these companies are so unethical that not only do they make tons of money that way, they will also just bill random people for calls that were never received. And I've had that happen to me before, too, in the past, where I, I open up my phone bill and there's like you know, big charges from some collect call that I didn't ever accept. So I – and then I can check my caller ID to see if, if at that exact time if any call came in, whether answered or not. No, no call came in, period. And yet, somehow, there's this this bill for like a seven minute call, which I never, never accepted. And uh, sometimes the company, if you call up and complain, they'll take it off. Sometimes they, you know, they'd have to be forced to by the phone company. But I, I dealt with this a few times, not all the time, but I had it happen to me a few times over the years. So th- these companies are extremely shady. They provide it, and that's just the payphone aspect. There's so many other aspects of privatized prisons that are corrupt and scammy, and and sh- just shouldn't be profiting the immense amount that they that they are from people being in prison. So I'm against those. There needs to be massive reform. And the funny thing is, there's a lot of politicians on both sides of the aisle, more Democrats, but Republicans too, who agree with this, but it just never gets done because of, uh, of uh, uh, special interest campaign contributions. Everybody's afraid to take action. 
Even the Democrats who like to speak out against it don't really take action. So that's why even during Democratic administrations, this doesn't change. It just it just never gets changed. So, uh, have you ever heard of Attica? Yes. Attica Prison. You know, there were those big uh, prison riots. Uh, I don't even know. What was that? Like in the 70s or something? Yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Um, so I actually know a guy who's in Attica right now. Like, you know, maximum security Attica prison. And um, I, I considered visiting him just because I was, like, morbidly curious to kind of see what it was like, but ended up deciding against it. Hmm. He's a, a neighbor of mine that I, you know, uh, used to go on hikes with. He came over and uh, brought his kids over, which were about the same age, swam in our pool. You know, we got pool, but we don't have any, we don't have no gold letters on it or anything. Not as fancy <laughs> as yours, but... And, uh, you know, he hung out with us and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he was a, a hedge fund manager, actually. So, you know, he's pretty well off and all that. Next thing you know, I'm going on a hike with a guy, and he's telling me this story that he's uh, going to be facing charges, that uh, he molested his nieces. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't like a good and friend of mine. Told, and he told you the story that he molested yeah. his nieces? Yeah. How, no, 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 no. He told me that he's like, you know, yeah, because when we went on these hikes and stuff, he, we we talk about various things, and he, on one of them, he was, you know, he must have been stressed about it. He said, "Oh, you know, I'm facing some of the biggest, uh, biggest choice of my life, or something like that." And he started uh, telling me the story about, you know, I'm being, uh, I've got these uh, nieces of mine that are accusing me of molesting them, and I'm. You know, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. But how did he explain? He, how did he explain? He oh, so is, he maintains his innocence. Oh yeah. But how, yeah, did, yeah. how, how does he the explain? The whole time that, I talked with him, he maintained his innocence. So how does he yeah. explain that, that, wow. that these young girls are just making up that he molested them? Like, how does he explain why they would do that? Well, yeah, this was a couple of years ago, so I may be a little fuzzy on some of it. But he was basically saying that, um, you know, there were some from some kind of a family, and that one of the that had moved around a bunch, and they. One of the girls had accused other people of the same thing. You know, it was kind of trying to paint it as, you know, they were trying to get back at him. And he told me the whole story about, you know, his version of what happened. And it was something like they were at the YMCA and they were in a hot tub together. And there was supposedly, uh, you know, he had done something there. Um, and then the other time was in the movie theater. He had like a home theater. And both of the girls were in there, and, you know, supposedly he was touching them there or something like that. I don't know. I, that's, like, kind of my vague recollection about it. But what, what he was saying to me was, he's like, look, you know, I got to uh, figure out what I'm going to do here because, you know, I, I'm being offered, like, this, this plea bargain, but I didn't do it. You know? Yeah, they probably offered him five or six years to accept yeah, they, it, or he could be facing life if he goes to trial or something. Yeah, and there was no, like, as far as... As far as I know, there was no, like, you know, there's no penetration or forced anything. There was just, like, you know, touching or something like that. I don't know. He didn't really get into the details on that. But, he yeah, he was offered some kind of a plea bargain. But interestingly, because he's a um, – because uh, he was a hedge fund manager, that would mean that he would have to leave his job because felons cannot – be approved by the uh, FCC or whatever the organization is, something like that. Um, so he's like, yeah, I'm facing this decision. Like, I, do I take this plea? Because, you know, I, I, I didn't do it, but I have to think about, 
you know, my family and, and what's the best for them? Do I, do I just like bite the bullet and, and go in there for a couple of years or, you know, do I, do I fight it? Um, and, you know, he was kind of talking about that and he ended up fighting it and he ended up losing. Wow. So, so, oh, wow. So, so, so how long did he get? He's in there for a long time. Um, I think it, it, I want to say it's like, I want to say it's like 16 years, something like that. Uh, or maybe 12 years or something, because one of them was also like just under some certain age limit where it was even worse. It probably, probably under 14 or something. Or yes, 13. it was something like that, but it, it it like ended up being worse of a crime if they're under that age yeah, is what yeah. I recall. Oh, from yeah, most it. states have a law like that. Uh, but but yeah. I, I have to say, though, I, I, it is very, very unusual where there are multiple Yes, children, even in the same family, accusing an adult of molesting them, and it turns out to be false. It's super unusual for that to well, be the case. Yeah, and, and and again, I, you know, he's not, he wasn't a good friend of mine. He was a neighbor, and you know, we we hung out occasionally. He actually, in addition to Billy Hayes, he also played poker in my my poker game too on on occasion. Um, but but yeah, so you know, it's not like I have a huge invo- uh, emotional attachment to him. He always seemed. Like a, a kind of perfectly normal guy. Uh, and one of the other arguments that he gave me was that um, he, the woman he ended up marrying was like his high school sweetheart that they had been, you know, they dated in high school and then they had been apart for a number of years. And in the interim, she had gotten married, uh, had a kid and then gotten divorced. And what he was saying was this was a um, the. The daughter from the woman he ended up married was, uh, you know, she's a very attractive girl. She was in her teens when he started dating her, or, or sorry, when he started dating the mother. And all throughout that time, you know, all sorts of girls were over the house. And, you know, for however many years it was, probably like, you know, eight to ten years. And, and nothing ever happened. So that was his kind of way of explaining it away was that, you know, look, if I was really – a pedophile, you know, or whatever, why, why did nothing ever happen with, you know, the existing daughter or any of her friends that were always over or at the house? You know, that was one of the, one of the things he said about it in, in his kind of defense was, you know, which is saying, you know, I had all of these opportunities before, if that was really like a, uh, thing with mine, if I was really like a pedophile, like how come nothing ever happened then? Yeah. I, I can't, even take that. I, yeah. that, that I'm, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just telling you yeah. what his, you know, kind of argument was. And, uh, you know, again, he said that this, uh, this one daughter had, um, had issues with, uh, reporting someone else. Well, maybe it happened. He, maybe it did happen. <laughs> maybe there was a, it, a situation it very where well could have, you her. know, he was, and there was also some kind of family, um, division. This was like the, um, this was his wife's sister's kids, and they came to visit over Christmas or whatever, and there were three daughters, and the two younger daughters apparently were just dropped off at the house, and the rest of the family stayed in a hotel. So they got this big house, they got plenty of room for everyone, but his um, sister-in-law, husband, and eldest daughter stayed in a hotel somewhere and just kind of left the two younger girls with, with them. And apparently there was some kind of like internal family issues going on, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but he was, he was trying to imply that, um, you know, the girls were kind of using this to, to 
get back at him or I, I don't know. I, I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. But, you know, I've also got a, a friend of mine who's a detective um, that played in our games. And I, and I had talked to her about it. And she's like, look, you know, the, the <laughs> there are people that are assigned to these cases to investigate, you know, when it's a he said, she said kind of situation when uh, young girls are involved. And if they went forward with it, he fucking did it is basically what she said. That's usually you know? true. Yes, that's, that's almost yeah. always true. Okay, so uh, moving on to another topic here, we have uh, another Twitter battle. This one appears to be over already, but. Seriously Serious, who is part of this site, was battling with Daniel Negreanu on Twitter. And this is, this is an extension of Doug Polk, because Doug Polk and Negreanu have been bashing each other on Twitter for some time. And it was actually Polk who kind of picked the fight in the first place. And I think, I think Polk may have somewhat done it to get more views on his channel. But Polk was right in, in the first thing he – kind of the first shot he fired where – Negreanu, who represents poker stars and is the face of poker stars, was uh, put out a ridiculous either blog or, or, or vlog or something where, and I know that's not how you're supposed to pronounce it, but I do it anyway, where he claimed that more rake is actually better for the professional poker player. And he, he put out some convoluted logic of why that he claimed that was true. And it, it was clear that Negreanu was just twisting to find a way to defend what poker stars had done. So Doug Polk was making fun of him a lot about that. And Doug Polk even trolled him at this past year's World Series wearing a t-shirt wearing a shirt during the one drop event which Polk ended up winning uh, which said more rake better and he ended up sitting right next to Negreanu randomly which was kind of funny so they've really been not getting along since then I think this goes back about a year and a half and I think Negreanu sees Polk as kind of like an irritant because he was someone who rose up from being kind of a somewhat known online player to being a pretty big name in poker by this point. And as he rose up, he was kind of taunting Negreanu, who kind of just wanted to do his own thing. You know, Negreanu wasn't starting or continuing this whole thing. He was just kind of there as Polk was taunting him. But, but at the same time, what Polk was ta- taunting him about tended to be correct. So uh, Negreanu was getting more and more irritated with him and was kind of holding back at some points a lot of his anger. But you, you could tell he, he, you know, they did do battle sometimes on Twitter, and you could tell the Negreanu truly doesn't like him. So I guess in some video that Polk released, I don't know which one. Seriously, serious, he's the one who puts them together. He's Doug Polk's video guy. So there is a picture they put up of Daniel Negreanu's car, which is... A, uh, it's I think it's a Prius, but anyway, it's it's a it's a red car, and I, I think it's a Prius, and it's oh no, it's a Tesla. I thought it would be more of a Tesla. No, guy, sorry, it is Tesla. Know? It's not a Prius. It's, it's a Tesla. I don't know why I said. I was gonna say yeah, it's kind of hard to pick up the ladies in a in a yeah, Prius. Yeah, it's he's a, easier in a Tesla. It's, it's a Tesla. So he's he's in a Tesla. All right, a red Tesla, and his license plate says D Negs D N E G S, which stands for Daniel Negreanu, of course. Uh, so D-Negs, which is sometimes his nickname, it's a picture of that car parked in the Rio in a handicapped spot. Oh, so, no. So, and it's very clearly in a handicapped oh, spot. Oh, no. And it must have been taken over the summer at the Rio. 
So this was. But did, put, he probably had a valet parked, and the fucking valet probably. Stuck well, there. so so he, he, there's been some changing stories apparently. So so Polk had this in one of his videos that seriously serious put in there, and uh, at the time when this video was released, I don't know when it was, but whenever it was, Negranu said that uh, something about how he was instructed to park there because they had roped off most of the parking lot he usually parks in because of some event that was going on. So basically he was about to pull up and, and, and uh, park it. And he, he doesn't get it valeted. I've seen his car before at the Rio, and he does park it in one of these typically restricted spots in the back. And when I mean the back, there's a back area that's where the dealers park and also uh, where, where St- World Series staff parks, and you can enter through a back door. Negrani parks over there, but he parks in like the very, very best spots of it that are restricted, and he, he must get permission to do this. And I've seen Helmuth's car there before. So that's where I've seen his car when I've been at the World Series. I've never seen it in a handicapped spot. I've seen it there. So where he normally parks, must you know, he claims it was restricted, which is probably true. It's probably, I don't think he was just parking there just because he felt like being an asshole. I, it, it was restricted, and he claimed he was told to park over there. Though I'm not sure if I believe that. I, I, now, this is what he said at the time. Then he changed his story. If I had to take a guess of what really happened, I think it really was blocked off where he normally parked. And I think someone just said, well, hey, go park over there. And, and he's like, no, look, over there's only handicapped spots. And the guy's like, no, nah, it's, it's okay. We have so many of them. No, just, just park. No one's going to care. They're not going to ticket you today. So it, it was probably something like that where some idiot uh, said to do it. But... Uh, you know, so so he went and did it. Now the truth is about handicap spots. There are so many of them, especially at a large place like the Rio, because they have there's there's laws about how many they have to have compared to the number of overall spots available. Mm. So there are some places that they just have to waste handicap spots because they have to have them by law when it's unlikely there's going to be many handicapped people coming there. Now a casino, yeah, I can see some handicapped people coming there, but. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen in my life where every handicapped spot is taken in a parking lot. So well, that's the that's the point, though, right. isn't it? No, but but sometimes it's like <laughs> sometimes it's like it's like you know, there's there's thirty spots and and there's zero or one spots taken usually. So it's it's often like that where there's way too many. It's not just they have more than enough; they have like way too many. But that's just what they have to do to comply with the law. So I think that Negroni probably parked there. You know, look, the guy told me to do it. They're not going to ticket me. Every handicap spot is open now, so you know I'm not going to stop anyone. And that's probably what he did. And then, but the thing is, when you're someone like Daniel Negreanu, who's with a recognizable car like that, with a DNEG's license plate, you you can't do things like that because then people will take a picture like this and, and make fun of you. And and there's no like you can try to explain what I'm explaining here, but it it there's no way to make it sound good. The bottom line is Negreanu still parked in a handicap spot now. Yeah, he should have just said he gave it to a valet and he didn't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, he could have said that or he, or he should have just not done it and just parked somewhere that was yes, you know, for once yes. inconvenient. Because the problem is like people like Negreanu, they expect special treatment at the World Series. And when they, when they can't get it in those rare cases, like the lot is being closed, then it's like, well, yeah. I, wait, I have to park with the commoners? I can't park with the commoners. I'm not, I'm not one of them. I, I have to park. Well, some- he's into fitness. Wouldn't he enjoy the, that long walk? Yeah, to that's the, what I thought. I, I'm like, why don't you just park in the regular lot and walk for once? Like, I, So anyway – this is the weird part that uh, I guess seriously serious. Uh, so, so I, I think this is what made seriously serious repost this. I think this was done a few months ago. This is something about the Rio, which happened more than a few months ago, you know, back during the summer. 
But what was recently posted by Negranu on as a comment on that YouTube video, and it really was from him, it wasn't someone pretending to be him, he wrote, clearly part of his strategy was to be controversial and create drama. Okay, I, I mean, that's it's probably true, but uh, I, I don't know why Daniel's even responding to this, but he says, seems to have worked. I don't mind people making, poking fun at me, but things like making it look like my car is parked in a handicapped spot during the World Series of Poker by photoshopping it into his video. What? Photoshopping it into his video? That's not what he said before. Uh, is just such a clear attempt to mislead people against me. So keep in mind that, that before the excuse was the lot was closed and I was directed to go there, now it's it's Photoshop. So which one is it? Now, I'll send you – you can look at this picture. If you go to the the Flying Stupidity Forum, there's a thread called Seriously Serious versus Daniel Negreanu. You'll see the picture right up there. This would be one of the most masterful Photoshops of all time because of the shadows and the reflections of the trees overhead. This would have been very, very hard to do. I don't think it was a Photoshop, and Daniel Negreanu didn't claim it was a Photoshop at the beginning. He, he gave an excuse, but it wasn't a Photoshop. So now I guess he, he's decided he's, he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to explain he was directed to go there. Now he's just going to say it's a Photoshop. So I don't know why he doesn't just stick to the original story. What so, the fuck? So, so then seriously, Sirius says back, if anyone wants to believe I'm that good at Photoshop, I'm not going to argue. And uh, then Kid with Dream, who is PLOL on our site, he wrote back to seriously, Sirius, please learn how and Photoshop his car at a gay bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, guess what seriously, Sirius did? He... Photoshopped the car parked in front of a handicapped spot at a gay bathhouse. <laughs> if you scroll down further in the thread, you'll see it. Now, there you can see it's photoshopped. There you can see he just kind of plopped the car there, and you could tell that, that there's even like you know, there's even reflections at night that wouldn't make sense. There's, there's daytime reflections at night in front of this gay bathhouse that obviously don't make sense. But uh, so he actually did Photoshop it in front of a gay bathhouse. By the way, PLOL who requested that is gay himself. So. Then Negreanu responded back on Twitter. He wrote, so Photoshop is when you post a GIF with me sucking on dildos repeatedly. What's it's called when you insert a picture into a video to make it look like it wasn't an old pic, but a live shot from the World Series? Douchebaggery? Classless? Scummy? What? So now he's saying it's an old picture. So maybe this was a picture from 2016 or 15. I don't even know the story. And, and seriously, seriously never explained it. But uh, even if it is old, who cares what year it happened? Like like now, so we've had three different stories. It was he was told to go there because the, the lot was closed that he usually parks in. It was Photoshop, and now it's an old picture that was framed to make it look like it was uh, currently happening. So, but I like how he mentions there that uh, you know, photoshopping is when you post a GIF with him sucking on dildos repeatedly. What happened is Daniel made some sort of weird gesture in some video that was taken over the, this past summer. Where like it looked like, uh, I think he was pretending like he was giving blowjobs or something like, with his hand towards his mouth. So then, seriously, serious took a pink dildo and sh- photoshopped that in as if <laughs> Daniel's putting that in and out of his mouth. So and people love that uh, Photoshop. So I, I guess that was bothering Negreanu too, but he never said anything about it till now. But it was kind of weird. It's, it's kind of like he's saying like, 
Oh, so that's photoshopping, photoshopping a, a dildo that I'm sucking repeatedly. But, but what do you call it when you're misleading people into thinking I'm parking handicap spots? Is that Photoshop too? But it's kind of weird that he brings that up because uh, it, you could tell that it must be bothering him. But then Seriously Serious wrote back, they're called jokes on the internet, bro, lighten up. So I don't understand that response because if it's a real picture of him parking at a in a handicap spot in the World Series, then okay. It's not a joke. That's a real picture. The joke part is the thing with the dildo. Maybe that's what he's referring to. But uh, So anyway, it, it, it ended there. But you can tell on the ground he's getting really irritated about this stuff. He's getting really irritated with, with Doug Polk getting laughs at his expense and uh, seriously serious, doing all these photoshops of him. Like Daniel, he, he normally has a very uh, jovial and kind of upbeat and, and kind of like you know, he'll bring up drama and he'll he'll state his opinion, but he, he acts like he doesn't take himself that seriously. But you could tell this was really bothering him over time, and now he just this, this just bubbled over here. I think that first he went and, and commented on Doug Polk's video, which is surprising, and claimed it was Photoshop, and then seriously serious uh, posted on Twitter, and that's when he responds back with that angry tweet to him. So I have to think that uh, seriously serious is not one of Daniel DeGranu's favorite people in poker. After the thing, DeGranu does not care for him too much. So uh, we will see if this feud between Doug Polk and, Sir- and Daniel DeGranu gets worse, and we'll see if uh, Seriously Serious continues to poke the bear. All of these bitch fights on Twitter are just getting silly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. You know, it's like yeah, fucking high school. You know, it, I mean, it's fun, fun entertainment, I guess. But it, it kind of is, yeah. So anyway, we'll see if anything uh, continues with that. And yeah, someone said on on the site, they said Daniel said a while ago that he parked in that spot because there was an event going on. In the parking lot was reserved, and all the spots were available to use for everyone. Oh, that's what it was. That 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 Daniel's excuse was supposedly that. The handicapped spots were temporarily made into non-handicapped spots because they uh, they closed a different lot. I don't believe that. They can't do that. They they can't uh, reassign spots like that. They have to have a certain number of handicapped spots available to handicapped people, and they can't just reassign them to regular spots. So right, that, that's that's a law. They, yeah. they, the Rio can't just decide that. Yeah, I I really just think that Negreanu, you know, he went up and go, what? What am I supposed to do? Where can I park my car now? I can't get in there. They're like, ah, just park over there. No one's going to care. They're not ticketing you here. We're having a big event. They're not going to bring the cops into to ticket handicaps, but they understand what's going on tonight. Oh, okay, fine. Like it has to be something like that. That's not a big deal. Like uh, there are certain things that trigger people to like say, oh my god, that's so terrible. And like you mentioned parking in a handicap spot, and to some people, you'll just sound like the worst person. Like, like, I'll tell you, I've parked in handicapped spots before. Like, for example, I'm going to pick up some food in, uh, you know, somewhere that's going to take less than five minutes to get the food. I've ordered, uh, I'm, I ordered over the phone. I'm going to show up and pick it up. I pull up, and there's no spots available, but there's six handicapped spots unoccupied. I will park in one of those six handicapped spots for five minutes, knowing that there's not going to be six handicapped people showing up in those five minutes to park. And if they are, at most, they wait five minutes, but there's no way it would happen anyway. Like, I've done that before. Why? Because I know I'm not actually going to be inconveniencing any handicapped people. I have never done that. 
I don't do it. I don't do it commonly, but I've done it before. When I look at the situation and say, "There's no way this will ever inconvenience anybody," and there's no way in this short of a time that the, you know someone will see and ticket me, because it's a very expensive ticket. It's often like more than three hundred dollars. But if, if it's like five minutes at night, and I, I just know it's not going to be seen. Then... But again, the same thing with Daniel. I mean, is it really that big of a deal? No, to it's walk? not. Yeah. No, 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 to walk. No, it's not. Like I, I would never. Like if someone said, "Go park at this handicapped spot," you know, for a few hours, I would never agree. No matter who tells me to do it, I would say no. I, I'm sorry. I, I. Is is it because you think you're going to get caught? Well, it depends. You think you might actually be causing a problem. If I have observed at that place that they always have way, 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 way more handicap spots than they'll ever need. If they if they have thirty handicap spots in a row and the most I've ever seen there is two in many visits there that are that are filled, then yes, I'm not going to feel guilty for fill, filling up one, but. So in that case, I'd be more worried they're going to ticket me. If it's somewhere that has you know a small lot with one handicap spot, then it would be both, where I'd feel like, well, what if a handicap person shows up and can't use it? I would think that too, and, and of course I'd be thinking about getting ticketed. But it's just using common sense. If there's thir- if there's thirty spots and, and at most two are used, and you visit the place all the time, then uh, morally, parking in one of them is, is not going to hurt anything. But uh, but I'd be afraid to do it for the ticketing or towing reason. So I wouldn't do it anyway. So. Uh, but but Druffy, also, Druff, you hear that sound? Yeah, what is that? That's the social justice warriors loading up their gun with that ammo that you just gave them. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, they they have a lot of ammo anyway. They they have a lot of ammo anyway. So I don't I don't I <laughs> I, I don't worry about that. So uh, Trader Rooster, are you still here? I'm here. What happened to Brandon? Why he's he's here but he's not I, here. Brandon, he got bored. He found out she was loyal. Brandon. Here, this is so weird. He's hello. <laughs> See, he did it to me. Now I can do it. Yeah, trader, trader. That's pretty good. Okay. Um. Well, uh, he can reappear whenever he's ready. Maybe he's making a sandwich. But so, so, but about that, bro. So, let's say that somehow you knew for a fact that you were not going to get a ticket if you parked there for two hours. Would you be more inclined to do it? Uh, again, it depends on the lot and how many spots there are and how many are used. It has to do with that. Well, I mean, you know, you, ne- you never can predict that, right? I mean, there could be a, a wave of handicapped people that decide to show up. There could be a bingo <laughs> game starting at 7. That I'm not going to worry about. That I would not worry about. If it was a lot that always had a ton of handicapped spots open every time I come there and they have a whole lot available – uh, I will take the chance that, like, a tiny, tiny chance that, uh, you know, 30 handicapped people are going to inexplicably show up in those few hours. That, that, what, about, what about a pregnant woman spot? Do you ever park in those? I've never for, seen Just it. for, like, five minutes? I've never seen such a spot. You don't have those? No. Oh, that must be well, a, I'm, ge- I'm guessing that you're not the one that does have, grocery we shopping. Them. We have them. Really? I've never seen them. A pregnant have you ever spot? done grocery shopping, Druff? I, I just see handicapped. I never see pregnant women. No, they have, in a lot of places like that and you know it may sound it may sound sexist or whatever but i mean it must be that more women than men do grocery shopping but there are uh especially at uh food stores they have pregnant women parking spots so that they isn't they it get like a, expecting mothers i, I i've never seen yeah. i I've, ne- I've never seen it i've never seen it it's weird Never seen no, it. Drop. You, your personal chef must do all the shopping for no, you. No, I, I, I. In fact, I always <laughs> see the I see the handicap spots all the time because I'll be driving and I'll I'll say, oh, look, a good spot. Oh no, it's handicapped. Like I, that happens all the time. So, all right, so we, but you said you would for five minutes you would park 
in a handicap spot, you know, if there are a bunch of them available and, yes. you know, whatever. What about a uh, one of these pregnant women spots? Would you if park was in just, there for five If minutes? there was just one, then no, I wouldn't. If, it, if, there were, if there was the same situation with six of them, yes, I would. Mm-hmm. The, the, right. the chance of it harming anyone is just about zero. So I, I'd rather take that tiny chance than uh, than have to you know, park across the street and all this. Like, like I don't want to have to bother with all that if it's if it's unnecessary. So it's in that in those cases it's it's more of a fear of a ticket, and for five minutes the ticket's not going to get me. So I'll do that. So I don't think it's a big deal that Negreanu did it. But you know, if I had a, a if I was as famous as Negreanu, and if I had a car that was distinctive and the people knew it was mine, then I would never do it. Because I would know it could be used against me. It's just something that looks bad. That's the other thing. When I do it, like, like there's no one to know I'm doing it. I guess everyone on the radio knows I do it now. But uh, there's no one to know I do it. So if I do it, I don't have to worry about uh, some social stigma of doing so. So, but but you know, just to make it clear to everybody listening, I will only do it if there's like if it's either for a few minutes and there's still a lot of spots available, or if uh, and and I, and I never do it for any kind of length of time. That these were just hypotheticals, like if. Uh, if you knew you would never get ticketed, would you do it for a few hours? And I said, okay, well, it, only if there's a, there's a huge surplus of spots where they can never get used. So, okay, uh, moving on here. A Poker Fraud Alert user was cheated by 888 Poker. And that's kind of disturbing because they, they have a partnership with the World Series of Poker. And they you know, they provide software for them and they, they operate legalized online poker sites of their own in New Jersey. So this is not like America's card room cheated some cheating someone which is already operating illegally in the first place. This is a site that's supposed to be acting in a proper and legal fashion. And the only thing I can say here is that this seems to be more a case of incompetence than actually trying to cheat someone, especially since the amount of money is small, but it's, it shows you how infuriating this can be. Uh, and, and, and I would love to see these type of sites receiving penalties when they are in the regulated U.S. market for actions like this, even if they're not against U.S. customers. So this guy is actually an American who made this complaint. He calls himself 50 Cinquanta. 50 Cinquanta is a radio listener, and he said, I'm an American living in Germany, and I want to play online poker, and I want everyone to know outside the U.S. that 888 poker is a total hassle, and they will take your low-stakes deposits. Take meaning that they'll steal them. <laughs> How they advertise at the World Series is beyond me. Well, they would do more than advertise. They have a big partnership to provide the real money gaming. I mean, look at the guy that they give a, a high-stakes pavilion to. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. And, and, and also, they, the, think of the Global Poker Index, where he, the guy's uh, scamming Fedora Holtz and others uh, during the World Series while... They're providing the global global well, poker index. In, in fairness to the World Series, they ditched them. Yeah, and maybe maybe that was a, a factor. Who knows? May have been. So here, here's the story. This guy opened an 888 account and deposited 200 US dollars through a third party site called Transferwise. 888 asked for his documents to prove his identity. He gave his passport and local address where he lives in Germany. 888 then froze his account because his local address did not agree with the address that he had registered on TransferWise. And so then he gave them his new address at the request of 888Poker. They wanted additional documentation that this was really his address, so he gave utility bills at that address. 
And so they released his account. They said, okay, you, you passed the test. Uh, we believe you, this is your address. We've, you've passed verification. So they opened up his account again, and he went on to play and found that his balance was... Zero point zero. So his $200 just vanished. So he asked them, where'd my $200 go? And they said they're returning his money. And they have not. So, of course, it sounds more like incompetence. I don't think it's a massive conspiracy to steal $200 from him. But nevertheless, uh, this, this has happened. So he posted the email exchange. You can find this in the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum. But it's kind of hard to follow because he posted this backwards. I, I hate when I ask people to post email chains and they post the most recent one first. It's, it, it just, I mean, I'm glad he posted the email, but it's, it's hard to follow. I always make sure when I provide screenshots or captures or, or, or copy and paste, I always make sure when I do it that it's easy for the reader to follow. Because if you don't, people are not going to want to read it. But anyway, I put in the work to read it. And... Um, so, so they. Th- this is what they said. They said uh, this is on January nineteenth. We'll be returning this wire deposit back to your bank. So your bank account, as your bank account is based in Belgium and your account is registered in Germany. So that's why they claim they're doing it. It's the bank account he's used, they, they claim is uh, ba- based in a different com- country than where he lives. Should you wish to send another wire transfer deposit, please make sure it comes from a German bank. I, I wish you all the all the best and have a good weekend. Uh, now, he is writing. He, you know, he's email emailing them. Apparently, they're very difficult to call. I guess you can call them with. You have to call a UK number and pay. There's no toll free number. I would have at this point because uh, you know the the email was getting so frustrating. But he was losing his cool a bit in the email, which never helps the situation. So he writes. Uh, uh, thank you so much for verifying my information after two weeks. However, my account shows a zero balance. In other words, where the fuck are my funds? <laughs> he writes. How do you people make money? I can't wait for the summer at the World Series to tell everyone how fucked up 888 poker is. The pros are going to love the fact that you're chasing amateurs away. They may even question how much of, of a fucking amateur operation 888 poker is, all for lousy uh, 200 bucks. So, and that was their response about the Belgium thing. That was after that. So, he writes back, uh, hmm, interesting, since I don't have a bank in Belgium, and you know this since I sent you my statement. You know this is from transfer TransferWise. Why the fuck is – what the fuck is your problem? I'm going to the forum and then posted the forums that he's going to be uh, posting this on, including Poker Fraud Alert. So it appears that they're confused that they think this TransferWise, which is a service that uh, they allow, is, is a Belgian bank. I guess they must be based in Belgium, this TransferWise. So he uses them to deposit there, and then they go, oh, you're using a Belgian bank, and you're actually in Germany. He's like, no, 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 that's just transfer-wise. That's not, that's not my bank, and like, they're so confused. So they wrote back, I apologize if I mistook this, the country. This, they just wrote this on the 22nd, two days ago. Uh, on the, the country that the funds came from, but we still cannot accept funds from another country other than the one you registered from. This is for security and fraud purposes. Please, should there be a next time, send from funds from a German-based bank. And... Uh, and then, the, so anyway, that's that's their answer, and they still have not re- returned it to him. And he's not even sure how they will return it to TransferWise because you know he used a, a third-party service. So he's very frustrated here. And okay, so I believe this is not any attempt to steal money from him. 
But the bottom line is they've stolen money from him, even if they're not attempting to. Through incompetence, they have stolen money from him. Uh, I had a situation like this, not with online poker, but with, with AT&T, where my dad, actually it was my, my dad's situation, but he, he, I was managing it for him, and you know, I, I did an upgrade by turning in his iPhone 6 for an iPhone 7 for a very small upgrade fee. It was a promotion at the time last year. And they didn't give the credit they promised to where essentially they just stole his phone. They weren't intending to steal his phone, but they would not correct it, and everyone was telling me I was crazy. Ultimately, I got it corrected when I had to take it very high up, and they admitted I was right. But prior to that, I was being treated like I was crazy, and it resulted in basically his phone being stolen because they took his phone and didn't give him credit for it and wouldn't correct it. And they admitted we turned it in, but I dealt with incompetent idiots who just wanted to prove they were right when they were actually wrong. And that's basically what's happening to this guy here, that the person he's dealing with here is, is, is not thinking about this logically. And th- this is disturbing to be coming from a site like 888. I wouldn't even be covering this if this was just some small, crappy site that you'd be risking a lot to go play there in the first place. If, if Jow Poker did this, I probably wouldn't be covering it. But I, I agree with you, Druff, that they're not trying to steal it. I mean, this is a classic Hanlon's razor where... You know, never attribute malice to that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's classic. Yeah, but but this is the company that support that that's actually running a site in New Jersey. This is a site that is providing the software to WSOP.com. They've they've got to handle these things with more ethics. They they can't just be so cavalier with other people's money. And they they have to have an intelligent. Customer service group that can oh, handle drop, drop. <laughs> okay, they have Come to. Have, they have to have. A, are you are you hearing the words that are coming out of your mouth? They have to have an a, a, a customer service group with people of average intelligence. That have we learned anything from our dealings with online poker and the the gambling industry support systems? Yeah, you, you know what's <laughs> I mean, the you know what's your the worst, expectations though? are way too high. You know, you know what's the worst is when you can't call them. I mean, he can call them. That's why I keep telling him. He's like, "What is there's, there's a t- no toll free number?" It's like, screw the toll free number. Just get get, get Skype. It's, you're calling the UK, okay? So get Skype. You can buy a ten dollar or seven dollar package to call the UK that will give you all the minutes you're going to need, like four hundred minutes, I think, for for seven bucks. Okay, pay the seven bucks. Call them for Skype. You'll have four hundred minutes to do so. And and yeah, because email is so frustrating to handle situations like these where the people are just skimming what you write and giving dumb answers, and you got to wait a full day for the next response. You want someone on the phone that the second they hand bullshit to you, you just go nope, and you explain to them why they're wrong. And then you can also ask for their manager, their supervisor. Their supervisors, supervisor. You can go up the chain a lot more quickly on email, email or, or not email on on uh, on the phone. And also on the phone, they can't just give you BS and then wipe their hands of you, wash their hands of you for a day. That's why an email, a lot of times, nothing gets done because they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to read a lot. They don't want to think a lot. They just want to quickly spout off some BS and and, and be done with you for a while. But on the phone, this if they get yeah, BS, they just copy and paste from yeah. the boilerplate answers that they have. Yeah, and and on the phone, if they tell you BS, then you just shoot right back and tell them why they're wrong, and, and you kind of trap them there to have to deal with it, and you need that, and that's why email and chat customer service, especially email, is horrendous for all companies. So, 
you should always try to speak to someone rather than through email. This is also why I always tell people, this isn't really about online poker, but don't write letters. When you have a problem with a company, don't write letters. And don't write to the CEO. People think, oh, write to the CEO. That'll get it done. No, the CEO never gets your letter. It's someone in his office who's fairly low level that gets the letter and then writes a generic response back to you, gives you some something, you know, some kind of token concession, and that's it. And people believe they really got over. So, like, they'll write to the CEO because they, they felt like they got ripped off in some way out of uh, $15 or, or, or maybe, you know, they got some product that, uh, a $15 product that didn't work out that well and uh, they're complaining about it. And they get a letter back. And, and, in, and in fairness, Drove, like, if those letters really did get to the CEO... Like, something is wrong. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right, right. <laughs> that a CEO would ever be dealing with that crap. Right. And it I'm, makes yeah, no sense. I guess, yeah. I'm not, I'm not criticizing the, the practice of that. I'm just saying for the consumer, they'll get back, like, some sort of $30 credit for the future for products in the company. And they go, oh, wow, I, I, like, you know, I, I was only complaining about a matter of $15. They gave me 30 Great. Well, no. You're getting, like, a very generic thing that they just give to everybody who complains. But you're never going to get someone who reads your letter in detail investigates it, really thinks about it carefully, and solves the problem. It's very unusual. So you're, you're always better off talking on the phone when you can. Once in a while, you, there's, there's no one to talk to on the phone. There's no way to call them. But it's always better to do it on the phone. So my advice to 50 Cinquanta here is that he pays the $7, gets the 400 minutes on Skype to call the UK, calls them up, and just won't let them off the phone until they either schedule a call with a manager there or solves the problem for him because this is never going to get done with this with this Camillo that's writing back and forth to him so but but shame on 88 I mean they, they really need to do this better if they if they want to be in the US legal market they should be doing this better but the funny thing is it's not going to hurt them they've already got their partnerships established and no one's going to give a crap it just it just bothered me that th- these things happen still even with these regulated sites yeah Druff coming from the business world I mean one of the things that uh the Hanson kid kept telling me was that the casino industry is just fucking awful. Oh, it is for the most part. It really is, yes. And, and I, didn't, I didn't really, you know, fully believe him at first, but you know, after having been involved with it in various levels for a number of years, I mean, <laughs> I can, I can say with some assurance that he was a hundred percent right. Yes, like uh, uh, there, there are people in positions that they just do not deserve to be there. What a person you are! I've got no tone. I tried to talk at you, Brandon. You've told me three times you're going to cast the chips in. I don't see what the big deal is. You just don't communicate except to do things the way you want to do them. I'm trying to be friends with you. I'm trying to be nice to you. But you've lied and lied to me. If you want to talk about it, talk to me. But blocking me and being this way is being childish. Okay, that's... that's what the fuck was that? That's Brandon playing some voicemail message. Oh, okay. 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 So at least we know he's still alive. At least Brandon is not. Uh, he hasn't died at the at the computer there. By, by the way, I, I want to. Fraud show. Are we yeah, still on? Yeah, we're still on. Brad, where did you go? What happened to you? I went to make a sandwich. I kind of lost interest in the whole thing. Okay. Well, hey, Brandon, I I wanted. I think this is a good time to mention that uh, there's a show planned for the sometime before the Super Bowl. I'm not going to call it the big game, by the way. Call it the Super Bowl, but. I hate how the Super Bowl will not how they want the NFL will not allow companies. They to sent use, out uh, cease and desist letters right. to like eight different big name properties this year, letting <laughs> them know that if they use the term Super Bowl in any of their marketing, that they're in violation of whatever the law is. 
You know, do you know this? I'm, I'm not making this no, up. No, I, 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 I know they do that. To, I didn't know that happened. But I know they will. Lazo, yeah. Venetian, MGM properties, all telling them and reminding them they cannot use <laughs> the term Super Bowl in any of their marketing. It's so petty. It's so stupid. Just let let them use it. Let people get interested in it. Like it, it can only help their product that people are, you know, more interested in the Super Bowl. It'll make it more likely they watch the regular NFL. The, the biggest year. farce in the existence of of sports ever. Is the NFL's, you know, alleged stance that they're anti-gambling when gambling is the only thing that makes football the most watched sport in America? Yes. If you take away the gambling, I mean, it, it's it's going to fall below baseball and basketball. I mean, it just it's it's it really it's a farce. I mean, it is. There's no other word to describe it. It's just it's. I don't know if you've seen lately, uh, Adam Silver, the you know, oh, that's, that's NBA, a topic. You're talking about talked the, the openly about gambling and and. Even, you know, legalizing it and letting it, you know, appear in other states other than Nevada. Well, that's a topic. That's, regulated- that's a sorry? topic. It's a topic tonight. In fact, after I was going to announce oh, this, this well. I was going to announce this show that we're going to do. And then we'll, we can talk about this topic next. I can jump to it so you can. Uh, now, is my email still playing my Skype mail, my Skype messages? I've been having trouble. My voicemail. I mean, playing inadvertently. Is that going on still? I, yes. A, a voicemail did Jesus. play here. A voicemail did All play. Right. I didn't understand what was going on, but OK. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, so anyway, he has no toe. Yeah. All well, right, go on. I, I I deal with someone who has too many toes, so we have opposite <laughs> problems. So how's my trader Ruski on the line too with the Kalawat? I'm here. What's happening, Brandon? Hey, buddy. How you doing? So get off. You're speaking of a radio show. You said yes. There's a radio show that is, is scheduled. Hopefully, it will happen. That uh, mm-hmm. it's going to actually be a show featuring Daly, who's a master of prop bets, a really really good prop better. It's been proven many times over. And Brandon and China Maniac, they're going to be doing a show, uh, a sports betting show, that is hmm. uh, sometime before the Super Bowl, according to Daly. That's what I was it told. Sounds good, but no one's ever talked to me about this one. Really? I, you weren't told? <laughs> no, I got a text about it that, you know, like we should do one, but that, that was as far as it went. Well, it's not but official. No, it's fine. I want to do one. Uh, it's not officially yeah. scheduled. This was talked. Daily told me about this and asked if it's okay. And I said, "Yeah, sure." So I yeah. said, "No, I Daily's said, great." I, I said, he came on a couple years ago and gave some winning props before the Super Bowl. Okay, so, I, yeah. so I, what, yeah. whatever happened to Brandon's show? Well, listen, I I can take a little bit of blame for this, but Todd has to take some of the blame too. Oh, because Uh-oh. I well, didn't no, mean to, I didn't being, mean to start something. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just being honest now. So Todd got me a, a sound card, an external sound card of. A, couple months back that i paid 45 dollars for and i've asked them several times you know that's i can't figure this thing out it doesn't come with a manual i've gone online i don't know how to hell to set this thing up but you know he's busy and then you know when he's hey are you around i'm busy so we just haven't both been able to do it. but i can't do it on my own this thing's impossible to set up um i mean you need to go into all these different settings and it's just i don't know well we can do, so it. We what do it tonight after do, after radio i'll, I'll tell you what i'll make you a deal brandon mm-hmm. well Send me that slushy money, but send me that slushy money back, and I'll Real do it cute. for you. Real cute. <laughs> so, so what's been decided now is I've actually, and, and Trader Ruski can vouch for me. I've actually gone to Best Buy twice in the last month just for the purpose of looking at computers that have stereo mix in them. So I found, and you know, seriously, serious gave me a hint because he said I think most Dells. Because the last show I did was through his computer, which is a Dell. He said, I think Dell is the only computer nowadays that standardly puts 
stereo mix in computers, which, and for those that are listening, stereo mix is what enables you to listen to this fraud show. It enables Todd to have me on Skype and the other co-hosts and, you know, play the little sound clips and all that. If not, if I'm just using my MacBook Pro, if I'm using my, uh, I have a, a, a Surface, a Microsoft Surface book, you're just going to hear me talk. I can't connect people. I can't play anything. It's awful. Terrible. So anyhow. There are definitely the ways you can do it with your MacBook Pro. I, but I don't know how. No one can tell me how. But either either way. So listen, I have these gift cards, okay, that I've accumulated like several thousand dollars at Best Buy that I've gotten from casinos and various promotions and things. So I've gone to Best Buy twice, and I've found about three or four Dells that they're not expensive. They're like four or five hundred dollars um, that are just going to be used only for the purpose of radio. So I'm going to pick one of those bad boys up. Um, I'm going to get Trader Ruski one as well, or he's going to be buying one as well because he wants to be able to do radio. Uh, you know, he's going to do a show about uh, tea in China and things like that. Uh, meditating, yo- I think yoga. Trader Ruski, did you say you want to do a yoga show? Hot yoga, hot yoga. Okay, hot yoga. I'm sorry. So I'm going to be doing that. Um, Tomorrow, I'm actually, and I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I always check in under assumed name. I'm going to be staying at the Aria tomorrow. And, well, I mean, I'm just saying that now because when I get there, I'm really going to be under an assumed name. Really? So you're not even, you're not even kidding. The, yeah, I, I, I always do that. Okay. Yep. I always check in under assumed name. I, I, never I, 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 I don't, and then I get harassed with phone calls. Yes. So C-Money is in town. He actually just sent me a pic about... I don't know, but an hour ago, and he he made was it three five? He made I think eight thousand dollars off some games apparently that you sent him a picture of. He sent me the screenshots of the paper tickets. Yes, he had the he had. I know one of them was a halftime. I think halftime under, and then maybe under for the game. I yes, believe that was for the the Celtics, right? the Celtics Clippers game, and it was close, but it came through. Yeah, so he sent me two two tickets, and I think that it paid eight thousand. It was like four thousand each, and he was very happy about that. So he's in town. He's going to be here for a while. I'm going tomorrow. And that's why I'm, you know, he generously uh, comped me a couple nights because I don't do anything at the Aria anymore. So I would never pay for a hotel room. So he got me a room there. I'm going to come down there and, you know, drink a little bit, gamble a little bit, hang out, have some great food. That's, uh, that's one of my bonding things with C-Money. He's a foodie like myself. Like he appreciates like, you know, Wagyu and just, you know, He'll eat sushi and just various things that I know that, Todd, you probably stole – your palate probably still won't allow you to eat. Am I right? Well, it's not my palate. I See, I don't – there's certain things I don't like, but I actually do – I do very much like high-quality Can you eat raw fish? It's not I can't. I can. I just don't want to. Well, I'm, well of course you can. Do you enjoy eating raw no, any kind of raw no, fish? No, I don't. But uh, I, so, okay. so sushi I wouldn't appreciate. It's true. Uh, right. but, but I do – What about, th- what about a nice uh, French faux gras? No, I don't like foie gras either. Okay. What about, uh, I mean, what, what what exotic food do you enjoy other than just, you know, like standard, like lobster steak, cayenne, stuff like that? Is there some exotic food you, you fancy? I don't like, no, exotic food I typically don't uh, like, but, uh, you know, like at a higher end restaurants where they have some kind of prefer- preparation of something that I typically wouldn't order, if it's something that it's a restaurant that has a very good reputation for it, the food being really good, I'll usually trust them and let them do it, and not you know try to specify oh just leave it plain. Like I'll I'll just trust that what they're doing is going to taste good, even if the way they're doing it is not something I would typically think I would like. And usually, yes, it is good, and usually I do like it, uh, but but only at a place that has a very good reputation that's expensive, that's you know, not now, not just some 
you know, it is a true story that Todd and I once on a dinner break at the World Series in a matter of less than 25 minutes had a $485 dinner. Do you remember this, Todd? Yes, and there was two there's two parts to it. Not only did we have yes, that that dinner, but we because of some this is my fault. I forgot where my car was parked when we walked to the wrong lot. Uh, we wasted a lot of time in the night. The night half the dinner break. So that, yeah, we lost serves. a lot of the dinner break because of that. <laughs> so we had to wolf the food down, and then we got back late. But the coming back late, we can't, probably came back ten minutes late from from dinner. But coming back late didn't hurt us because it enabled the cards to fall for us, where we ran really well. Where it obviously would have been different if we were there on time. So we both ran really well when we got back from dinner, and then later that evening, towards the end of day one. It, there was correct. there was a we have a screenshot of it where number one number it. one in chips is Brandon Gerson and number two in chips is Todd Wattellis. This is a World Series bracelet event. Uh, we both cashed. We both cashed. Brandon came in with a very very big stack for day two, but then ran horribly yep. and 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 mm-hmm. was out pretty fast. And I I lasted longer and got to uh, to fortieth. So, well, you had that one sick hand, where I believe you were crushed in two spots. Yes. Well, I I, yes. I I had two hands where I was crushed and won, but then I then I got crippled in a spot where the other guy was crushed and I lost. So that's correct. That's what happened. So anyhow, getting back to what you're saying, that's correct. Uh, daily and also uh, my good friend out in Norway, uh, uh, Court, Adam Adam Antium on PFA will also be participating when we all come to a decision on the date and time and so forth. Now, I'm going to be honest, Adam Antium was a, has been a little depressed. Have you noticed he hasn't been on the forums too much? Yes, yes. He, was, he took this, uh, you know, everyone's got a soft spot, I've learned, over the years. Now, Adam Antium, you know, he, he likes to stir it up. Wouldn't you say? He's kind of like yes. a, a guy's guy and, you know, a little macho. He actually uh, found some sort of kryptonite, if you will, on PFA. That's kind of uh, been a little somber for him. Do you know what that would be? Can yes, you take that, a guess? that would be Kilgore Trout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to be very that much. Chick. Yeah. Yep, it was. It was kind of devastating to him that all, how all that happened, and he kind of is just taking a break. And he's not disappearing. He's not gone or anything. But it actually hurt him. Me, you know, whatever. I can care less. You know, oh, I thought just, you were going to say he cashed some checks for her. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's cute. That's cute. Look at that's kidding, what just kidding. I know. So anyhow, yeah. that's that's the plan. I'm sure Trader Ruski will take. Will you be on the Super Bowl? Uh, the show, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. Not only that, but so, yeah, I, but we, I, I would we, like to be on the show. Uh, I, I said daily, I'd like to come on and do an NBA segment. So on the Super Bowl show, I I, I thought this would be a sports betting show, not just a Super Bowl show. Well, but yeah, but it's going to be concentrating. But no, that's fine. I mean, you're the owner. You could, you know, call no, the no, shots, no. This but, is, this, no, I'm not going to call the shots on this. I was saying that if it's just going to be a Super Bowl show, I won't come on. But uh, uh, I was. On, told I'm getting a, I'm getting a, a tweet. I can't. You can't even make this up. It's from, uh, you know, the, the one guy, I don't want to give him that much attention, but you know the one guy that tweets at you that we don't want to say his name? Yeah. No, the, the one guy that tweets and said, remember, do you even play poker anymore, that yeah, guy? Yeah, yes. He wants to know if he can come on the show or if that's part of the whole. <laughs> I mean, is he really listening? That's kind of creepy. No, I'm sure he's listening. He uh, is. He just tweeted me. Oh, I know. I, I'm sure he is. So He wants to come on the show. But, yeah, but, Druff, I, I think if they're doing the show just before the Super Bowl, Probably NBA picks doesn't make a whole. Well, lot of sense. well, that's what I'm trying to say. I don't want to be rude to him, but that's. But no, you know, we could do like you know, like a like an intro or was, pregame or well, okay, something yeah. like I'll that. Well, the there's was, usually some props that cross over with the NBA, right? Isn't it? <laughs> I, I, how much listen, somebody scored. I, I was. Versus, 
I, I would. Hey, if, uh, Brandon, if I could, I'd like to come on there and do a basket weaving session. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. This, right. this, yeah. this is how it was pitched to me. It was pitched to me as a sports betting show that will be before the Super Bowl because that's a good time to have it. That's the way it was pitched to me. Not that it's a Super Bowl right. show only about the Super Bowl. If it's only about the Super Bowl, then I don't really have anything to add. Then I don't need to be part of it. I, I'm not going to make any decisions here because it's not going to be my show. So this is it's totally up to you guys if you wish to have me come on and do an NBA segment. But I will say, since uh, about nine days ago, I, I am 22-8, uh, 22-8-1 in the NBA. 22 wins, 8 wow. losses, one lo- one tie. So wait a minute. You want to come on Brandon's show and brag about your NBA picks? No, I want to. Really? I, want, I want to help really? out the listener to uh, <laughs> avoid certain pitfalls of uh, of losing NBA betting. Now, now, Jeroff, are you getting a commission on C Money's eight thousand? I, I, I don't mean I'm not blowing up spots. Was there, you know, anything like that or no? Well, yeah, we had a discussion. See, yesterday he texted me and, and, and said he's coming to Vegas and uh, and that he was going to probably place some bets on my NBA picks. I actually sent him both picks, one of which was uh, a great under that was way, way, way under. He went to overtime and still won, and that was, but he couldn't get that placed in time. Uh, and then the second he told one, me that. Then the yeah. second one was, was a, a one that ended up being very close, but ended up winning with the Boston and the Clippers. But uh, what he said is that uh, he will give me a percentage if he wins. He said that I will be receiving... Zero point... Zero. So that's, Hello? Yeah. So oh, that's, I lost that's, you. That's what I got. Oh, that's right. It didn't play to you. It said 0.0. It was the sound effect. So, yeah. No, I, I didn't 0. Get, 0 percentage? Yeah, I, I got nothing. But that's okay. I didn't, oh. ask, I didn't ask for anything. I, you know, C-Money does so much for the site, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm sure he'll throw something pretty no. strong for a free roll. Okay, well, I'm not asking. He's done so much for the site. He's, he's been so generous, I wouldn't even think of asking for anything. Or, or, or you know, I, these are picks that I post publicly anyway. And, Remember and that I, time he bought you like the four pound lobster at that restaurant in the wind when you and I weren't even talking? Yeah, he's always he's always very generous. So <laughs> yes, uh, so that's that's not anyone I would ever think uh, owes me anything because I gave him some picks that I'm posting publicly anyway. So yeah, uh, anyway, th- I'm, I'm glad it won. Well, maybe so. Let me ask you, Sunday, maybe because you know I don't know if they want to do this during the week or but you know I'm coming back on Saturday from the Aria, so maybe Sunday we can get a show going if that would work. Will you be around Sunday, uh, Druff? Uh, uh, probably Cowboy? at some point. Uh, it's, I don't know when, but yeah, it just someone. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, someone just has to be able to run it. Uh, that's the one. I I can't run it, but somebody else uh, runs it. And then I'll just you know I'll find some time to call in if they want me to come do an NBA segment. Otherwise, if uh, it's just going to be a Super Bowl show, then you guys can just go ahead and do it. So that's uh, that'll be. I'll, I'll announce it on the Poker Fraudler Twitter when uh, we have a hard date and time sure. for it. Yeah, so check that out. You know, let me ask you one other thing, not to revolve the show around me, but just because you know I really like those kind of topics. Are there any Las Vegas or any gaming topics left yes, on I'll, the agenda? Well, so I'll tell you what we're going to do. There's three topics I think you'll have of uh, interest here. Uh, number one, the the NBA thing with the uh, with the, what was announced today about how they want one percent of all bets placed. The and then two Las Vegas topics: one about the win opening a new hotel or that they want to do that in Vegas, and also uh, the Hard Rock being sold to Virgin. So those will be the three we could do right now if you'd like. And uh, I, I think you'll you probably have interest in all three of those. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So Absolutely. so I want to talk about the NBA and this story about how they are warming up to sports betting, but only if uh, something extra is in it for them. And this is pretty outrageous because, uh, you know, as Brandon was mentioning before the NFL, 
but is, is also true of the NBA and, and all other sports, but some more than others, is that gambling is really driving interest in these sports. That when people really pay attention to the NBA, when they really pay attention to the NFL, it's because they bet on the games. And if you take away gambling, if there was no gambling at all on any of these games, that there would be a lot less interest in, in watching. And uh, so, yes, these these teams do have their fan bases, and there are people watching it because they're fans, but they get a lot of additional viewers that uh, you know makes the ratings much better. You know, they, they can sell much more expensive commercials. There's, there's so many different things that they end up gaining from because they have these additional viewers and, and who are only interested or mainly interested because they're gambling on that sport. The NFL is the one that is most affected by this, but the <clears throat> NBA is, is affected as well. There's a lot of betting on the NBA also. So uh, so the sports leagues up until recently had been anti-gambling for whatever reason, at least publicly. Like privately they're happy it exists, but, but publicly they'd claim they don't like it. And it, this is starting to change, but something was announced uh, today that's uh, really shocking people. And that is, uh, there's a guy named Dan Spillane. I think that's how you pronounce his name, S-P-I-L-L-A-N-E. He's an attorney for the NBA, and he testified in front of a New York State Senate committee and stated something that was pretty shocking. He said that uh, if, if uh, that they would like to become a partner in legalizing sports betting everywhere. That they would like to say they support it and become a partner in doing so. He's talking about the NBA itself. However, he is claiming that the NBA, in return for that, wants 1% of every bet made on their sport. That's insane. So they're, they're, it's not enough for the NBA that there's all these additional people watching because of betting. But now they also want an additional 1% out of every bet. Not just winning bets or losing bets. They just want out of every bet this place. You, you make a $500 bet, uh, they get paid $5 is what they want. You make a $10,000 bet, they get $100. And you may say, okay, 1%, that's nothing. Well, no, that is something. That's, that adds up to a whole lot of money. And, uh, well, you know, they're getting off cheap uh, versus what Steve Stevens used to charge on Money Talks. <laughs> Do you remember, remember that you know that that reality show where he would get half yes. of whatever somebody yes. wants? Yes, yeah, those touts that rip everybody off, right? Yes, yeah. But <laughs> remember, you know, you remember Steve Stevens? Yes, we yes. talked about him before. Yes. CNBC. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, he he said he wants the Splan guy said that the NBA wants more widespread access to to gambling for its fans. They want uh, bets to be made legal, to make be made on smartphones, at kiosks, and uh, and not just uh, you know inside of casinos or racetracks. They want basically anyone anywhere to be able to just bet on their phone, and and of course increase a lot more. It'll make wagering far more accessible. But but then they will only support this if they get one percent. That's that's what they want. Now, Nevada in two thousand sixteen had $4.5 billion in sports wagers made. $4.5 billion in sports wagers were made in the state of Nevada. And they're saying they, don't, they, they're saying they want this everywhere. They're, say, they're not just saying they want this in Nevada. They want this everywhere 
where that number would go way up. And so not not the profit, but just everything bet. Everything bet. They want one percent, which is insane. And they, they think this will, and they admit this will increase wagering. And they think that they deserve one percent somehow. And uh, I guess they're expecting every year to make from this like one hundred billion dollars. So it's it's crazy. And and the problem is, you may say, well, who cares? Let the sports books pay. They make enough money. You know, why, why should we care about this? The problem is, if this does come to pass, the sports books will probably have to adjust this by charging more juice. I don't think they're going to eat the one percent. So this this is like wow. yes, we'll, we'll support this, but with uh, with a caveat, uh, a terrible. This caveat. is in Vegas. You're saying in Vegas? They, they want this everywhere. They they claim they're going to that, that they're going to support sports betting everywhere. But that for their support, they get uh, 1%. Now, I don't know. It's a good question. What, what is their position on Vegas that already is taking sports bets? But uh, – and they're, what they're doing is uh, they're, they're calling it uh, an integrity fee. Right? So I think that's separate. Oh that's, sorry, that's different. That's, that's, that's oh, because now they're going to have to enforce the <laughs> cheating much better because yeah. now there's going to be gambling. Well, that's actually – sorry. The integrity fee is a little bit different. That's something in, in, in Indiana. I got, I got them confused. The, the integrity fee is in Indiana, uh, a bill that was introduced that uh, the NBA and Major League Baseball want 1%. This is same, basically the same thing if, uh, of the amount wagered uh, if it were to be legalized in Indiana. Now – None of this can happen unless – right now it is illegal for sports betting to be made anywhere in the country except for Nevada. So 49 of the 50 states cannot make legal sports bets. Well, technically you're wrong. I know there's a few very limited forms in a few other states, but there's, I'm not talking about there's that. There's two states where you can bet sports, but they can't be straight up and they have to be basically what are parlays. It's very, um, it's very limited though. It's not, it's not really anything people that, you know, for the most part really want. No, of course, but I'm just saying that it, it you can't technically, but yes, okay. I'm just well, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. So, so there's limited sports betting in two other states. Yeah, and we've that we've talked about point. this. It's this. It's this. It's it's this bill passed, I think, in '93 called PASPA, Protect Americans uh, Sports Something. I, I forget the rest of the acronym, but that's that's what there's attempts to overturn PASPA, and there have been many of them. Most of them by forces in New Jersey trying to bring sports betting to Atlantic City, but now other states are trying to also uh, get into the overturning of PASPA, because without that, then there can't be betting outside of Nevada. doesn't matter what the states want. doesn't matter what the NBA wants. But the NBA is saying, look, our support will probably mean a lot as far as getting this overturned. So you want our support, we want 1%. So th- that's it's insane. So let's take a look at my record in the NBA this year, I, I have made um, I've made 229 bets on uh, or is it 229? You know, no, I think it's 227. I, I think my record right now from memory is 133, 93, and 3. I think that's my record at the moment. 133, 93, and 3. So I, I think it's 229. So that's a pretty good record. If you throw out the three ties, I'm 133 and 93, which means I've won 133 out of 226 bets, which is uh, almost 59%. It's 58.85% wins. And that's, that's 
more than enough to win even with the house juice. Okay, so even if you want to say I was, I was paying the 10% house juice on these bets, and let's, say I'm, let's say I'm making 550 per bet to win 500. So uh, I'm just calculating this right now. I should have done it before, but uh, let's say I, I'm betting 550 per contest and winning 500. Um, still, uh, let me just quickly figure this out. Yeah, then I've still won uh, about fifteen thousand dollars, fifteen thousand three fifty, based upon that, from betting five fifty to win five hundred on each of these bets. However, in total, in total of uh, the two hundred twenty nine bets I've placed for five hundred fifty dollars each. I have wagered almost one hundred twenty-six thousand dollars, so that means I would owe twelve hundred sixty dollars back to the NBA for this. Now it wouldn't be coming out of my pocket directly; it would be uh, you know the sportsbooks would be pay- taking it, but the, this would eat away about uh, you know, close to ten percent of my profits, which is insane. So. The leagues need to just say we either want sports betting or we don't want sports betting. And if there's more sports betting, here I got to put Trade back on. We lost him, but they, they either need to support it and say, "Look, this is advantageous for us to have. If, if we have more sports betting, we'll have more people watching," which is true. Or for whatever dumb reason we don't want it, then then be against it. But to demand money for it is crazy. So, so Brandon, what, what's what's your feeling on this? I, I think it's nuts, and I also will agree that there's no chance that the sports books, at, the, at least in Vegas, they would ever eat this fee themselves. People don't realize, or a lot of people don't realize, that sports books, they don't make a killing. I mean, they make a profit, but it's it's one of the lower revenue-generating parts of the casino. It's not like, I mean, I, I normally the win, like just statewide, is in the hundreds of millions, which is a lot, but it's... If you really just break it down and, and look at, you know, per like mega resort, I mean, and the fact, you know, they have to employ so many people, I mean, it really, really isn't. It really isn't a lot of money. Their margin, you know, is very, very small. Yeah, um, and, and the, pro- the problem for this is the reason they don't make that much money is because people place the bet and then they just sit there and watch for hours and the, the, the casino is not making more money while the person's watching. So, exactly. So yes. there, there's they, they play something big up front, but then they make nothing additional for hours, which is different than blackjack, where every hand, every hand, every hand, you know, like every minute or so, they get a new handout. So that's why, uh, yeah. So they don't make that much money, and uh, but, but yeah, that, I don't. I, you're right. I can't see the sports books ever agreeing to pay this one percent when they weren't before, and it's always been legal. Maybe they can get the other states to agree to it, where it's not legal yet, in exchange for their support to overturn PASPA. But uh, it's an insane thing to be demanding. Yeah. So, Calwa, you have any thoughts on this? Nope. <laughs> you're not. You're not a sports betting person, are you, Calwa? No. No, I didn't think so. You, you you don't seem to have much to say about these segments. I figured. Well, that. well, not just that. I mean, when Brandon's on, I'd I'd like to hear him talk, especially okay. when Aww. it's a, a, about a topic that uh, he knows a lot more than me. Okay. You know. Now, now Trader Ruski, I know you bet on sports. You actually hit a big parlay recently. Uh, what, what what's your feelings on this one? Well, I th- I think that um, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, it's so ridiculous that they think they could have one percent of everything bet, not money won, 
not just gross profit or whatever, that it almost feels like they want Vegas to help kill those other bills so it'll remain the way it is. Hmm. That's a possibility. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it, it, it could just be okay. greed. It, it could here's, be- here's a statistic for you. I'm not going to... I'm not going to tell you the most recent data, gentlemen. And again, people have to realize it's not just Las Vegas. I mean, you have all the surrounding you know, places like they're not as big, but, you know, you have your Mesquite, you have your Laughlin. Then, you you know, go way up north and you have Reno and Lake Tahoe. And, you know, there's tons of other little small cities in between. What would you guys guess? 2016. And again, that was the last year that uh, information has been released statewide. If you tabulated. The, the sheer profit of every sports book in the state of Nevada, what number do you think it is? What do you think their profit was statewide? Uh, I'd say 2016. Like, I'd say All right, like, hold on. Druff, Druff, go first. I'd say like um, 500. Don't Google it. No, I'm not. It's like $550 million. Okay, Trader Ruski, what do you guess? I'll go with 625 Okay, and... Kalawat, what would you guess? I'm going to uh, do the prices right thing and bid one dollar. <laughs> and Kalawat would win. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, statewide, statewide in 2016, Nevada casinos made 226 million. Oh, wow! Which I mean, that's a heavy wow. number if you think about it, but it really isn't a heavy number if you think about it. I mean, you know, you're chopping that up so. You know, you think about all the big books, you know, you got MGM, all the, all the MGM properties, and you got all the wind properties. You know, there's two now. There's going to be another one at the Palazzo. You know, have a lot of high end places. Um, Two hundred twenty six million chopped. So just think about that. It's not a lot. Yeah, Calawat wins. Yeah. So and now, in all fairness, it is there is a lot of growth. Every year, it's gone up. Um, you know, I'm looking at a little chart right now so but it's it's not you know not a lot the year before was 216 million so you know it was 11 million dollar growth between 2015 and 16 um but you know a lot of the reasons are are like what you said i mean you have a lot of more sophisticated gamblers now um it's also the fact like you said people can just bet and then just sit there uh and then you know the sick the sad thing or sick thing whatever you want to say is if you really took away all these goofy prop bets that the casinos usually just kill, think about what their margin would be then. Like if you take away all the stupid, you know, prop bets for the Super Bowl and, and you know, then March Madness and just, you know, things of that nature, I mean, it, it's, it would even drop further. Um, so, but you know what? What they've done now, and I, I don't, you know, think this is going to matter too much because I still feel as if the majority of people that bet on sports live in Nevada, but they're making a big push the sports books to really just let you be able to bet, you know, people that live in Vegas, or if, if you, you know, are here on vacation, you don't want, you know, for whatever reason to, to walk to a window or deal with, you know, anybody, um, they're doing everything they can to conveniently make it easy for people to bet right from their home, just like you can, you know, versus an all offshore sports book. Uh, Stations Casino now is the second casino that, in the last year started a program where you literally can deposit money and withdraw money without even leaving your house. Um, Station Casinos and William Hill both have programs in which you can deposit with a credit card. Uh, Stations even went further with their new program that they just unveiled 
in which you can actually do an e-check, which is amazing. I don't know how that works in the sense that, I mean, it gives you an option, you know, it says e-check. And then, you know, you put in your checking account, your routing information. I don't know if it uses one of those check services to verify if you have the money in your account or if there's like a five-day, meaning then, then it's instant, or if there's like a five-day window where it waits for the money to, you know, to to clear and then you're credited. Um, and then there's also obviously the credit card or debit card, but there's, you know, a 3% fee, which is them just basically recouping the fee they have to pay. And even more interesting now, if you don't want to even leave your house, you can cash out just like with a poker room and have whatever amount of money that you want ACH'd right into your checking account. So in theory, I could just sit here in my living room way out in Summerlin and deposit and bet on these sports games and never even you know walk inside a brick, brick and mortar casino. And then the other thing that they've done is when I enrolled for this program at William Hill, and I just recently did it at Stations, uh, they send me, they sent me a uh, like a debit card that I don't know the name of the network, but it works on like the Discover network. So basically, wherever a Discover card is accepted, you can use this card. And the way it works is, if you want to take some of your winnings and not cash them out, you can load them onto this card, uh, and then you have you know an ATM card to take out cash or to make you know purchases. Or to you know use it as a debit card, so it's very interesting that they've done this. Uh, I mean, this is like a really big push just to make it even more convenient. I don't know how big the demographic is. I will tell you something that was interesting this past Sunday, and I've never seen this before. Uh, after New England held off Jacksonville, I couldn't log in to any of the online sites. They all crashed due to high high traffic. Can't, or I shouldn't say they all crashed. Cantor and William Hill, the two biggest ones in Nevada, uh, they had technical difficulties for about 25 minutes between games. A lot of people couldn't even get their bets in because there was just such heavy traffic of people trying to log in. Um, so, anyhow, it's a good question. I really don't know. You know, obviously, like, you can't compare this to, like, online poker, you know, versus, like, the amount of Nevada residents that are going to use this service, you know, versus online poker. But, you know, coming out with all this stuff to the point where I have, like, a personalized debit card from William Hill now, you know, which, I don't know, sometimes what I'll do is I'll just, you know, if I have a couple hundred dollars on there and say I'm going to go grocery shopping, you know, and I want a couple hundred dollars on there, I'll, I'll maybe do that. But, you know, to go and, you know, have to pay, like, their fees, it's like seven bucks to take out or maybe a little less, like six bucks to take out a, a hundred or, you know, two hundred dollars. And the limits are pretty low. I think you can take out five hundred dollars is a max from the ATM. But uh, anyhow, this seems to be the trend now, you know, going forward. Um, like I said, William Hill was the first to, to do this, and now stations just followed, and they're promoting this heavily. You walk into any station casino now, and that's, that's where you're going to see, you know, the advertising everywhere, you know, to join. I think they even had, if you've never joined, and I know William Hill has this, um, if you've never joined either one of these companies, William Hill or stations, and you come to Nevada and you open up an online account, You'll get $50 once you've bet at least $50, meaning like, you know, you can't just get the 50 and bet it and then, you know, you have to basically cycle it through. So, I don't know, whatever, it's $50. seems like it's always $50, but um, anyhow, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, guys? I mean, do you think that this could be something that really even, you know, I guess uh, causes even more growth in this industry? The fact that, like, you literally don't even have to go to a sports book now if you're in Nevada. You can do everything from your phone. The I think, banking part of it, the depositing, all of it. 
I, I think what are your would, thoughts? I think it would grow some. Uh, the problem is there's still a hurdle to get going. It, it, it's just a little different than having – you still have to sign up with your real name. It has some kind of checks. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's not as hard as it used to be, but it's still something oh. which, which requires a sign-up process. And it's just it, – if someone's just signing up like on a trip – like I could see someone who lives in Vegas doing it because they're going to be there. But someone who's just on a trip and they go, okay, I, yeah, I want to place uh, some money on such and such game. They go, oh, I bet I can do it online. So they go on this app on their phone. And it starts asking for all this info, and they're like, "Ah, oh, this is such a pain in the ass. I'm just going to go down but to the place." But they have to. I mean, there's no way you. Can no, just I know. I know that. I, I know. I know that. I'm just saying why it's not going to catch on that much with tourists. Though I think that uh, now, if there were some way you could do it without having to do that, you know, something through your room that you could do it on the TV in there, something like that, where there was a way you could do it without having to fill out all these forms to get an account set up that you're only going to use for a few days, then I could see it. It's like. What what uh, Jeff Bezos of, of Amazon said, he said that for every additional click that the user has to make to get done what they want to do, you lose a certain percentage. It was, I forgot what it was. Some high percentage of users you're gonna you're gonna lose for each additional click. Yeah. So so it, this this is more than well, just a few clicks. This this is something well, which two, is a pain. Two things to address real fast. Wow. William Hill William Hill will actually. Go to your home or your hotel room if you open up an account and deposit $1,000 or more. So you don't even have to go anywhere, which I kind of thought that was kind of so, cool. So you'll, you'll, get, a knock, you'll just, get a knock on your door. So, uh, hello, William Hill here. Yeah. <laughs> one more quick thing real <laughs> yeah, fast. And, just, oh, by so, the way, let me just add yeah. one thing to that, Brandon. Let me ask you a question. Because what I could see, first of all, for like Super Bowl weekend – or more probably like March Madness, the lines are probably so long, people could be encouraged, so oh, if I set up an account, it's easy, and they could be pushing that. Well, right. But the other, <coughs> yeah. the, the main oh, thing... Oh, but sorry, though, but let me just ask, why wouldn't yeah. they put kiosks in, like they have with horses, like at Hollywood Park? Have you ever seen those? You could basically put 100 bucks in, type what the races you want, spits out a ticket. I would think maybe it's a gaming thing. I don't know because you would think it does. You know, the one thing that casinos love it eliminates the need for manpower. Yeah, you know, meaning that for they sure. wouldn't need as many ticket takers, especially during uh, you know busy prime times. But what I was going to say, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The main thing, though, that you can get out of using these apps, if it really does take off, is the in-game betting, because currently at a number of casinos, you can. You know, basically, it's like a game within a game. You could in-game bet anything, baseball, basketball, football, every sport, and basically start over or chase or whatever you want to call it. But in a brick-and-mortar casino, you only have a handful of seconds to get in after they announce the line. You know, after somebody over a PA system will announce, announce what the in-game line is. And that's normally only during a commercial. Then you have to get up figure out what your bet is going to be you have to walk in line you have to stay in line you have to get to the counter um versus all of this information just appearing on your phone and never going off meaning always being in play but constantly changing and that's something really big i mean that's in play betting has really taken off because no matter what in the old days you know you, you make a bet on a on a team and they're down you know you bet on a basketball game you know like okay you know what? i'll give you a good example the other night I, I made an in-game play last night on Golden State. Golden State was down 10 after the first quarter to the Knicks, and I got them at 8 
at the end of the first quarter. So in the old days, you know, you look at something like that and you're like, oh, I'm most likely dead. I have them at 16 for the game. You know, they're down 10. You know, maybe they'll still win, but the chances of them covering, very slim. But now with this new technology, you're never really out of it. You always will have action. I mean, does that, does that make sense? Hello? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's that's awesome. I, I I agree. That'll catch on because it'll be like crack while they're watching the hey, game. Exactly, it is. That's exactly what – I mean, when there's only five minutes left in a game and you can still bet on it, that's just crazy. Like there's five minutes left and you can bet. Like, like you know, like you just skipped the first, you know, 43 minutes of a game and you're just tuning in for the last five minutes. I mean, that's – you know, that's probably catering to the most uh, degenerate of degenerate gamblers. Um, so one, one last thing. Gentlemen, looking back at these numbers that I spoke of earlier, 1985, Druff's, one of Druff's favorite years. I think that was also the year Back to the Future came out. Was that 85, Druff? Yes. What, how much revenue did the state of Nevada make in gaming in 1985? Just a guess. Well, uh, first of all, people should know that 1985, the a dollar was worth <laughs> roughly about half of today's dollar. A little bit less, but you know, probably close to 50 cents uh, um, in, in 1985 is worth a dollar today. So you get that, that has to be taken into account, too. So I, I would say also since sports betting has grown, so first of all, immediately cut the 220-whatever figure in half, and then I'm going to shrink it further because I know it's grown since 85. So I will say you're saying how, how much money they made statewide. Yep, yeah, same okay. question. I, I would say uh, seventy million dollars. Trederuski. Seventy-five. Oh come on! This Cal- is Calawat. I know. I know what. I know what's coming here. Calawat yeah. wins again. <laughs> Twenty-one million dollars. Oh, wow. you, you guys suck at this. <laughs> he always goes last. He has the he has the advantage. <laughs> he has a. He's got the button. I mean, he, he literally has the button. I know he has a button every yeah, time. For, I can't forget I can't. about Druff coming on there to do your sports betting shit. You got to have me on there. I'm clearly but, the, the but genius. Think about, but listen, think about that. Like I was reading an article today on ESPN. They, they said that there's already been four reported. I mean, there could be more, but four reported million dollar plus bets. Well, I was going to mention already. that. Yeah, I, I see that there's a multi million dollar bet that was made at MGM. I, MGM, yeah, yeah they, exactly. So just think about that. So hypothetically, some guy came in and lost two million. That literally would have been ten percent of the entire state revenue <laughs> in 1985. Think about that. Yeah, that's sick, isn't it? Ten percent of the entire state. You by, know, I mean, by just, the way, the, the multi-million wow. dollar bet was on the Eagles. Yeah, I saw that. You know, and it made the line move. Uh, did you see that part? It made no, it move I didn't briefly see that. today. No. It made the line move briefly today at MGM Properties from five and a half down to four and a half. And then, just like it's supposed to work, what do you think happened after that? Uh, then, then it, it probably went back because there's probably betting the other way. Everybody started betting New England at yeah. four and a half. That's what I'm saying. So, so they got the, the money way. closer to what it was on both sides, and then it went back to five and a half. Yeah, and that's just the way it's supposed to work, right? And they, they really try because the Super Bowl, there, there's so much money coming in. They really want to try to keep to that. They don't. It's not so much like the, like in, it, when it's a much smaller events like an NBA game. They're much more willing to take one side over the other if the book believes that that side's going to win. But the Super Bowl, they don't try to screw around with that. They just want to take uh, no. Because if, if you know if they get, you know, I don't know, a certain casino gets fifty million 
you know, in, in total handle, they'll be more than happy to just take the 10%. That's right what they want. They don't, they don't want to gamble at that it. point. It's too, it's too big to gamble at that point. They want to just take the yeah. guaranteed win. So, okay, uh, I, before we move on to the Las Vegas topics here, uh, I, I wanted to mention... Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, one other, one other thing. There's only been two Super Bowls ever that, that Las Vegas or the books have ever lost. I read this the other day. The first one was 1994 when a very, very, very terrible San Diego Chargers team played the San Francisco 49ers. That was when uh, Steve Young was a quarterback. It was a very high spread. I can't remember what it was. It was in double digits, but everyone just knew that, that San Diego had no shot, and the betting public was all over San Francisco. And, of course, this was before the advent of you know the kind of props that they have today like you know that take so much money. And then what do you think the second Super Bowl was? That I wouldn't even know. The books lost. Anyone Tampa have a Bay guess? Raider, Tampa Bay Raiders. Uh no. No. That, that because there were so many just the opposite. That was one of the Super Bowls they did decent in because so many Raiders fans oh, I guess they came in and bet them. The Raiders fan. Yeah, but there yeah. was a lot of information, yeah. The second one was and I found this a little odd but I don't know. The second one was during the New England Patriots. Um, what was it? Uh, New York Giants? Eight, yeah, 18 in one season. I was trying to yeah, figure yeah, out the Yeah, it was the Giants. Yeah. I was just talking about that. You know what? Since you mentioned that, I should I should say, and you know, don't if you know the names of any of these people, don't mention it, obviously. But I, I knew you might know some of them. But I, I knew four people who were all poker players, who I personally knew, that placed a very large bet on New England, then like I think it was was it oh eight that year when that happened. That was oh eight, yes. Yeah, so very good. They, they placed a very large bet, all four of them, with their own money, on New England at like minus four seventy five or whatever the hell that was, where you know, New England was very heavily favored, and they all got together for a Super Bowl party to uh, you know to watch this, what they sh- were sure was going to be a win for them, which I thought was foolish in two ways. Number one is when you're p- Having to lay minus four seventy five, and you're getting paid only, you know, basically one to five on your money. You're never going to win that much. The, the downside is huge. The upside is small. That's the first problem. The, the second problem was I was watching as this was going, and, and the Patriots would look so dominant earlier in the season. In the playoffs, were starting to look worse and worse. Every playoff game, and it wasn't just because they were playing tougher teams. Uh, every playoff game, they were starting to look worse and worse, less and less dominant. More holes were starting to show. They seemed, their momentum seemed to be slipping. And the, the New York Giants were going the opposite way. They, they went from being not as good during the regular season to during the playoffs, they were just crushing and getting with every game they looked better and better. So I thought, if there's ever a game where you don't go with a minus 475 favorite, it's this one. And I was, I was very close yeah. to placing a bet on the Giants. Uh, even, uh, I was very close to placing a bet on the Giants, not, n- even before I knew about these, these guys that were placing on the other side. Uh, seeing that, and I said, "No, nah, you know, I, I just, I just don't know enough about NFL betting to do this. I'm going to feel like a fish if I lose." So I didn't. Of course, I regretted it very much when the Giants ended up winning. But, uh, but these guys were, you know, imagine four guys who bet. They all bet six figures, I believe, and they were all sitting together watching this. Imagine like the mood in that room. I felt so bad thinking about this because I, I, I knew all these. These weren't just like I, I knew these people all fairly well, so I felt. Did they bad afford it? I mean, was it was it a heavy percentage of their net worth? Um. Okay, so one of them was was quite wealthy, and he he uh, he could easily afford it. The other three, uh, it hurt them some more than others. So uh, it, it was it was tough, and uh, I felt very bad for them. And it, when I heard about this, I only heard about this like like I was sitting here thinking, I wonder should I bet the Giants? Should I bet the Giants? And I just like 
I talked myself out of it, but I said if I were to bet, 100% would be on the Giants, not on the Patriots, given the line and given the way I saw the momentum going. But when I heard they placed this, like, I felt bad because I'm like, oh my gosh, this, I don't think this is a good bet. But I couldn't say it. I'm like, oh yeah, good luck. Yeah, I hope you win. <laughs> I, that always I, amazed me when I would read about guys, I guess women, when Floyd May, Mayweather would fight and they put up 800000 900000 a million to win 100000 back. You know, and it was such a high risk. And yeah, I mean, if he did it, you know, if he did it through the latter half of his career, even his whole career, he would have made a fortune because he never lost. But it's such a high risk because when I mean, you just you see this happen all the time. Yeah, I mean, and you're not getting the true odds of what it really is. I mean, if you're getting New England at 475, they really should be like, you know, minus 250. I mean, you know what I mean? You're not getting the correct. Yeah, and it's not even just that. Mathematical. Even just just seeing the momentum, like if it it it's one thing if you just see a team that's just so dominant, it just looks like they can't lose. I still wouldn't do it just because I hate making bets like that. But I fine. But th- this was a team that was slowly losing momentum throughout the playoffs, and every game they looked worse versus one that's getting better and better. I I, I saw this coming. I saw. I wish. I I mean. I know I didn't have enough confidence to bet on it. But but uh, believe me, I would. When I heard they placed that, I was very worried for them because I really thought yeah. this isn't the right side to be on. And uh, so that. that uh, yeah, I remember. So I'm but even with all that said, it took that miraculous David Tyree catch, like on top of his helmet. Like it was a preposterous way for them to lose. It wasn't. But yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you lose. The loss is a loss. Yeah, and yeah. It's, not, it's, it's not like they were dominating the whole game and some bad luck killed them. I mean, they, 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 that was a, it was a close game, and that's what happened. So, uh, so anyway, so what's your prediction now? Say you have a couple of friends that are thinking about firing six figures plus on New England. Um, What's your prediction this year? I don't have a strong for the record. I don't have a strong enough prediction this year. Is the problem it was that year where I, I particularly had a strong opinion on the Super Bowl, and especially when I heard what the line was this this year. Um, you know, it, it, the line isn't anything like that, and I, I can see reasons why both teams could win here. So I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised either way if. If either team wins this, and uh, bad guy, by the way, was urging me to bet on the on, on the Eagles, but well, of course he is, though. That's a bias, though. I know it's a big bias. He's a huge fan of the Eagles, so I, I couldn't take it seriously. I want I wanted to take it seriously. I, I couldn't. He's like I mean, that's like taking advice from Vegas one three six nine. I mean, you know, those guys are from Philly. Yeah, I know. I know, you know they're going to back their team, right? So, so I'm not betting on this. On this, uh, you know, daily posts and props or something. I'll probably bet those, but uh, I'm not going to bet the game. Uh, I'll I'll still watch it, but. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't usually do that. The betting I do in sports is either props, which I get from daily. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not a prop. I, I don't come up with prop bets myself. That's just not what I do. Uh, and and then the NBA, those are the ones I come up with myself. So anyway, uh, I'm going to play our sponsor ad right now. The Eric Benzamokin, an attorney, is a sponsor of this show. He has been for a while. Uh, appreciate that very much. And. In addition to the services which the ad will discuss, uh, if you live in California, there's one other additional service that he will provide where if an online poker site anywhere has screwed you in any way and you're a resident of California, you can contact him as well. For the arbitration and mediation that the ad is going to talk about, you can live anywhere, even out of the country. But but for if an online poker site has screwed you and you live in the, the state of California, no matter where that site is located... Uh, you should definitely contact him because he may be able to help you 
uh, recover those funds. Now, if, if you're like the, that's fifty cinquanta who lost two hundred dollars, that's probably not practical. But but I, I mean, like a, a substantial amount of money. Let's say an online poker site screwed you out of twenty thousand, uh, and you say, oh, "What can I do about it?" Well, uh, attorneys, there's there's a number of things they can do. Sometimes they can really put pressure on on these sites uh, and interests they may have in the U.S. Or there's there's ways attorneys can can force payments sometimes or put pressure on them. So you you should contact him and and see maybe what he could do for you if you're a resident of California. And if you're a resident elsewhere, then there's things he can do for you as well. And uh, I will play that for you right now. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew. And it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money or if they think you owe them money. He's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally, and he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California. You can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar, and he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he, he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your dispute. So you're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then he can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin, eric at eblawfirm.us. All right, so let's move on to our Vegas topics. The win has announced that they are seeking to open a third casino in the city of Las Vegas. Here's the situation. They have made this project public during an earnings call. And it's going to be called Win West. They recently acquired land that's uh, near their main Win Casino. 
and they claim that now they're going to build a third hotel there. They currently have the Wynn. They currently have the Encore, which is connected to the Wynn. There's two properties in Vegas, or two sets of properties in Vegas, that, that are, are technically separate, but they're generally regarded kind of as the same hotel. That's the Palazzo and Encore, or, sorry, Palazzo and Venetian and the uh, Wynn and the Encore. So I don't know. I know this land they acquired is close to the Wynn. I don't know if it's close enough where they can connect it all. Brandon, do you know that? Are you talking about the property across the street at the, the frontier? Oh, is, that what, is that what they acquired? Okay, I didn't know exactly. Oh, he what bought the, the he bought the frontier, which was owned by Phil. I think it's Ruffkin. Yeah, and he been on high stakes poker. Then he in turn obviously used that money, bought the Treasure Island because right uh, MGM Mirage needed that money to complete City Center because that was in the middle of the recession. So anyhow, Steve Wynn bought that property and he owns it, which is directly across the street uh, from the Wynn. And that's what they're speaking of. That's right. I see. I see. It is for the frontier. Okay. So yep. right. So and this is yeah. This is like about ten years ago. So they. So what Wynn said on the conference call was: Do you believe that Las Vegas will, for the next decade or two, continue to be a major destination city in the United States and the world? He said, "If you believe that, then you can be fearless about accommodating these people at, at the best level and giving the highest level of value. Anyone that doesn't understand that is missing the boat." So that, that's his justification for why they're doing this. He, he thinks that Vegas is going to still be popular and that there's plenty of room for a third high-end hotel to be part of the Wynn Empire. And, and this, that's also going to obviously be his last hurrah. I mean, he's not getting any younger. You know, this will be the final casino he builds probably in his lifetime. Guy's already in his seventies. Can, can he see it all now? Is he completely blind or? It's like blind? it's like eighty eighty five percent blindness. He's 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 been legally blind for years. Not that he would need to drive or anything like that, but no, it, it's it's just it, it's the ailment he has. There's no cure, and it's just going to get continually worse until he's blind. But he should still be fortunate that you know it was so slow in its you know development that he still had somewhat of a vision. You know, as recently as a few years ago. Yeah, you know, considering he's had this ailment for so long. Legally blind, actually, you can be legally blind and still be able to see. Uh, it's just you, you won't be able to see well enough to drive or do other things. But, but there's a difference between being legally blind and being you know so blind that you basically can't see anything. Either you can see nothing, or you can only see like shapes or or things like that. I, I actually got to know a number of blind people during my lifetime through my calling of party lines. There are a lot of blind people on there. And uh, it was interesting meeting them and seeing a lot of them had different levels of blindness. Some were so blind. In fact, some were blind from birth to where they they never saw anything in their life and never will. Uh, There were others that went blind later in life, sometimes from an accident, sometimes from a disease. Uh, But but there were some that were blind and really needed help but were able to see things. They could see lights. They could see shapes. In some cases, they were able to see well enough to where they could – walk around a room with objects, you know, furniture, tables, whatever, and walk around them and, and not have any help. So they were able to see enough. Like They couldn't see clearly, but they could see enough to where they could do things like that. So uh, so there's different types of blindness, but I, I was just thinking how awful that would be, no matter how much money you have, if you were be, to be completely blind or almost completely blind. So that, that's kind of why I asked. I know that was it's, it's been happening over time. It's not like he's been that way his whole life, but there, there's certain health situations that no matter how rich you are, if you have them, then your life is uh, probably inferior to those who don't have very much money at all but are healthy. So, 
Anyway, uh, he said that the win had net revenues uh, that you know, that they had what net revenues of a uh, six point thirty one billion in two thousand seventeen, and that they had an increase of forty one percent over two thousand sixteen, and they uh, they also said that they are going to be building fifteen hundred additional rooms in the uh, Win Paradise Park development, which is on their uh, their former golf course, and those are condos, I believe. So, uh, anyway, it's not clear when this is going to be complete, and it, it usually takes a little while to build a new hotel like that. So you're not going to see it in 2018. But they... This is the first time they've made it public that they are planning to do this, and he says there may be as many as uh, 3,000 hotel rooms in the building. So, uh, Brandon, you have anything to add about that? I mean, you know, the guy – well, my first thought when I when I saw this on the news yesterday was the potential for oversaturation of the market. But then, you know, i got to think the guy's been successful in everything he's done his whole career. He's got – Probably, I mean, this guy doesn't, you know, cut costs. I mean, he probably has employed the smartest, you know, people in the industry at his disposal that have crunched the numbers and have, you know, just done the various surveys and, and whatnot. And if they think that they really, you know, because, again, this is going to be another high-end resort. Yeah. Um, you know, this isn't going to be, you know, the Excalibur. I mean, this is going to be another, you know, $300 minimum, like, you know, Wednesday night for, you know, a king-size bed, you know, room, um, you know, with just upscale restaurants and, and so on. I mean, obviously, the first couple years, uh, it, it will indeed show a profit because there hasn't been an upscale, uh, you know, high-end casino built since the Aria, you know. And, and you could actually even debate if you would call the Aria upscale. I mean, I kind of would, but I don't think it's on the same level as, as, as the win, um, it's close, you know, in terms of just the costs and, and, you know, the kind of gaming options and restaurant. So anyhow, the first couple of years, yeah, it, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, the brand new spanking, beautiful jewel of the city. But then after that, I mean, you, know, you have three properties that, you know, and I don't go to the Encore a lot, but, you know, I've walked in there. And for the most part, when I'm in there, it's not like the Encore slammed. It's not like it's this real busy, bustling, you know, casino. Um but again, the guy—the guy's literally the most successful casino magnet that ever lived. Um, you know, he knows his stuff. So again, he's not just going to you know implode and, and start shooting off money unless he, he believes the numbers are there. Um, you know, so that—that's—that's that's really it. Who am I to criticize or question him or you or anyone? I mean, the guy—you know—everywhere he's gone, he's—he's he's, now the one thing he's done that you probably, you know, I know you don't like is you know he was the one that, that basically redid to the level it's at now, the Golden Nugget. Now, we know you're no fan of the Golden Nugget, Droff. Am I right? Uh, no. No, I'm not, a, I'm not a big Golden Nugget fan. I know Trader Ruski loves that. I'm, just, I'm not a big Golden Nugget fan. Yeah. So that's where his career started. <laughs> did you know that? I did not know that, no. Yeah. That, that was pre, yeah. Uh, pre-Mirage, right? Yep, that or was Belagio. pre-Mirage. That was where it all started, where he got some loans and bought the Golden Nugget hmm. and basically made it the crown jewel of downtown and... They haven't really done much with it since, you know, in terms of just it's kind of it looks aesthetically the same as it looked 20 something years ago. 
So I don't know. You know, the thing is, to be honest, I don't really go to these places. You know, I mean, I don't have needs to ever be in the win or the encore unless someone's visiting and I'm there. Like tomorrow I'm going to the to the Aria. And, you know, I don't other than the poker room inside the Aria. I, I would never be in there. It's just, you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah, or, yeah, same with me. I'm like, meeting somebody. Right, right. I, right. You know, I don't like go family or friends. Right. Like, locals don't hang out there. Yeah. You know, it's just. You know, the win, the most significant thing to me that with the win that I think about per, for personal experiences there was I used to have a box at the win in the poker room, and they finally figured out after years that I wasn't playing there and I just used it to store money. So they sent me a notice that they're closing my box and I need to come over and get whatever's inside of it. And it, it, gave, it didn't give me much time. And if I, if I didn't come and get it, then they were going to drill it open and store it and I'd have to trust that they weren't going to steal anything while they're doing it. Obviously, when you get that, you want to go down there and uh, not that I think they'd steal, but you know, it, it's much better to handle everything yourself. So I went down there and I had a lot of money in that box. I think I had, this is many years ago, but I think I had like $137,000 in that box in cash. And Jesus. So. That's a pretty penny, Druff. So, so I went, well, you know, I, I, it was before I spent the money on the gold lettering for the pool. So, right. so I went, I went and, yeah, to go get the money. And I, this was like really towards the end. Like I couldn't get down there until near the end of the deadline. So I had to do this in one shot. And I think, in fact, it wasn't even two shots. It was, I had to come down there, and then they were going to close it. I, I couldn't do it in two two. Seems trips. like you're always working on a deadline. It seems. Whether I don't think it's radio I, or I, I don't moving think, out of an apartment. I don't think seems it was like a you're deadline. Always right at the right at the buzzer. I mean, it was a deadline, but I, I think I could not have made two trips. I think they told me I had to like close the box in one trip. So I went there. I remember it was the, it was the middle of the summer, and I was like, "Crap! How am I going to get all this money out of here from there to my car without it being?" obvious that uh, I'm carrying that type of money because in the winter you can wear a heavy jacket. No one will suspect anything in the middle of the summer. You know, what am I doing walking through the 110 degree parking lot with a heavy jacket on? But I, I did it anyway. <laughs> I walked in there with the jacket. Yeah, I carried the jacket in there. Then I, ah. I, I got my, uh, I got my money out, my 137,000. I stuffed it in my, why, why didn't you just get a gym bag or something? Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you why in a second. That's a good question. Uh, I was very worried that, you know, since they knew I was coming down to get contents out of my box, that all it took was an employee to call up and say, hey, this guy just took a lot of money calling up with his buddies and show up and mug me. So I, I thought that uh, carrying a bag, all it requires is someone to come over and either snatch it from me, knock me down and snatch it from me. It's a lot harder. I mean, yes, if someone wants to come and point a gun at me and uh, and, and force me to hand over the money out of my jacket, then that'll work. But it's a lot easier to just not even use a gun, you just come over and you know, knock me down and grab the money and, and speed off in a car. So I didn't want to carry. I wanted it to be on my person where they t- to get the money out of me, they would have to actually like you know hold a gun to me and and, and or and, just shoot you in the face and then take all the money. That too. So so yeah. So then I so thought, you wanted to ensure your death. Yeah. So then if I, someone was going to rob you. So then I thought, well, you know, maybe I should uh, have security walk me out. But then I, I you know, again, I was worried. Like, what if there's some sort of setup where the, the security guard tells his friend, hey, you know, just you know, overpower me. I'll just pretend I didn't see it coming. So I'm like, you know what? They don't know how much I have in here. And and I was, uh, you know, for all they know, I could have $1,000 in there. They don't know what I have there. So, uh, it, you know, if they knew it was 130 like that's the thing. I, I figured that it's not like they're going to know I'm walking out with that type of money. So 
I did it, and I, I walked very briskly. Fortunately, the poker room and the parking lot are very close to each other. So I, I walked out, made sure... We're, we're talking everything's in hundreds, right? Yes. So I walked out... I mean, that, that can take up a not a huge amount of space. You could easily put that in a backpack or something, you know? Um... I think I didn't have a backpack at the, I, I, I for some reason I didn't think of a backpack. Dude, you're, you're going to pick up one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and you won't buy a ten dollar. It wasn't. I didn't buy. I, I for some reason I I just I came to the conclusion that the <laughs> I best, gave Draft a free Geico backpack. That was after there that. There you go. That, Use your Geico. No, no, no. no listen, Trader Risky. Trader Risky. I still use the Geico backpack at the World Series, but the the one you gave me. That's what I use. But uh, I didn't have that yet. I had not met you yet. So I. For whatever reason, I determined that the best way to do it is to walk out with a heavy jacket, and uh, so that's what I did. I walked. I, I made sure nobody's following me. I remember I went up the stairs rather than the elevator, so in case someone thought they're going to pull a trick, like be ready at the elevator to get me, I, was gonna, I went up the stairs, made sure no one was at the top of the stairs, and then went out and then just walked very briskly to my car, made sure no one was following me, got in the car, locked the door, immediately drove out of there, and then I knew I was fine. So I got, I got the money out of there, and that's that's my biggest memory of the win that's, that's yeah that's when uh it was during the poker boom you know when it was uh it was nothing to just go out and win a hundred something thousand dollars oh it's not you know not, not one day but you know you could you could run that up pretty quickly back in those days it wasn't a big deal so well, remember the one dude left a hundred something thousand a duffel bag or not a duffel bag like a little knapsack in the taxi cab oh yeah <laughs> Do you remember that yeah, and, I remember the, and the driver actually yes. uh found it and, and, in. yeah I forgot who who was it who was it who did that, that never came out never came out okay that's why it really? Really? well I thought it did I thought it was no nope. I thought no no it's funny with stories like that you Google it right now and I promise you like one of the top five at least ten searches it's going to be the poker fraud alert thread about that I don't know what it was there was something the other day I Googled and I couldn't believe like poker fraud alert was like number three oh I, I find that but all the time even, I find that yeah. all the time like where I Google things and the poker fraud alert is one of the top Google results now. It's a little-known fact that when Charlie Sheen first came out that he was HIV positive, people came to Poker Fraud Alert for that information. That was, that was the number one Google result for about a week. <laughs> it really was. I'm not exaggerating. Okay, so, so the, mm-hmm. other, the other Vegas story we have here is about the Hard Rock. The Hard Rock has been sold to the company known as Virgin. Richard Branson. Yeah, and is the same virgin that you guys are familiar with. And the weirdest part of this is that they're going to gear the property toward the uh, the high end, uh, like middle aged female traveler. That's that's the goal here, which seems a little bit specific to me. That's what they're going to gear it. Toward. Not going to work. Yeah, not going to work. That's what I would. Rough. Think. I, I got I got bad news for you. I'm sorry to interrupt, but. Poker Fraud Alert is no longer the number one result for Joe Seabock's cock when oh, you Google no. it. What, what is? Uh, a Pocket Fives article about <laughs> it. But if you if you switch to the image view, on the other hand, it is the second – well, it's not Poker Fraud Alert, but the, the second image is uh, Joe Seabock's actual cock <laughs> with never, NWP on his cock and the, the little donkey right on the head of his cock. That's lovely. Yeah. So never win poker is still right it, up there. It, it still lives in some way. Yeah, you search. If I swear, go Josie Box Cock. <laughs> switch to Google Images. Second one, NWP, right there, man. That's great. Right there. That's great. So All right, sorry about that. Uh, so the Hard Rock, as I said, they they sold to uh, 
to virgins. And uh, it's, it's, this was originally reported actually on VitalVegas.com. And apparently one of, Vital... One of the best sites to get all your up-to-the-minute Vegas information. Yeah, it, Vital it, Vegas? It is good. So Vital Vegas, they, they, they were very proud of themselves because they've been saying for months that this is happening. They've been saying for several months that they, the Hard Rock is going to be purchased by Richard Branson and Virgin Hotels, and indeed that has happened. I guess they wrote about it uh, almost uh, a year ago. But uh, so first, the Teamsters Union Local 986 met to discuss uh, what happens to the workforce if uh, the sale happens. That was a sign that a sale really is coming close. They had they hadn't made the uh, the details public, but uh, they 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 finally informed the staffers at the Hard Rock that it is that the sale was going through, and. So apparently it's, it has been sold to uh, Virgin Hotels. And uh, Virgin Hotels, by the way, their stated business plan is acquire distressed properties in North America cheaply. So that's what, that's what they consider the hard rock. Well, the hard, the hard rock has been distressed for a very long time. Yeah, it has. I mean, yes. honestly, it has. I know. It, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying that that's, what the, that's their goal and that's what they're doing here. And this is definitely one that is distressed. So uh, here's the, what they're claiming is that uh, – the new version of this, uh, whatever this hotel is going to be called, it's going to have a mini bar at sensible prices. Wait, time out. You're saying that that there's talk of changing the name? It's it's going to be a rebranding. So yes, I believe so. So it's not going to be a hard. So you're saying that he's just buying basically the, the casino itself, and he's not buying the brand. I did not know that. That's very very interesting. There was talk about a rebranding. Let me let me see if I can. Uh... Well, and it probably makes I mean, they sense. Rebranding, don't you think? Because then no, I'm not. I'm not saying that it isn't. Because that brand, even though it is you know worldwide, it's it's a very stale brand now. I mean, it just yeah. it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let's just be honest. But but still, that you know, it is. When you talk about name recognition, I mean, you know, it, it, it's still a big brand. It's a big enough brand that they just. You know, purchased the Taj Mahal in Atlantic City and think that they can make it. You know, make it a go. But uh, that whole rock theme, you know, that that was so popular fifteen, twenty years ago, it's just not there anymore. That market isn't there. And besides that, you have to, you know, face the reality that that neighborhood, which is right off Paradise and Flamingo, that the Hard Rock's been now for almost thirty years, is still a very depressed area. Um, there's hasn't been any revitalization in that area since I've lived out here. Um, it's not a walking distance to the strip. So unless you either are willing to Uber or taxi um, and there's nothing around it to walk to. So if you're staying there and that's just your destination for your vacation, you're going to have problems because, you know, why would you want to, what would be your incentive to stay there? You know, when you can stay somewhere else on the strip, you know, at a reasonable rate and you can walk and be a part of all that. Yeah, why would it, you just be maintained to just, you know, have to stay at the hard rock. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah. a good location unless you have a car to drive over to the strip. But right, but even if you did, unless you were just into that brand, I mean, listen, I've been there. Okay, in fact, that was the last job I had uh, eleven years ago. The last you know real job I had was working at the Hard Rock. Um, you know, the restaurants are okay, but not great. You know, the everything about it's kind of small. Like you know, like they don't have a massive spa. They don't have any you know real retail shopping. The way today's resort 
is kind of made. You know, you could technically stay at a property like the Aria or the Bellagio or the Wynn for three or four days and not leave the property much and have all your needs. You know, I think somewhere like that, after, you know, two days, you're going to get bored. It's just not, it doesn't encompass enough to just keep you. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just yes. not all inclusive enough no, that definitely, you can just this stay is, there right. and spend all your money there. This is definitely a place that you would stay because you go, oh, this is cheaper than on the strip, so I'll stay it, here. Not, not because right, oh, I want to go problem, there. Right. And again, but the problem with that kind of thinking is what are people that are thinking like that likely to do? Not gamble much. Right. Not spend much. Yes. If, if, you know, if you're really willing to stay somewhere off the strip because you're getting you know, a very low room rate, that also means you're probably not going to be spending a lot of, you know, your dollars in gambling yeah, that's and gambling no, and food has, and other things. It definitely has an issue there. And and so so let me tell you a bit, a bit about the Virgin Hotels because they have they don't have many of them, but uh, there's one in Chicago. There's one that's uh, either yeah. opening or has – no, it's opening soon in Los Angeles. It hasn't – they haven't done it yet. But uh, basically they're trying to remake certain – fails at hotels and stop them which i and i agree with some of them so so here's some uh here's some things that they claim are going to i mentioned the mini bar but i'll mention them all here so you're asked very specific questions about things that you like and then they try to incorporate them into your stay so for example they'll ask and they'll, they'll save the information the next time you stay there they'll try to do this to uh, match what you like. So you're asked like what your favorite snack is in the, for the mini bar, and then they'll try to stock it with that well, more of that snack than other stuff for your stay. The things like that. Then, as far as the mini bar's prices, uh, they claim that you're going to be paying for your snacks at quote regular price. It doesn't say what that is, but that they're not uh, gouging you like all hotels always do. And I, it's funny. I just had this discussion with my dad over New Year's in Vegas. Where, where he was saying, why don't they just charge, you know, a little bit expensive but not terrible prices, and they do much better business because there's so many people that just won't use it because the prices are so outrageous that they do much better if the prices were a little high but but fairly close to like what it would be charging at a convenience store. And I fully agree. I always said that too. So I guess they, they're uh, they're they're going to be using that model at the Virgin Hotels uh, that. This doors that they uh, they need doors within their hotel room that uh, women like uh, like privacy and they like having doors. I don't know what it means doors within. Maybe to, you know, to separate various parts of the room. But uh, you can choose your own check in and check out time from a mobile app. It must be within reason, of course, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they mean by that. Do they mean like if you check in later, you could check out later, or what, what does that even mean? Otherwise, these are all just little gimmicks that aren't going to amount to much, to be honest. Yeah. So the, far, what you've well, told no, me. But the, the mini bar that that would actually be nice, to be honest. I, as, but who's going to stay there for that? That's no, no, my it's not, point. It's not, it's not who's going to stay there for that. It's like once you're there, you're kind of happy to have it. Like because I, I've had it before where I think, oh, you know, I see this <coughs> mini bar item, I go, you know, I would have this Coke if it wasn't six dollars per per can. If it was a dollar, I'd do it. But I go, I'm not doing it for six. It's like I'll think that. I'll think just it's just the principle of the matter. I'm not going to drink. What's the, the max Coke. you would do for a Coke? For a can, uh, I probably two dollars, and usually not even that. Once it gets beyond that, it's, it's no. But really, I'd want a dollar or less. Uh, but then 
uh, room service anywhere in the hotel. So it's not just in your room. You can anywhere the hotel is, you can order room service. So they, these are not just planned for the Las Vegas property, the Hard Rock, but any of their hotels that they're opening. And I, I have to assume it's going to be the Virgin brand because, the, like the Chicago one is Virgin Hotel Chicago. Like they, they want this to be the Virgin Hotel brand. They want this to be something that people get to recognize as. You go to a Virgin Hotel and they have these certain standards. It wouldn't be the Hard Rock because then you don't know it's a Virgin Hotel. So I guess it's possible it could be like the Virgin Hard Rock Las Vegas, but I don't think that's what they're doing. Well, can I tell you a couple things real fast? Or you want to finish what you're about, about this or uh... about the yeah yeah about this yeah about go ahead yeah what yeah. we're discussing yeah okay two thousand eight I think maybe two thousand seven it started. There was literally an apartment complex that was behind or kind of, I guess, in a way connected to the Hard Rock. Like Meaning you could jump a fence from this apartment complex and you could be in the Hard Rock. Uh, The Hard Rock ended ended up buying the apartment complex. This apartment complex sat next to it since the Hard Rock was built. And they demolished it. And then that's where they added another parking garage and a brand new tower. They literally doubled, you know, not just added, they literally doubled their room space. So the biggest problem that they have is that they can't fill these rooms, okay? They can't fill these rooms. I read a, I read an article or a post on uh, the sister site, the Vegas Casino uh, Forums, and someone had mentioned how they went to Hard Rock like years ago and played briefly and that they've been getting mailers ever since. And that's actually true. I played there the last time was maybe four years ago. And although I don't get any uh, free play or anything, I still get all the time these $30 room rates, okay? And, you know, and, that's, and there's a resort fee, but still, you know, I get these, like, and sometimes they're even, like, nineteen ninety nine. They can't fill these rooms. I mean, it's embarrassing. They can't fill the rooms. The second problem that they have is if you've been to the Hard Rock and you've walked through the casino, what is something that stands out about the casino? Just the layout, the, the way just it's set up, anything – Specific. I forget. It's been, it's been it's been like eight years since I've been there. They don't have a lot of slot machines. Oh, okay. okay. And that's that's the bread and butter. They have yeah. far more seats, you know, for table games than they do for slot machines. It's a circular layout, so they don't really have your traditional just row after row after row of slot machine like most casinos do. And you know that's where your bread and butter is. That's how you know that's where the revenue is. These slot machines, and they don't have a lot. And I can't believe that that still hasn't changed. I mean, you'll see game after game of blackjack and, and carnival games, but, you know, there's a couple hundred slot machines in the whole property. It's not a lot. Um, that's after the expansion. It was less than that before. And then, obviously, what I mentioned before, the third issue just being the location. So you have all these factors, and this property has literally been in depression now for over a decade. I mean, it's it's... You know, it's quite remarkable that maybe it has been in bankruptcy. I think it has. I don't. I don't know, but uh, it's kind of remarkable that it hasn't gone into foreclosure or, or just you know anything else. Because like I said they can't fill the rooms unless it's something like you know CES or you know a, a big holiday, something like that, where you know everywhere in the city, you know, the Gold Coast is sold out. You know, their occupancy is probably hovering around like fifty, sixty percent, which is not good. It's not good at yeah, all. Yeah, it's not good at all. You're right. Uh, no. Here, here's some texts I got from uh, – so this is from the 314 regarding the check-in and check-out time. He's claiming that it means it starts – I'm sorry. Excuse me one second. I, I have to take a call real fast. I'm going to keep myself on. 
I just okay. I'm not back. Okay, wanted to let you know. No I apologize. Okay. So here's a text uh, saying uh, that the check-in, check-out thing that you can select your own time. He claims it's a 24-hour clock, which would be nice if if true. That whenever you check in, you have 24 hours to check out from then. But that's that seems kind of strange because you know if you check in at uh, 8 p.m., you really have eight till 8 p.m. the next day. That'd be very surprising. The only that, thing that's a great that's that's fair and it's I think that's a good system. I, that would be nice for the customer. The problem is that, that would yeah that, that could really cause trouble for getting rooms ready because with most people tending to check in in the evening. Then you don't have people ready to. You don't have rooms well, ready. But, no, I got it. But look, they could classify them as late checkout rooms, and that other people, those other people, would get the same courtesy too. Like if they really manage that, you know. I, I mean, I get that they're selling it the second day, but maybe they have like a late check-in day. You know, because they probably. I'm sure they have a certain amount each night that will check in after seven o'clock. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that I think there will be too many rooms like that 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 they won't ha- that they won't be they won't have clean for when most of the people want to come in and check in the evening. That's just, that's just what I. Or now there will be people who will leave early anyway. They don't need to stay till seven or eight o'clock. Yeah, but but uh, I'd be great for the customer. The only thing I've seen anything like this was Crown Plaza used to. I don't think they have it anymore. Years ago, they had a thing where chain wide you could check in as early as seven a.m. And this is one of the rare hotels where if you checked in at seven. You could stay as long as 28 hours because their checkout time is 11 a.m. But that would require the unusual thing of checking in super early in the morning, which is uncommon. Uh, it was good for commerce because in commerce, that, it's a crown plaza. So that I, I, that's how I knew about it, and I would use that sometimes where I would check into the commerce hotel after playing all night shortly after 7 a.m. and then have all the way until 11 a.m. the next day. So it was almost like a two-day hotel stay. Because I check in at seven, go, you know, sleep during the day, uh, go go down and play again, and then I can go back up there at night, and I wouldn't have to worry about it until eleven a.m. You know, the following day to check out, you know, all for one night's stay. Uh, they don't do that anymore, though. Uh, so here's some other texts we got. So what? So what do they do? Make you wait, even though they may have an empty room, until like eleven o'clock to check in or something? Well, that's what all hotels do. Most hotels, I mean, most hotels, sometimes they'll make exceptions for you, but the official policy is there's a check-in time usually of 3 or 4 p.m. And, and to, some hotels have an official early check-in charge that they'll hit you with if you want to check in early. And, oh, interesting. And a lot, a lot of, oh, yeah, and a lot of other ones just won't let you check in. Uh, sometimes you'll get a nice person who will violate the policy and say, <laughs> okay, we have the room, you can come in. But it's, uh, I, I've had it a number of times where they won't let me check in because it's too early or, or I'll have to, like, keep debating with them. They go, okay, fine, you know, you can do it. And this is, I'm not even talking like 9 a.m. I'm talking like, I'll come there at 12 p.m. and it's questionable whether they can let me check in at that point. Or, or, and some hotels, as I said, have started charging people for checking in before the official check-in time, including the Rio, by the way. Wow. So, though I think, I think that's waived for seven stars, but anyway, here, here is... The uh, is I, hold on. The guy just who texted that to me just sent me a FAQ from their website. It says there's, but it, it doesn't say that about twenty four hours. It just says that there's no fee for early check in, early checkout. But that doesn't say you get twenty four hours. Okay, so for the nine one six, the name Win West is lame. Can't he f- pick a different name and concept? I don't think he's looking to have like a separate hotel there like it's going to be separate technically but i think it's kind of just an extension of the other two properties so that's why he just calls it win west the 
From the 512, can the PFA attorney referring to Eric Benzamokin help recover money from a hooker asking for a friend? Well, this 512 person I don't believe even lives in California, so I I don't think this uh, Eric Benzamokin can help with that. But I don't know. You can email him and ask money from a hooker. Uh, I, I want to know how you lost the money to the hooker. Did they? Did the hooker just not perform what she promised when she came over, or did she steal from you? I, I want to know more of the story. From the five hundred five, can you imagine the mess the, that Win West could be if they have a Harmon Tower fuck up? Why so close or at all? What's he referring to here? A Harmon Tower fuck up. It seems like it should mean something to me, but it doesn't. I apologize if I should get it. I mean, Harm. I mean, Harmon kind of runs right into. Oh no, it runs parallel with the strip. Never mind. So is oh is that where the tower is in the wind? You know, no, it does run into the strip. It's just, uh, but that doesn't go to the wind. That's that's by City Center. I'm not sure. Yeah, what... right. Maybe there was a problem there, but you know, I do think because I mean, depending on what he's going to build at that frontier lot he could do something similar to you know a city center type thing you know just with other stores and things like that and try to pull people kind of venetian up because i mean i think with city center they're trying to pull people like bellagio down right yeah so i mean it could be interesting especially with downtown starting to pick up I think just kind of that whole mid, there's probably an opportunity with Phoenician right there and everything else. All right. Now, we have a we have two topics that I meant to put on the agenda and did not, and I'm going to cover anyway. So this is a, a legal topic. It's about, again, about that Kansas City poker game that we talked about last week that got busted. But this, this is a pretty interesting angle to it that just came out. This underground Kansas City poker game that was busted. Now two Wichita police officers, one current and one former, face charges in that case for obstruction of justice. And the reason that police officers are being charged with obstruction was that they were actually allegedly tipping off the operator of this game the one who was operating the game was as uh, Brock Wedman of St. Mary's, Kansas. That uh, he, Wedman was suspecting that there was an undercover police officer present in this game. So, uh, so what happened was uh, he he went out to the driveway and noticed a suspicious car's license plate. Uh, a suspicious car, and he he took down the license plate number and the VIN number, and then went to these two cops who were uh, Bruce Mackey and Michael Zajkowski and said, hey, can you look up what the story is with this vehicle? So the two cops allegedly sent some texts, made some phone calls, and used police resources to find out who owned the car, which was owned by the city of Wichita. So they were very concerned. Uh-oh. If the city of Wichita, if you know, someone's driving one of those cars and is playing this game, and we don't know of anybody here who works for the city, we, uh, we think there's someone in this game who's trying to bust us. So very quickly, 
they relocated the game and figured out who was likely the undercover officer by, you know, they saw he was the one who drove the car and they relocated the game and didn't invite that guy again, which made it a lot harder to continue to investigate. So they have since figured out that uh, those two cops uh, were involved in that. And also there was another charge against a retired Kansas State trooper named Michael Fredrickson, who's 52 years old. And uh, he was charged with making false statements to the FBI. And uh, he was apparently one of the poker players at the game in February 2014, where that uh, undercover cop was. And uh, I guess uh, he, he made some kind of false statements during the uh, you know, when the FBI interviewed him, that was downplaying his involvement in the game and his relationship with the operator of that poker game. So it's interesting that they actually had cops that were on the take there that were giving him info about an undercover investigation. We said, "Hey, there's a car I, I suspect is is." Uh, Belonging to somebody who's undercover here Can you see who owns it? Yep, it was the city of Wichita And they quickly disinvited that person And moved the game elsewhere So that's uh, So there's now charges based upon that As well as charges against the operator of this game And others as we discussed last week Another crime topic That also was not on the agenda But I figure might as well cover Because I Meant to put it on and forgot This is a story out of Macau That a dealer was arrested For stealing 48 million dollars 48 million Hong Kong dollars That is, worth of gaming chips This is from the High Limit Room Now in case you're wondering What is 48 Hong Kong 48 million Hong Kong dollars worth Well surprisingly uh, it's, it's worth more than I expected. One hundred billion dollars. Now it's it's actually worth six million dollars, six point one million dollars U.S. And uh, this, there was a forty-nine-year-old dealer in the VIP room at the Win Macau, and the Win does very well there. That's where Win makes a lot of their money. Is in Macau. Caesars was foolish enough not to get in on that game. The, Caesars doesn't have a property there. Win has it. Venetian has it. Uh, Caesars does not. So at the Wynn Macau in the VIP room, a 49-year-old dealer uh, allegedly told a co-worker to kind of look the other way. And while he was working, just grabbed a ton of high-value chips from the high-limit room, ran out with them, jumped on a motorcycle, and then drove away. I guess it's rode away. Then he abandoned the motorcycle... Took off his employee uniform, making him harder to find. And uh, they were able to find both this guy and the accomplice he had there, who looked the other way when this was happening. So they apprehended both of them. However, they barely found any of the chips. This employee did admit to the crime. And he said it's because he had gambling debt. And this is the way to pay it off. But he would not tell police where he hid the rest of the chips. They also 
arrested the uncle of this employee for some reason, saying that he was involved in some way. The chips have, uh, you know, they're all high de- denomination chips, obviously, to be that large, but they don't have anything that makes them unique. So if he can find someone to cash them in, especially someone who's a high roller who would be thought to have those chips. Like, if I showed up there with high denomination chips, never having been to the Macau, and just said, hey, I want to cash these in, then they'd ask me, okay, where did you get these? When did you play here? And they may not cash them for me. So they it's not as easy to cash those type of chips as you might think, but it's not impossible. So he, he's still holding out hope, I guess, that at some point they can do this. Sometimes they will change out chips and give everybody uh, you know, 30, 60 days, whatever it is, to get down there and cash in whatever chips they're holding in order to stop things like this, which decreases the amount of time that a criminal can use. Especially you know, if you think about it, if, if they use the same chips and then five years later when people forget about this, if he kind of sneaks them through, that's also what they try to prevent. So they'll, they'll change chips out every so often, especially after something like this. So... They got the guy, but they they still don't know where most of those chips are. So before we go to our next topic, let's take a call here. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? Bowen! Hey, where where did Brandon go? He's giving me the cold shoulder. No, he's giving everybody the cold shoulder. Brandon had to take a phone call. And he is on the phone call now, and he will return, presumably. I know, but I was messaging him before the phone call, and he was just just ignoring me. Like I, you know, I don't know. I, I can't speak for him. Anyways, I watched the uh, Scaler episode, and uh, Judy just just owned the, the master. It was it was disgusting. It was. She she was very unfair to him. Like the master was so intimidated, the guy needs glasses. Like, balling. I mean, get <laughs> him some glasses, Todd. Oh, there's all. Oh, hi, Brandon. Thanks for giving me the cold shoulder earlier. No, I was on the other. I had to take a call. I announced on radio. I was on. Red alert. Well, you know, mm. I'll tell you. You know, you ask a good question, Team MLG. It is true. You could tell by watching Ken Scaler that he was having trouble seeing, and he's nearsighted. So why doesn't he wear glasses? Ken Ken has a few ideas about things to where he doesn't want to make certain changes. And this is part of partly because he has Asperger's, but he he does not want to wear glasses, and you're, you're going to think this is ridiculous, but he does not want to wear glasses because he thinks that wearing glasses would make him look like a nerd, and he doesn't want to look like a nerd. That's not fair. It's probably from watching those movies like Revenge of the Nerds in the 80s. So he doesn't even notice that, like, the whole thing with nerds has kind of changed over the years, where in some way it's cool to be a nerd now, which is actually kind of annoying. Well, uh, Druff, I mean, in fairness, of all of his attributes, I'm sure what women are going to be most concerned about is the fact that he wears eyeglasses. Yeah. <laughs> and why did that judge Judith hate him so much? Seemed like she had an agenda the whole time against him. It wasn't an agenda. She just yeah. made her decision before it started. Well, yeah, and where, where was, I don't where care was... about it. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to say, where was the yarmulke and the Star of David? I thought that might have got, mm. got him on the side a little bit. That's true. Yeah. And the other guy's not Jewish, so that could have that could have well, exactly yeah. this glam over here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it, it, this goyim over here is going after our people again. Now you met that you met that other guy that the, the yes. brain damage yes, one. Yes, he's crazy. As he really is, I mean, he came off as very aloof and just uh, like literally like brain damaged. Almost. He, he I mean, is, he slow. is, and, and you, he is. You can't reason with him. He gets these ideas in his head, and you cannot logically reason with him. But why did the master agree to give all his stuff back to the guy? Judy was um, leaning towards not giving him anything back, and then the master is openly saying, "Oh, I'll no, take no, that's not true. No the, problem." No, uh, the, the, the Judy I'm was sure it's it's true. A, I'm sure it's not a collection of Rolex watches. No, and, no, well, it's, it's probably like no. The master had no objection to giving back the stuff. No, no, it, no, no, the, the master, the master. First of all, you have to. You, by law, you have to give the roommate back his stuff. And, and second, Judy was. Right away saying that Ken has to do it, but then Ken said that his lawyer told him not to let the guy back in, which is true. That you can't just let – otherwise the guy can claim to be a tenant again. So so then she said, well, you know, come down with law enforcement. So he said, OK. Now, that's not what the guy did. The, guy, the stuff's actually st- still not all out. Believe it or not, there's still some stuff there. But the guy well, – yeah, yeah, he had five days. Yeah, the guy came out and got, he got some of his stuff and uh, – uh, then can't get the rest of it. He's got a storage space, so they're, they're, they're going to get rid of it shortly. So the the next topic, there is a very large Bad Beat jackpot. I believe the biggest one ever, at least in uh, yeah, the, the, at least in the United States. This is a land based jackpot, Bad Beat jackpot, not an online one. We talked about an online one recently, but this one is it was very large. The now this is not what the winner or the loser of the jackpot, but uh, the total jackpot was over one million dollars. It was a one million sixty-eight thousand five hundred ninety dollar jackpot at the Motor City Casino in Detroit, Michigan. And the rule over there is that it's four of a kind, beaten or better. Where both players have to have pocket pairs, so it can't even be both whole cards play. So it can't be like you have an eight and an ace, and there's three eights on the board. Okay, that won't work. It has to be quads that uh, both players have a pocket pair, and uh, so quads are better beaten where the both players have a pocket pair. Actually, I don't even know if it's a, if a straight flush beats a quads if that would qualify. It says that both players have to have pocket pairs for their whole cards, and it has to be the loser that has, has to have four of a kind. So I don't know if that's an accurate representation. It's got to be your better. It's got to be your better. you're telling me one guy's a royal flush, the other one has quad queens, there's going to be a riot if they don't get the jackpot. Yeah. You know, you well, know that would make it higher, though. Harder to get. But, actually, yeah. actually, no, no. I, I'm reading further, and it actually says that it has to be quads over quads, which is probably the reason it got so high. Yeah. Quads oh, over quads with geez. pocket pairs. So that's okay, so that's probably why it took so that. That's kind of crappy, though. Like as Trader Ruski said, like a, a royal flush beats quads, and that doesn't qualify. A real, or or a straight flush beats another straight flush with both whole cards playing. It doesn't qualify. That's that's really annoying. So yeah. Anyway, the table where it won was six handed, so that gave everybody a higher table share. The way it worked was a forty percent goes to the loser of the hand. Twenty percent is awarded to the winner, and the remaining forty percent is split among the other players. So in this case, the other four players got ten percent, which is half of what the winner of the hand got, and a quarter of what the loser of the hand. That's pretty good for the table share. So it, it, the players who won, uh, let's see the names here. Uh, they, so they didn't say their full names, but the one who 
ended up uh, losing the hand and getting the $427,000 payout. His first name was Scott. He had quad threes. Uh, Kenneth, unfortunately not Kenneth Scaler, but Kenneth uh, had quad queens. And he was the winner of the hand, so he got 213712 The other four players were doing nothing but uh, being dealt into the hand and uh, breathing got $106,856. The So, Jeff, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. If you were a part of that bad beat, and say, for example, you were the seventh player and you went on a smoke break and the bad beat happened, would you say to them, I want a percentage, or how would you handle no, that? No, nothing you can do. I, I, I would probably quit smoking after that, but that would be, that would be about it. Because that wouldn't have happened if you didn't go on a smoke break, right? So you can make that argument. That's what I'm saying. So you'd say, okay, I'm never going to smoke again. If I hadn't smoked, I would have. But the truth is you wouldn't have because the whole hand no, was different. No, no, he's saying the cards wouldn't have been dealt the same. Yeah, so you could yeah so because you left, the bad thing oh, happened. Okay, okay, well, no, but they, they could have said the reverse. They could have said that if I was there and it hit, that, that you know it only hit because I was there. No, no, that's... Uh, Jeff, I got a, a guy I know that played poker with a while ago. He was kind of a whiny, annoying guy. But uh, he was at one of the casinos kind of around here, and uh, he ended up going to the bathroom. And <laughs> there was a bad beat hit when he was in there taking a piss, <laughs> which <laughs> we heard the story. And I just started laughing my ass off because I was like, you know, couldn't happen to a better guy. <laughs> now, you want to hear a, a weird, a, a weird uh, thing that's being said about this bad beat jackpot? It turned out – here's the guy's full name is Kenneth Talent, the T-L-L – T-A-L-L-E-N-T. It's talent with two L's. And he's from Battle Creek, Michigan. So this is what he claims. This is what Kenneth said. He said he was driving to the Detroit Motor City Casino that night before winning it. And he saw a weird green light come down from the sky. He was on I-94 going toward Detroit when he saw that. He at first thought it was some kind of bomb. It turned out that it was a large meteor in the sky. that was. It broke apart about 32 kilometers over Earth, according to NASA. And most of the fragments landed outside of Detroit. So people in Wisconsin, Ohio, Illinois, Canada, and Michigan the most saw the flash in the sky from this meteor. So he thought that the meteor was a sign that something good was going to happen to him that night. Even though everybody in, in, the, in Detroit saw it. Somehow, just for him. It's, it's his meteor. Is that, Brennan, are you still there? And, and he he said, you know, when when uh, no. when they went nuts with with their when they were going all in with everything with their hands, he said, uh, you know, talking about the the winner of the hand, the loser of the hand, Scott, who got uh, now this this Kenneth, he he got the second most amount. Scott got the most, but he looked at uh, he said, I looked at Scott and said, Do you got it? He looked at me, and said, Do you got it? And we both rolled our hands over and we went crazy. We started jumping up and down and dancing. The whole room gravitated to our table. The, the funny thing is here. Uh, had this conversation occurred uh, over at the station casino, and, and they said things like that, do you got, do you got it, do you got it, uh, they wouldn't have been paid anything. <laughs> so that's uh, – but yeah, they, they got it, and uh, they said the whole room gravitated toward our table. Yeah, I wonder why, so everybody can ask them for loans after that. Now, there's some talk about tipping. How do you guys feel about tipping dealers – after a bad beat jackpot, and what's appropriate? A massive one like this. 
you know, let's say let's say you were the one winning four hundred twenty-seven thousand. What do you tip the dealer, if anything? Well, you would have to snap them off something. I mean, they did the cut and everything, right? But but what is the right amount? Is the question? I mean, four hundred twenty-seven thousand. I'd probably give them thousand bucks. See, if you did that, then everybody would be bashing you on social media right now. I saw, I saw on, on yeah. Facebook, people were being uh, – there was discussion on there about some cheap people. Because remember, everybody got a minimum of 106000 at the table of the six players. The, well, the, hold the line here now. How are you having this discussion and you're not even bringing up the most infamous of them all? What's that? Now I have to ask, what the hell is going on out here? So, okay, what did I, what did I not bring up? Well, the Teddy one that happened Man, that Teddy the Iceman yeah. Monroe hit the bad beat for eighty-seven thousand at Red Rock and didn't leave them a red cent. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I somehow I didn't know that. Yes, you did. That was all over the internet. Oh, I, yes, guess, I guess did. I forgot it. I guess it was on Poker Fire. I mean, this was like three years ago. Oh, somehow it is. But, somehow I don't remember that. But okay, I must. I yeah, probably he won it. He of all people, and he, and he was on the the losing end of it. I mean, he got you know he got yeah. the higher amount. And he did not give them a penny. That's why it was all over oh, so, the internet. So, he stiffed them. No, so that, that makes more sense. But but the problem is like there, like something like a thousand it just gets totally bashed on the internet. It, it, people were saying when you hit that, you need to leave at least twenty thousand. I'm thinking that's insane to leave twenty thousand when you've hit you get four hundred twenty seven just to the dealer. I mean, I understand that it's not a yeah. big percentage. I mean, but maybe it, two, then you get an even four twenty five. But I don't know. If you can no, but everybody gets ten thousand. I, I'd have you a hard would, time. You I, would, Brandon. If Teddy? I hit for half, almost half a million, fuck yeah. Over on there on draft five hundred. What's ten thousand? Are you kidding? Yeah, me? I guess you're. I guess you're right. It's still What's ten thousand dollars. It just feels weird to tip the dealer ten thousand. That's the problem. It just feels weird. No, draft. How much would you give? I'm I don't know. Under five. I'm giving number. under five. I'm going under five hundred. No, and I wouldn't give five hundred. See, I would, <laughs> no, I know right away that five hundred is like an insult at that point. But but uh, the ten thousand, it just seems like so excessive to me. But then there's people saying that ten thousand isn't good enough. You have to do twenty thousand. <laughs> so so then, Brandon, would you give like the ten thousand personality to that dealer? Yeah, no, because well, they, maybe they keep give their own. No, I know, but I'm saying, would you give her the dealer, you know, or spread it around? Okay, listen, it's a smaller poker if, room. If it's a, if it's, if it's a nice dealer, that's personable, that's doing a good job, that hasn't been rude, that's, that's not, you know, my biggest pet peeve when I'm playing is that the dealer is sitting there talking to other people, like having their own private conversations, and it's slowing up the game. I hate that. It makes me so upset, um, you know. But if it's a good dealer, dealing fast and just keeping the game moving, and whether it's a male or female. Four hundred twenty-seven thousand, easily ten thousand. Okay, well, you know, you're going to okay, make their, so, you're going to make their day. You're going to make their year. It's just a good, it's a mix. Yeah, no, it's no, a good no, thing to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But now, what about you? Have a dealer. She's been blabbing all night, talking to people, slowing the game down. Did I? I mean, if it's a bad dealer, not just someone who's having a bad night, but someone that yeah, that's doing the things you describe. Maybe like three three thousand. Well, here's here's another question. I'm not, I'm not tipping. What? I'm never tipping a thousand off four hundred twenty five. Well, well here, here's that's a question. Yeah, I guess. Here, here, here's a question. Hang, hang on a second. What what if it's a dealer who has been personally rude to you? Uh, would would you tip anything? Well, when you okay, define personally rude. Well, okay, I I, I doesn't happen. Like, often. Give me an example. Okay, I, example. I will. I, give does, me a scenario that happened to you because I know dealers have been rude to you before. Not that often. It, it doesn't happen often because I'm not a troublemaker at the table. There's people who who curse the dealer and throw cards and all that. You know, the type of typical like uh, the angry commerce player. I'm not like that. I don't ever blame the dealer what when I'm losing. Eating? 
I don't know. Let me, huh? You're too busy eating all your food <laughs> on the side. Your four plates are going off. You have no time to be rude. Oh, that's real cute, Tim. Okay. Uh, so now you see why he gives you the cold shoulder, Tim. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Brandon gave me the cold shoulder. Anyways, I talked to Brandon after okay, the same. I never gave you the cold shoulder. I was on a conference call on hiatus. Okay, so so oh, okay. This is, what, this is what's happened ahead, before. Josh. Like what tilts me about dealers is, of course, not from getting dealt bad cards or taking bad beats. I don't, you know, that's not the dealer doesn't have control over that. As long as they're doing a good job, then then as far as I'm concerned, they're a good dealer. I, I don't concentrate on whether I win or lose as far as the skill of the dealer. Uh, what bo- now it does bother me when they slow down the game, like Brandon said. But the thing that bothers me more is when they're just kind of not paying attention, and they're just uh, like, for example, when they you know the flop gets dealt, someone bets, and before I can act, they start to deal the turn. Well, the problem is I've got to stop them at that point, and then I'm worried in in my stopping them that it, that that it can give away the strength of my hand. And then if I raise the flop, that really means I want to raise the flop. You know, like it, I, I don't like when, uh, or, or no, it's it's worse. Than this if 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 the if the if the person who bets, and then it comes to me and I raise, and the dealer thinks I just called, and the dealer deals the turn, then I have to say no, 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 no. Look, this is a raise. And then the problem is at this point I'm indicating my hand is strong, and and I, I don't want them to get away with just this. so. That, that's so I hate having to do that, and it actually affects the hand. It also pisses me off. One time at Commerce, I, I got cost a $2,600 pot because the dealer didn't uh, deal it outright. They didn't burn and turn right. And and then they were instructed to uh, – what was it? I forgot this details, but whatever it was, the card I actually should have gotten. It's not like they, they dealt a card that uh, I shouldn't have gotten. It was a card I should have gotten, but they made some other mistake, and they had to back the whole thing out, and it changed the card, and I ended up missing a flush on the river. It was a $2,600 pot. I was furious. So – Things like that, just when they're not paying attention, especially... Well, let me say this. There's not a scenario that I would ever win 427000 and completely stiff anybody. Oh, well, because well, if, if it, literally if I had to be at a table where somebody had treated me so poorly that I was going to stiff them off almost half a million, I wouldn't be sitting at that table to begin with. Well, what do you mean? If you're in I mean, a good game, what, what, what if you're in, the good, what if you're in a good game? You're going to leave because the dealer's not good? Well, you know what? I mean, probably not, I guess, but... But those – okay, all this is so hypothetical because I don't play – you know, there's no games that I play that have bad beats in it anyhow. You know, except for like occasionally if I am at the Orleans with like Genie or somebody or at Red Rock and I don't have enough of a sample size there to even have relationships with dealers, like to dislike someone or, you know, like somebody. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean – Either way, I mean, there's no scenario in which I'm going to win that kind of money and, and stiff stiff well, somebody. Well, okay, Unless- there, there would be there would be with me if if the, so. Continue what would happen with me when that when that sort of thing has happened. Then I'll say something. I'll never give a dealer a hard time for even just making an, an honest mistake. I'll I won't even I know that'll happen once in a while, so I don't want to give them a hard time. But when it's really because they, I can tell they're not paying attention, they're looking up at the TV. They're, they're, they're you know they're just totally out to lunch and just not paying attention to their job and it and it. Uh, Affects the hand. Then I say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! You, know, you got to watch what you're doing. This is a high limit game." Like I'll say things like that to them. And if I get like a talk back where they start arguing with me, uh, that's when I start to get pissed off. Instead of saying I'm sorry or whatever, it, when they start to argue with me, then then I start to get pissed. This doesn't happen often. Don't if you're picturing this happens every time I play. This hasn't happened in years. There's very few yeah, times. Yeah, you know this- what you should do to eliminate those scenarios is if it ever gets 
to that extent where they're arguing with you. You just stop talking with them and you call the floor. But that's what I've done. But, you, but I'm you saying just, that, you don't go back and forth. Right. No, that's, that's what I've done. And but uh, but the point is that uh, when I have someone like that, then I'm not going to tip them at all. And if if I happen to hit a bad beat jackpot, which I don't play those games either, so I wouldn't do it. But like I wouldn't hit the jackpot. But if I was in one of those games and hit a jackpot, then Tough luck on them. I happen to be the one who won. Too bad. And uh, I'm never going to tip someone who didn't treat me well. At, and when I say treat me well, they don't have to. So what me. are you tipping off? I'm sorry. What are you tipping off? Four hundred twenty-seven thousand. I don't know. To, an, to I, a good, to a good. Listen, to a good dealer, somebody that hasn't done anything that you haven't even noticed her dealing because she's been doing a fine job. I, I would have, have to no think history about it. with her. I would have to sit there and think about it. I, I honestly, right now, I don't know what I would do. Because I would, I would know that there's a certain expectation to where like two thousand would be considered unacceptable, uh, but then I'd have a hard time leaving ten thousand. But maybe, maybe I would anyway. Like I'd have to sit there and think about it. I may even call some people and ask, "What would you do?" Uh, so, like, I'll, I'll tell you an example of, of me calling someone of not knowing what to tip. Uh, when I hit the third place in my very first World Series event in two thousand five, and I won one hundred sixteen thousand, this is in the limit hold in fifteen hundred. That was my first. World Series event ever, and I, you know, as I was get going there, the paperwork was processing for my money. I was asked by one of the employees, "Would you like to leave leave a tip for the dealers?" And I, I, I didn't know, so I said, "Can I do this later? Can I decide what I'm going to do and leave the tip later?" They said, "Yes." I said, "Okay, I'm going to decide, and and, and, um, you know, I, I may leave something later." She says, "Okay," so I wasn't doing this as an excuse to stiff the dealers. I didn't know what the right thing to do was. So I called up someone who was more experienced in these World Series tournaments at this point than I was. This is my first one. And I said, what should I leave? And the person said back, nothing, you already tipped. And I said, what do you mean? They said, you know, 3% is taken out of the prize pool for the dealers here. So everybody's tipped 3% before the event begins. So uh, I, I would advise leaving nothing. If, if your standard is to leave 3% when this isn't done, you should leave nothing because it's already been done here. So I said, okay, that makes sense. So I, I, I didn't go back and leave anything. However, had they said nothing was taken out and, and, and the standard's 3%, then I would have walked back there and left 3% of, of 116000 So So you paid $300 instead of 3000 What? Well, 3% of 10000 right? No, no, no. It was fifteen hundred. No, I, I personally tipped oh, for a little bit. No, but every so forty five, forty five dollars. No, but 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 everybody did. Right. The, but everybody already did. The thing was, everybody cumulatively tipped together, and that's uh, so. So the thing is, I'm not looking to stiff anyone on tips. I want to leave the standard. But uh, so so in this type of case, because I'm also not familiar with bad beat jackpots and what's typically done, especially in large ones, I probably would try to call someone and ask for advice or, or see if they can direct me to someone who would give me advice. And probably I, I would do that. I probably would not like leave less than the standard unless I thought this like if they told me the standard is 20k I wouldn't do it I just say I don't care if that's the standard and I'm not doing it but uh, if they if they said the standard was 10k in that situation I'd probably go well, that seems like a lot but okay fine like it would probably be what I would do uh, I definitely wouldn't ice man it leave zero unless the person was rude to me and, and in which case they get nothing I've had this before at, at restaurants where the server is actually rude is actually they'll argue with me or be rude or be, be nasty, and I leave zero tip. Then I leave zero tip and complain to the manager. So I, 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 I I'm not one of these people who says, well, they should always get at least a ten percent tip, even if they're very rude. They should always get fifteen percent. No, if they if they're very rude to me, they get nothing. They they shouldn't get anything if they're very rude. Here I have a we have a call coming in from. Uh, what happens? It's on the top. Like they charge eighteen percent on the top. Do you ask for it back or? Oh, That's only if you have parties. 
that are usually eight or more in the yeah, United States. You know what? I, I found out that in Nevada, you can actually ask for that 18, 18% back, whereas in other Jeez. places you can't. I found that out when I when I when we had terrible service at uh, uh, at Fix in the in – the, what was it? Isn't it, uh, isn't it Bellagio, right? Uh, we had terrible service in a large group. I think really horrendous service, and then they got rude about it when we complained. Anyway, we were forced to tip eighteen percent, and I was furious. And I complained afterwards, and the guys like the manager's like, "Oh, you could have removed that if you wanted." But I was so obsessed with with them not getting more than eighteen percent that when I collected money from the group, I told the group, "We're gonna you know make sure nobody overpays here because I want to collect. I want to pay this eighteen percent to the penny. I don't want them getting a penny more the way these." And everybody agreed that the service was horrendous. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Caller, hello. You're there. I hear from them. All right. They lost their chance. They lost their chance. They're gone. Nope, I'm up. They are gone. Brandon, so what's going on? Are we going to the Super Bowl, buddy, or what's going on? (laughs) That's a random question. Brandon, is he snapping me off? I don't know. We got this call from the 609, and they kind of vanished. Brandon, are we going to the Super Bowl? I mean, I lit up that thread. That that thread I made has got like know, 10,000 views. It's just nuts. Like listen, oh, in two days. Listen, I'm, I'll, I'll make you a deal, and I'll say this on the radio with my good name attached to it. If you get a Super Bowl ticket, if you really can produce one, okay, and I know you're going to be there, then I will meet you in the Super Bowl. Wow. I'll get a ticket to you and come. Wow. I'm not buying your ticket. I mean, I'll buy, you know, I'll, I'll listen. I'll get. I'll. I'll buy you a nice meal. You know, we'll have a blast I'm go together. I want to go see money. See money as well. See money isn't going to the Super Bowl this he year. He just he posted he was. He has a thirteen thousand dollars seat. He's he's actually selling it. He's not going to be going. <laughs> he's not going to be going. Oh, Unless something changes with his work stuff, he's going to be traveling. I don't think he's going to be able to make it. He told me he was going to sell it on uh, Flash Seats or StubHub or something. So. So here's, here's well, I want to sit in. I want to sit. Drop. Do you want to go too? Or no? No. Or, no. 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 Here's here, a new, new topic here. I want. Can I say one more thing about the, the tipping? Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to tip. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm probably never going to tip. Or I'm never going to tip at the World Series. I mean, I'm easily down. I have no reservations about it. I'm not trying to con anybody. I mean, I'm easily down. I don't know a couple hundred thousand dollars in. in Tournaments at the World Series probably over over my life. Um, so the way I look at it, I've pre-tipped already like tons of money that I, I for nothing. I mean, you know, for for the service already. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like I've already tipped, right? Well, the, and I'm down. Uh, I'm down a lot of money lifetime at the World Series. My, I'm not my, up by any stretch of the means. My attitude about it is, it doesn't matter whether you're up or down. If they if they're getting a fixed tip. Then that's then they can perform very badly. I'm not saying but you don't think do. it matters that maybe I've already given them however many thousands of dollars and I've never had a significant cash. I mean, it can if you want to look at it that way. But the the way I look at it is that it's if they are getting a tip from everybody, including every loser, which is most people, ninety uh, percent of the people or eighty five percent of the people, and they're t- they're also tipping, which they are. If you're tipping for losing, which you know eighty five percent of the people are, then they're getting a fixed tip whether they perform well or poorly and some of them do perform poor- poorly there at the world series uh the dealers so 
if they get that. Yeah, but that's just because of the sheer size. Like, you can't avoid that. It's very hard. It would be very hard to. No, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm just saying that, that if that's what they're getting, then they've already been tipped, and that's it. If they're not getting a, a, a tip that's forced for everybody, then I will leave a tip. So, and I, so I've, I've left tips before after winning tournaments when they the dealers have not been given any tip out of the prize pool. So I, I will not stiff them, but I'm also not going to double tip because otherwise it's unfair to the ones here, – here's an example. Let's say you typically will tip 3% on any tournament cash, okay? So you're at, first you're at Casino A where they don't take anything out of the prize pool and the dealers get no tip unless the winners tip them, and you leave 3%, okay? Then you're at Casino B where they take out 3% first from every player, and then they ask you, do you want to tip that dealer? Well, if you tip, if you tip the dealers in addition to that 3% at Casino B – then you're screwing the ones at Casino A who got tipped less just because they don't originally take that out. So, so it, sh- it should be uniform. If you tip 3%, then you should always th- tip 3%, whether it's taken out before or whether it's after you win. And, and that's, that's the way I look at it, is that uh, it doesn't matter if it's coming before or after. It's the same money either way. And if it's already been taken out, then you, there's nothing further to do. If it has not been taken out, then you need to tip. Uh, similarly, that's why when there's an 18% taken out at a restaurant – if if I was going to leave eighteen percent anyway, then I leave zero more because they've already got an eighteen percent tip guaranteed. Whereas if there's zero taking out beforehand, which is usually the case if the party's not big, then I leave the tip. So that that's how I do it. Otherwise, because I'll see people. It's funny because I'll see people who the eighteen percent's taken out and then they leave like another ten percent on top of it. And I say, why? Oh, I just feel funny not leaving anything. I go, but you're already leaving eighteen percent. Yeah, but that's already four, so I'm leave another ten. But then when they go out at a restaurant that doesn't do that, when they're at, they have a party of three, and there's no mandatory tip taken out, then they don't leave twenty eight percent. Then then they'll leave twenty or twenty two or twenty five. And I go, why are you leaving higher in this case? Just because it was taken out in the first place? Like people don't think of it that way, but it's, it's the truth. So it's just being unfair to the ones that that are on a different system. And and I don't do that. So that's the, but the way you're looking at it is fine too. Where where you feel you've already because of all the losing tournaments you've played, you've already tipped a lot. So when when you win, you don't feel obligated to tip extra, and that's totally a fine way to think of it too. So anyway, uh, new topic here. This this is really weird. I don't know if this could work, but a lot of people who listen to this show have a gambling addiction. Team MLG, do you think of it, you think you have a gambling addiction like to the NFL? Uh, I don't. What do you mean? I don't have a gambling addiction to the I, NFL. I, I just think there's a number of people. I mean, you always say you're betting on them. I don't know if you really do, but the, a lot of people who listen to this show likely have some form of a gambling addiction. In fact, even winning betters, even people who gamble for a living and win, can have a gambling addiction. Where even because even though they win, they still have the addiction to kind of the action. They're just fortunate enough to be good at what they're doing and disciplined enough to win. But they all, if, if forced to stop, uh, they would feel like there's something missing. So there's a lot of people who have some form of a gambling addiction who listen to this show. Even if you think you don't, there's a good chance you do if you gamble regularly. That if you quit, that you would feel kind of like funny, like you want to go out and gamble. Well, maybe Brandon can get that spray for that girl he has uh, pictures of. Maybe a little gift for her. Who? That girl that has a gambling problem to the slots. Oh, okay. Brandon, hook her up with that. Okay, so so yeah, so there's a nasal spray that is being researched in Finland as a possible solution to gambling addiction, as, as strange as that sounds. 
So Finnish researchers are testing this nasal spray that is currently being used to treat uh, opiate overdoses. It's called it, – so the spray has the drug, the drug uh, na, naloxone, N-A-L-O-X-O-N-E. I haven't heard of it before, I guess because I'm not uh, an abuser of opiates. But it's, it's used normally as an emergency treatment for opiate overdoses, and the reason it's effective is because it's very fast-acting. So it's thought that since the spray goes to the brain within a few minutes, that – if you could spray this into your nose and within a few minutes it affects your brain, then if you crave to gamble, if you feel like, hey, I got to gamble, I got to gamble, you spray this, it supposedly will affect your brain and you'll lose that desire because gambling is an impulsive behavior is the theory. And this spray is known to affect the brain to reduce impulsiveness. So if the need to gamble suddenly starts, then you can spray this and it'll go away. Now, it's not talking about like if, the, if kind of the whole day you're kind of like, yeah, I kind of like to go out to the casino. Yeah, I kind of like to go to the casino. Yeah. And then, then you do. That, that's not going to help. But if, but if you're just kind of sitting there and you're like, you know it would be fun if I could go down and play blackjack right now. That, then you spray this in your nose. It's supposed to go away. And like, ah, what was I thinking? No, that sounds stupid. I don't want to do it. That's what they're hoping. So now this has not been proven. This is a, a theory. This is an approved drug in the U.S., by the way. It was approved in 2015 for opiate treatment. So if, it, if it's found to work on gamblers, then strangely enough, it could actually be approved to treat gambling addiction, where you'll actually have a nasal spray. You can, you can spray this in your nose if you, uh, if you want to gamble and want to stop that urge. The, the thing is, though, I... What the fuck, Druff? I, I can't see someone doing this. Like, if they think I want to gamble, they'll just go do it. They're not going to go, I want to gamble, but here, let me spray this in my nose and see if I still want to gamble. I, I don't... Well, a lot of people have a gambling addiction, though, Druff. That's the thing. And it's and what they recommend you is just to clean out a drawer or, or do something else for 10 minutes to get your mind off of it, right? So it is it is an addiction. It's the number... I believe it's the number two addiction or number three. It's the hardest to quit. But, but, yeah, but how is a fucking nose spray going to do anything? Well, no, it's, it's like the drug, it, like Joff was saying, the opiates. It's, it, it, it sprays your brain, right? If, if, it, do, if, it, does, if it does change the state of your brain to where the, impulsive, the impulsiveness you're having, that the impulsive thought that is pushing you to gamble will go away, then, and you can spray it, and very quickly that'll push that impulsive thought out where you're like, I don't know why I was thinking that. I don't, I don't really want to gamble anymore. Then that could be useful, I think, only for, for gamblers who are actively trying to stop gambling, such as those attending Gambler Anonymous meetings and the, those who have said gambling's bad, I'm going to try make every effort to stop. But the thing is, a lot of addiction... You know what's going to happen next, Ruff? What? Is people are going to try to use this to mitigate their, their gambling addiction, and they're going to get addicted to the fucking nasal. <laughs> you heard it here first. There's going to be a mass wave... Of nasal spray addicts roving the country. You know what's weird? I, I, can nasal spray be addictive? And I ask this because, of course, when I was, I thought it could be. When I was in high school, uh, when I was on the track team, I would, uh, you know, I'd have a cold sometimes, and I would, uh, and that's very hard, especially on the track team where you're uh, uh, on track versus cross country. You're not running as far, but you're running faster, of course, because it's not as far. 
So having a cold during a track meet can really slow you down. So on days we'd have the track meets, if I had a cold, I would bring nasal spray. And right before the race, I would clear it up so this would go away. So I would I'd start doing that. But uh, then I started noticing, hey, you know, this also helps for days when uh, I have a cold or any kind of congestion there and, and, and we're just doing a workout. We're going to, you know, the coach tells us to go run six miles and tells us where to run. I think I don't want to run six miles with my nose all stuffed up. I'm just going to use this. So I, I used the nasal spray so much and I started noticing that I was like feeling like I always needed to use it. I, I started feeling like I needed to use it more and more. And that's when I got scared and said, I'm not using this anymore. And put in, well, Drew, the, the issue is not nasal spray the issue is what is in it right well, well yeah i know that's i thought there may be something well, in it that was, my, was, well i don't know what's in this particular nasal spray that they're using but depending on what it is i mean there's a reason why people snort cocaine because those porous membranes in your nose are one of the quickest ways to get shit into your body yeah well you know that, right. and, you, and you can absorb i mean actually you know i've wondered this for a long time Druff. maybe you can help me out so we take pills right yeah who the fuck invented the suppository? <laughs> you know, who is like, who is just like laying around one day and is like, you know what? I don't really want to take this Tylenol. I think I'll just shove it up my ass. Do you, do you have any insight to that? Do you know? Maybe someone gay. No, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just, it wasn't but me. The, it wasn't me. But the, the point is that there, there are much quicker ways to get drugs into your system than swallowing them or drinking them. I mean, you can you can stick shit up your ass. You could you can get drunk by pouring alcohol in your ass, right? And women, the vagina, I, I, same I, thing. I, I didn't know that, but uh, okay. no, absolutely, <laughs> man. It will absorb, right? It's a, it's I guess a, I, like I, I guess theory, I just thought, you know, thought of you it. know how like uh, some men chew tobacco. Yeah, I mean, in theory, women could 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 take chew and they could put it in their vagina. That's lovely. and they would. And they would get the the nicotine buzz from that. Absolutely, they would. You know, I, I absolutely on that topic. Uh, we can market a, a line of pussy chew. Well, on, on that topic, that women that have a problem with smelling bad down there, maybe the, the chew would be an improvement. <laughs> All right, so I just look, I'm just I'm just saying, like, do you know what is in this nasal spray? N- uh, this one is just that naloxone. Yeah, that naloxone or whatever that is. But uh, yeah, I, I just looked up a, a regular nasal spray. I, I I've wondered like about Afrin, right? No, it's it's N A L O X O N. Okay. So, but I I just looked up regular nasal spray because I yeah. I've, I was curious about this like 30 years ago. So I never got the answer. I just got the answer. I just looked it up on the Mayo Clinic's website. And apparently there's nothing physically addictive about na- regular nasal spray. But what I was experiencing sure. was that uh, eventually your nose becomes less and less responsive to it. And then you have to use more and more to control congestion. And that kind of was happening. That's what, that, Well, that, and it and may become like a, a comforting habit too, that, right? Right, right. That's what like it also in, says. You said you, were, you went to Thailand, right? Yeah. Do you remember when you were there? Do you ever see people that they have these like little um, – kind of things that they would put in their nose and they'd kind of sniff them real quick? No. Like these little, like, lipstick-sized containers? I, I didn't see that, no. Well, I mean, there are people all over the place that are that are doing it, and it's just kind of got, like, a eucalyptus, kind of minty kind of thing to it. And people don't get addicted to the stuff that's inside those. It's just the habit of doing it, you know? It's real easy to get kind of, you know, addicted to that, but I... <laughs> 
I, I don't understand how this nasal spray is going to help with gambling addiction. It makes no sense to me. I can understand what they're saying here, and this hasn't been proven. They're doing a study, but I can understand what they're saying. If this really, if this chemical really does lower impulsiveness, and if 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 it can get to your brain so fast that impulsive thoughts you just had will go away, then yes, right. if, if you're looking to. Uh, if you're actively looking to control the gambling addiction, the problem is a lot of people who have gambling addictions uh, don't realize it, don't don't accept it, don't want to accept it, or don't want to change it. And in those cases, they're never going to use it. It's only be the ones who are actively saying, "I need to stop gambling. I need to yeah, stop." Yeah, or they're in denial that they have a problem to begin with, right? Yeah, that's, that's, the yeah. only ones it'll work for are yeah. the ones who say, "I actually need to stop." And if only I could stop these urges, and then when they get an urge, okay, okay, we're better now. So I, I wonder if no, it will but, stop their urge to use the thing to stop their urge. You know, that's true. Well, no, but if it works for anything else, why wouldn't you know what I mean? People are using it right now to stop their addiction, so I, I can't see. Oh it. my god! You meet a girl at a bar, and she's all like interested in going home with you, and then she snorts the spray, and she's just not. She's done. That impulse is gone. That'd be horrible. <laughs> I'm talking about the drug opioids. And they, they, well, okay, they I realize you don't right? care and about picking away. up. I realize you don't care about picking up girls at bars, but some of us do. Okay, well, what, so think about it. Why do you picking up girls at bars if you're married? <laughs> I'm not. No, here's 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 a good question. I, you th- I wonder if Ken Scaler could use this to stop masturbating at Starbucks. <laughs> he doesn't. Well, does he really masturbate at Starbucks? Yes, that's not a joke. Hey, Druff, given the bill that he racked up calling those phone sex hotlines. I don't think there's enough nose spray in the world, man. <laughs> He'd have to the put master, one of those in every orifice and just fucking suck it in. Does the master actually order anything at Starbucks or he just goes in there? No, no, no. He just goes in the bathroom. Now I, He orders I, a couple of tissues. I, I, will, I will admit I have used the bathroom at Starbucks also without ordering anything, but that has not been for masturbatory purposes. That's been like, I'm, I'm driving somewhere and there's a Starbucks, and I'm like, okay, there's a good place to stop for a user, a clean bathroom. So, I'll stop so there. So, Drev, you would swear on your child that you have never masturbated in a bathroom, a public bathroom? I've never masturbated in a Starbucks bathroom, that's all I'll say. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Alright, you go for a higher class place. I got it. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Here's a topic we skipped. We're, we're, we're through everything but two topics. So here's one we skipped that uh, I, I think is worth discussing, though. This is about Dan Fleischman, best known to us in poker as the founder of the fail site Victory Poker, that he is releasing a book. And I'm, I'm not endorsing this, by the way, but, but, but for informational purposes only. Also could be a backdoor ad. You don't know. For informational purposes only, buythisbook.com, which already sounds very gimmicky. It's impressive that he got this website. I wonder if he bought it from someone. I'm surprised buythisbook.com would not have been taken by now. But buythisbook.com, if you go there, it's called How to Set Up Your Business for Under $1,000 by Dan Fleischman and Braden Hampton. I don't know who that is. But Dan Fleischman, we first heard of him when he started victory poker and he got uh, a number of big names associated with it. One of them being Dan Bilzerian. I think uh, Antonio Esfandieri may have been. So he signed an impressive roster of pros and they, they had various parties and they, they, they just were spending a lot of money on promotion, a whole lot of money on promotion. 
And people said, oh, well, Victory Poker, you know, they're spending so much money on all this. I wonder what, you know, what so- they must have some great proprietary software. No, Victory Poker did not have any proprietary software. Victory Poker, despite all that promotion and the expensive pros and the parties and, and everything else they were doing, they were a cake poker skin. <laughs> so they were a skin on a network that was fairly small and not doing that well. So there, there was no advantage to signing up with Victory Poker instead of Cake Poker. And this is already after Cake Poker kind of shot their load and they, they, weren't, they were already on their way down. At one point, Cake Poker was looking like they could be maybe a future big player in, in online poker, but this was already as they were on the downslope, and it was clear. But Victory Poker started as a skin of Cake Poker, which means their ability to make money was much lessened because uh, skins only get a, a, a moderate percentage of the revenue of the rate taken in. And I, I never understood that business model. And then there started being reports that they were having promotions where you know the winner of some promotion would get $10,000 or some you know, seed at a big tournament, and then they weren't, they weren't awarding the prizes and people were complaining. And then when Victory Poker went down, uh, these people never got anything, and Dan Fleischman's excuse was, well, the business went down, even though I was managing the business, even though I was the one running the whole thing. Uh, because it's the business that's gone, I don't owe the money, so tough luck on these people. And I said, yeah, but you pretty much were Victory Poker. It's not like a giant corporation went and you, you were pretty much video. Po- you were pretty much Victory Poker. So to screw these people at this point is unethical. I told him this on, uh, I think we had him on Dockdown Radio, and I told him this directly. So Dan Fleischman, he, he's had other ventures. I think he, he managed uh, Ivy Poker at one time, but everything he's managed in poker has been a failure. Uh, he, he somehow got suckers to invest every time. And I don't think he was scamming. I just think that every company that he started in poker just was a fail and basically had no chance to succeed and just got people to believe in his plan. So here are the chapters on in this book. Chapter 1, Checklist. Chapter 2, Setting Up Shop. Chapter 3, Business Plan. Chapter 4, Executive Summary, parentheses, Shorter Business Plan. Chapter 5, SWOT Analysis. Chapter 6, Getting Your First Customers. Chapter 7, Final Thoughts. Sounds like a short book. Index Resource Guide, meaning a useful websites and apps. So, look, I... Is this the guy you're going to buy a book from, Drew? <laughs> and well, I'm not even necessarily digging against him. But there are so many extremely successful businessmen that have written books. Like, why? Why? Why would you go to this guy? Yeah. So he. Uh, so he. Dan Fleischman's claim to fame is that he was the youngest person ever to ever, to own a publicly traded company. It was when he was twenty three. I forgot what the company was, but uh, uh, that's that's what it was. Claim- some it was some community something or other, wasn't it? Was, I didn't remember no. much about it, but but. Anyway, it's it's promoted as, quote, the only business book you'll need to get started. Essential strategies and tips you'll need to get started on your business idea quickly, affordably, and effectively. Now, I will say that one thing Dan Fleischman has apparently been very good at is creating hype and getting people to invest in his ideas. These ideas have not worked, but he has gotten hype and attention and, and gotten people to sink money into these ideas. So, 
in that, I would take the guy's advice. If, I, if I'm thinking, hey, I have something I'd really like to promote, I'd really like to get investors in it, I'd really like to get uh, people believing in me, but, but I, I just seem to lack the ability to do this, then he's someone who could definitely help you in doing that. Uh, when it comes to running a successful business, uh, no. <laughs> it's the last person I would take advice from. So well, Maybe we can get him on uh, the fraud show and spruce up some revenue for you so you don't have a losing site. <laughs> yeah, maybe he could be a sponsor here. Yeah, he could be an investor. Like he can spruce up the uh, the cash flow for you. We don't want to keep you losing every month. And and there was there's some kind of cryptocurrency event that he's doing. I don't know exactly what this event is, but it's actually at the ArcLight Dome Theater in Hollywood. Uh, it, it says uh, we're throwing another cryptocurrency event on Monday. This is unrelated to the book, I think. On Monday, January 29th, just four or five days from now. At the Arclight Dome Theater in Hollywood, California. I wonder what that's about. Someone posted a picture of it. That's why I uh, I know about this. Let's, let's see what I can find about this. This was just recently posted on the forum. So I'm going to Google Dan Fleischman Arclight Dome. Um, no, I can't find much other than this. Uh, see, here we are. This is from. This is on his Instagram. We're throwing another cryptocurrency event on Monday, January 29th at the Arclight Dome Theater in, in Hollywood, California. This time we're, we've tripled the size of Elevator Nights Elevator Nights, to over 800 people by partnering with the Crypto Watch Facebook group. There will be three panels of expert speakers covering topics from investing and trading to taxes and ICOs. We've thrown these type of events in the past five years to create a learning and networking environment. So I, I see what he's jumping on. He, he's jumping on the public's fascination with cryptocurrency in, in recent months. And so they're, they're so holding. So, Druff, I, I found out what his publicly traded company was. What was it? Have you ever ha- heard of the energy, energy drink Who's Your Daddy? No. <laughs> that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. That's the, that's the company that he started. Dan Fleischman was also someone who always looked older than he was. He just—he always looked old, even when he's young. So, I, I guess if you're starting businesses, that's your advantage. If, if you—if you're 23 and you're starting a business and you, and you look 18, it, it's a lot harder to get respect than if you're 23 and you look 30. So that's actually where where it can help you. But he always looked older than his age for some reason. I think it's because he was prematurely balding, but it's not just that. He just always kind of had an older look to him. Like, I was surprised when I had it, found out how old he was. Oh, that's interesting. So it looks like the way he made the money initially was he <laughs> he had a, a buddy of his that used to love to shout, who's your daddy? And he <laughs> trademarked the phrase. Really? That, that, that was actually smart. He trademarked the phrase. For over 300 products, and then he started licensing that phrase to other companies. That was actually smart. Now, what year was that? 1999, I think. Yeah. I wonder if Toby Keith had to get a permission from him to do the song called Who's Your Daddy in 2002. Well, no. If you if you trademark it, it's just if it's used in commerce, right? But it, but it is. So to write a song called Who's Your Daddy, it would be, it would be in commerce, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. That'd but then, funny, you know, they'd to- have to litigate whether there's market confusion and all that kind that of stuff. That would be funny if Toby Keith actually had to pay Dan Fleischman to make that song. It would be, uh... Well, what a lot of people don't know is, like, when you trademark something, and he, you notice that I uh, mentioned that he trademarked it for 300 different products, 
you can trademark something, but you have to do it in specific industries. Um, because you, just because you trademark a phrase doesn't mean you own it for absolutely everything. The the real litmus test is whether it uh, creates uh, confusion in the public. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, that's really kind of the... Yeah, so I guess the question is if he did it for music or not. Maybe he didn't think of it. Probably but, not. But 300 Probably wasn't of, one of the 300. Yeah, but 300 is a lot of things, so maybe he did. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's funny. Well, uh, I'll say this. His Instagram, this... Uh, this announcement he made only has 5,218 views, which yeah, it doesn't mean nobody's you. I more than 5,000 people, but at the same time, I hope he's promoting this in other ways because if, if only 5,218 people are viewing it, only a very small percentage of that are going to actually come to this thing. So, like, I just viewed it. I'm not coming. So, I, they're going to get a small turnout in that case. But I, I see what they're trying to do here. They're, they're they're trying to get suckers to come over and hear panels of, of quote expert speakers about cryptocurrencies. You know, the general public says, "Oh wow, I want to get in on this crypto stuff, but I I know nothing about it. I wish there was someone who could advise me that knows a lot about it." So, there you go. You go to this event, and I guess they've had other ones before. So they, they must be working to some degree if there's uh, they're holding other ones. So that may actually be a smart idea, and they're holding it at the the ArcLight uh, Cinema Dome in. in Hollywood, so that's a pretty big uh, venue. Okay, so this is interesting. So you're you're from you know what a company going public is, right? Yeah. So it means it's listed on a stock exchange somewhere, right? Yes. So the the popular ones are. Well, the NYSE is the big one, and, and then there's NASDAQ, NASDAQ, NASDAQ which right. is yeah, yeah. you know kind of has its thing with the tech business and yeah. stuff. Have you heard of the over the counter OTC bulletin board? Yeah. You have, yeah. Okay, I had never heard of it. That that is where um, that Who's Your Daddy company ended up getting listed. Okay, I had never even fucking heard of that. Well, it's a lot, a lot easier to get there. Like the, the NYSE was always like the hardest. Nasdaq, if you can't get it on the NYSE, that's where. The, then I know when tech companies started listing there, it started getting more legitimacy. But I remember like back uh, in the eighties, the, the Nasdaq was really the redheaded stepchild to the NYSE, but. Then when the tech company started listing on Nasdaq, they were uh, they got a lot more legitimacy. But yeah, this uh, OTC that's a lot easier to get listed there. So this is this is a weird article. It really has <laughs> not a whole lot in there. But it says that uh, Fleischman stepped down uh, from being the CEO of Who's Your Daddy uh, in two thousand eight. So, I mean, I don't know. It if it's a really is. successful company, I don't know why you just stepped down it from it. It probably wasn't. It's probably the same story as it always is, where he just uh, doesn't manage it well and it loses money. Well, I, who knows? But it says he, he stepped down at the age of 27 to start Victory Poker. You know, the online poker, blah, blah, blah. It, it's, the, other, the other interesting thing is this publicly traded company, the Who's Your Daddy, Inc., the Wikipedia article on it says, web articles mention... That this company changed its name to Fit Highway Products Inc. <laughs> what the fuck? That's weird. I mean, there we, there are a couple of weird things about that. First of all, it's like web articles mention. It's it's almost like it's a rumor. <laughs> but then also Fit Highway Products. Like what what the hell? It's just bizarre. Maybe when Flashman left, they had to give up that Who's Your Daddy uh, 
maybe that that's when they changed it. I but pe- usually when people make those changes like that, it's because something's not going well. It's they also like, they're also saying all over the place that Fleischman is a angel investor. <laughs> and if you if you're an angel investor, I mean that essentially implies that you've got tons of money. Right. I, I doubt that. I, I really think may, that, may, maybe he does. I don't know. Well, he, yeah, he may have personally made money on this. There's, there's the old, you know, it's like the, what Annie Duke and Jeffrey Pollock did with the Epic Poker League, where the whole thing was a failure and lost tons of money, but they personally made money. So it could be like that. You you make money managing something that's failing, and you still walk away with a healthy profit when they're when all the investors lost, and it's legal. As long as you're not embezzling, as long as it was disclosed, as long as it was agreed upon that that's what you get paid when uh, for for your services, then that's legal. So uh, here's some from, from the chat room here. Uh, JSAT says, might have to form a corporation LLC if te- Trump's tax plan screws me. Going to talk to my tax accountant if it's feasible. Depending where the write-offs are favorable, you should do a show on this for gamblers. So JSTAT is a, is a advantage player. So that's what he's referring to here. I wonder if this is even listed on that stock exchange anymore. I'm, I'm searching on, like, who's your daddy's stock price, like trying to find, you know, a graph and that kind of thing. Yeah. The only thing, I was, only thing I was able to find, it has the symbol uh, WYDY, and <laughs> everything is zero. It says last trade zero, change zero, open zero, high zero, low zero. It's weird. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's not. It may may not be publicly traded anymore. I don't know. Yeah, it probably isn't. They say they say so. How how is your stock doing there, Dan? Zero. It's got to be point <laughs> zero. Okay. It's, it's got to be somewhere I can get a graph of this, right? Maybe. Uh, so, beer and poker on the tipping issue. I'm just reading the chat room. He says to me, it's. Uh, the restaurant thing is weird. The worker at Applebee's does about the same work for a tab that comes to $25 versus the fancy restaurant waitress where the bill comes to $200, and they get eight times the pay for essentially the same work. It never seemed fair. I always agreed with that, too. Uh, now, there is a higher standard of service where they're supposed to be more polite and more formal and, they, and know, know their job better. But I'll tell you, when I, I'm more likely to give a higher percentage at the Applebee's where it's $25 than I am at a fancy restaurant because I feel they're getting so much anyway for what's the same job. That's exactly what I think. That's where I'll, I'll leave the higher percentages at the place that the, the, the meal is cheaper. And like, like if the meal is $20, I, I can't bring myself to leave less than five. It just feels weird to leave less than five. Yeah. I dropped the official OTC markets uh, website. Um, which I guess is what this OTC VB is now branded as. You search for the symbol uh, WYDY for who's your daddy. It's not even listed anymore. So it's just, it's, it's, it's apparently not a publicly traded company anymore. Does not surprise me. But I can't find any historic stock pricing on it either. That's yeah. what I'm interested in. Yeah, that's strange. Maybe on that OTC, it's harder to find it, especially from years back. Uh, Beer and Poker wrote that uh, he heard that. Bad beat jackpots are typically one to three percent is the customary tip. So he said in that case where it's four hundred something thousand you win, that four K to twelve K would be the appropriate tip. So and he said that uh, he read on two plus two. It's not confirmed, but he read on two plus two that the dealer got a total of twelve K tips from the players on that bad beat jackpot, which is. Uh, 
That is about a little more than 1% overall of the $1 million given away. Okay, so let's go to the topic of the final topic about do not call lists. And this is a requested topic by a listener named Benford. This is also there's a discussion about this on Poker Fraud Alert. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, Druff. I'm, I know I'm interrupting you, but I, I did some research on this. This is crazy. So I, I searched on um, the stock symbol for uh, Who's Your Daddy and some other you know related terms. And the, the headline I got was, Energy Drink Executive Indicted on Drug Charges. Oof. Uh, the hand, I don't think this is about Fleischman, though. This is uh, handfuls of cash flying out of a Ford F-150's window in San Diego were the result of a drug, gu- drug bus gone awry. Uh, spooked by a patrol car, the suspects fled before completing a deal to pot- buy 500 pounds of marijuana from undercover drug enforcement agents. Along the way, they tried to toss out the cash they brought with them, throwing the money onto the freeway as they led the police on a (laughs) high-speed chase. Eventually, they gave up. The men in the truck were taken into custody without any more drama. Just two more arrests in a sweep that included Edon Moyle, the 20-something founder and former chief chief executive of Who's Your Daddy, Inc. Interesting. So what the, who the fuck? I don't understand. Moyle was an executive vice president and marketing brand development at the time of his arrest. Although Who's Your Daddy said Securities and Exchange Commission filing last month that Moyle had resigned as an officer and director, it did not disclose his arrest or federal indictment. What? I don't understand. I, it says in this article, it's saying that Edon Moyle was a founder and former chief, chief executive of Who's Your Daddy? So I guess, did he found this along with Fleischman or something? Maybe Fleischman just trademarked the phrase, and then uh, and he's actually the one who started the drink. Well, the the who no 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 the Who's Your Daddy company is all about trademarking stuff and then licensing that oh, name okay. out. Weird. That's what that company does. <clears throat> Weird. So he must have founded this company with somebody else. Like he wasn't the only person involved. But what the fuck, man? Interesting. This is like. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rabbit hole. You keep you keep going. This down is a, new a year or less than a year after he resigned as president. This other guy who apparently founded the company with him is buying five hundred pounds of marijuana and throwing money out of the window. I, I wonder the if fuck, like the, the traffic like stopped there and everybody collected. Like what happened? What do you do on the freeway if you see like just tons of money flying out of a car and and, and then like the cops and that car go by? So it's not even a matter of like uh, like do you do you try to stop and run around the freeway and get it or what? And what if what if you're poor and you really need the money? Like, do you just take I bet the your cars are stopping everywhere. Yeah. So say, like, maybe just create, like, a blockade of cars and then just <laughs> pick as much of as you can, like a pinata braking, and then get back in your car and drive off. Oh, it, oh here we go. <laughs> a struggling – this is giving us some insight into what happened to the company. Um, the next section says, a struggling company. Who's your daddy has not been a financial success. The Carlsbad, California-based company lost $2.64 million last year on $750,000 in sales. It said in a recent SEC filing that it did not have adequate capital to meet its obligations, was in default on loans, and had past due accounts with vendors, and had a levy on one of its bank accounts. 
The company's shares are trading at three cents, <laughs> down down from a split adjusted high of seven dollars and seventy four wow. cents less than two years ago. So the interesting thing about the timing of this stuff, Trump, is that Fleischman resigns as CEO from this company, and your instinct was exactly right. The company wasn't doing well, like a rat abandoning a, a sinking ship. Like he must have known it was in trouble. Because if you are in this arrears with your your debtors and your uh, the clients that you work with, you know you know that this is coming. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> so he's just like fuck it, like he's just piecing out and leaving the company, and then the then it just goes under. Yeah. And wow. Every company I've seen he's been involved with has fallen apart. I've never seen one, and maybe there's some I don't know about. So I'm not saying he's never been at the helm of any company that's made money, but really every company that I have known about that he's been part of has ended badly. Like he just isn't managing it well. So, well, and, and this is not to say that he didn't make money over the years. Like he very well may have made um, good money well, over yeah, the he, years. He personally, he personally, it, did, may have, it yeah. didn't end well. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? he, and he personally may have made money, but I'm talking about the, the companies. They just right. never seem to succeed. And, and it is, it, it's very difficult to start these things and, and for them to be profitable. There's so many ways to start a company, even when you think it has a great idea, and lose money. It, it is very hard to get these going and succeed, especially in the even in like the medium term. So, Well, I mean, if he actually is an angel investor, he must have a decent amount of money. I just don't know if that's... Yeah, it may not be true. It's just a term he likes to call himself or, you know, who knows what, but... That's that's crazy, man. One of the one of the co-founders of his company was fucking trying to buy five hundred pounds of marijuana from the fucking. Feds. That is funny. We, we we lost Brandon, by the way. Brandon just just uh, just vanished. You don't hear about this fucking. You don't hear about this shit when you hear Fleischman talk about his stuff. I bet you there isn't a preamble in his book that talks about the the fact that uh, this company. Posted a loss of two point six four million dollars. <laughs> or, or, or about, I, I can only imagine what, what Victory Poker lost because they 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 put a lot of money into all the different marketing and it went nowhere. Now maybe the pros didn't make anything. Maybe they were just supposedly going to get a commission, you know, the profits or something like. But but uh, maybe they got paid too. I don't know. But they, in fact, uh, Victory Poker they actually were in the center of a controversy. This wasn't their fault. But they were in the center of a controversy involving Joy Miller, who I hated too. When she, the only thing I can think of when I think of Joy Miller <laughs> is Todd Brunson just dry humping her. Joy Miller, when she... oh my god, she can tweet out me too. Hashtag me too. <laughs> yeah, She's got true. video evidence of it. All right, sorry, go ahead. Joy Miller, when she, when Dan Silzarian made some sort of uh, racist joke, and then Joy Miller in her typical. Uh, power-hungry, uh, overstepping her authority actions, she uh, she stated that because Dan Bilzerian had done this, that Victory Poker and Dan Bilzerian are going to be banned from ESPN and Bluff coverage. And she left a, a voicemail to Dan Bilzerian telling him that and, and really cursing him out and being you know, sounding really crazy. So pretty much like gloating that she can have him banned. So instead of mm. being intimidated, Dan Bilzerian played the voicemail on a YouTube video. Oh, and she, right. looked, she looked horrible, and that basically drove her out of poker. Because she, I remember that. And, and the thing is, she had a long pattern of doing this, including to me, just because she uh, she didn't like that I, I 
had stated on Neverwin Poker that I agreed with Terrence Chan when she had mistreated Terrence Chan. And I, I was never friends with Terrence Chan. In fact, you, you heard on, on 2 Plus 2, he said I'm not his kind of person. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but I, I agreed with him, and, and I said it on Neverwin Poker, and for that, she, she was going to have me banned. So, like, she was doing this to everybody who she didn't like. And, and finally, Dan Bilzerian, you know, when he made this public, this, this drove her out of poker. But Victory Poker, they were in the center of this because she was saying that Victory Poker and all their pros will be banned from coverage as well. And people are like, "What the hell? You know, you who are you to decide this?" So, anyway, that uh, that's what. Druff, Druff, I'm going to read you one other thing real quick, and I want you to tell me what it sounds like to you. So we already we already heard about this co-founder of uh, Who's Your Daddy? You know, trying to do this 500 500 pound marijuana drug deal, right? Yeah. Other connections. SEC filings show that Who's Your Daddy got funding in 2007, which is when Fleischman was still there, from entities with ties to Regis Passino, a disbarred California attorney with connections for drug dealing and fraud. (laughs) Passino had acted as a consultant and financier for numerous penny stock companies. What does that sound like to you? Uh... It sounds like that maybe this this company was funded by him. Someone who has connections with drug dealing and fraud, he invests in all of these companies as a way to... It's a launder, yeah. Launder the money. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, one of the co-founders is driving around in a pickup truck trying to pick up a bale of fucking marijuana. Yeah, there, there we go. What the fuck? There we what go. What the fuck? What the fuck kind of company is this? But, but oh, was, my God. TMML, TMML Gay, uh, he was... Uh, he was on here all this time. I even he wasn't talking for a while, so I disconnected him, and then he yeah. then then he called back in, and I reconnected him, and then like I kept hearing every so often like this. Yeah, so I, I got tired of it. And I just dropped him, and so I, I told I, I messaged him and told him that's why I dropped him, and he said, "Oh, sorry, I'm trying to keep quiet. Uh, I wanted mm. to get my Super Bowl pick, so we'll give him one shot here. He can, he can give a Super Bowl pick. Let me throw him back on the line. Okay, TMLG, give your Super Bowl pick to the public here. Yeah, thank you, sir. Um, since I'm undefeated on poker, I believe I'm undefeated while on poker fraud alert radio, giving my picks. I'll have to check the archives for that. TMMLK is predicting the New England Patriots, which is my team, obviously, is going to win the Super Bowl. All right. So you heard it here. That he says, and how much do you think they're going to win? You think they're going to win by the, to cover the spread? I think it's. I think they're due to cover the spread this time. Like I mean, they they have covered the spread in the past, and their largest victory is six against Atlanta. But I mean, uh, they have a good shot at covering the spread at five points. Okay. Well, we got a week and a half, so we'll see how this plays out. Okay. Thank you, team. Okay. We'll hear from you next time. Depending on Gronkowski, but yes. uh, okay. that's my lock. Okay. Love you. Team okay is lock. Goodbye. All right. So let's let's cover the last topic about these. Robocalls and the do not call list requested by a listener, Benford, who actually, he, he bribed me to talk about this. Uh, $25 is going to go to a free roll next week. Jeff, I hate those fucking robocalls. You know, I, I just got several of them today. I, I th- By the way, I, I screwed up. I forgot to give credit to the people who, I think I forgot. I think I forgot to give credit to the donors of the free roll this week. So. 
Simply One gave $25 and Matt the Rat gave $50. I, I, I'm pretty sure I forgot to say that. I want to thank both of them for doing this. I, I almost always say this at the time I announced the free roll, and I think this time it just slipped my mind. But I do appreciate it very much, and thank you to the two of you. So, uh, and by the way, Matt the Rat said that this $50 is in part because he made a lot of money from a tip regarding certain cryptocurrency from Raw Wolf that he actually followed Raw Wolf's advice, bought it, and made a lot of money on it. So he gave $50 to this free roll. Thank you to him. And Simply One had donated uh, $57, which I've been splitting up over a few free rolls. We still have 25 left of that. Also, 25 from Benford coming next time because we're going to do this topic about the robocalls. So if you go to toddwitellis.net, so you, you didn't believe I had a blog, but I, I, I kind of do. toddwitellis.net you will see that in 2014, I wrote an article about robocalls and the FTC having a contest to solve oh, the problem. Truff, truff. I, I know I've done this to you before. I, I'm really sorry. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> Court documents filed since our original story show that in March, agents seized a 32-foot powerboat <laughs> valued at more than $100,000 from Dan... Fleischman. Wow. <laughs> One of who's your daddy's founders and the current director of sponsorship. What the fuck? This dude, this dude had shit seized from him. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In fairness to Fleischman, it says here, Fleischman is not a defendant in the case and has not been charged with any crimes. He told Sheriff Sleuth that although the government seized the boat, it wasn't actually his. I didn't own the boat, so it wasn't seized for me, nor was anything else since I'm not part of that case, he said in an email. Huh. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> was, I thought I found something awesome. Okay. I'm sorry. So I, back, I to the, do it again. back to the robocall. Just go to tawatellus.net, and you can read a 2014 blog that I wrote, which a lot of it is still quite relevant today, about robocalls, about the do not call list, about why that does not work about why it's just about impossible to stop those robocalls and, and a stupid contest that the government held to solve it, which at the time and still is an unsolvable problem or mostly unsolvable. So Todd would tell us.net. You can go there and read that, but we're going to talk about it on this show. So recently the Washington post, I think it was the Washington post came out with an article about the failure of the do not call list. For those of you that don't know, especially those outside the United States, the do not call list was invented more than 10 years ago, and it was something that you join. It was managed by the government, and that it is required that telemarketing companies cannot call you if you are on the do not call list, and if they do, there's massive fines for doing so. And this was supposedly going to stop the telemarketing, and, and all telemarketing companies have to have access to the do not call list and, and have to follow it, and anyone who's on there, they can't call them. There are, unfortunately, many reasons why this has not worked. One of them is that if you have given them permission to call you in any way, such as signing up for something that, uh, you know, if you've signed up for some sort of service with them or some sort of notification or an email list or whatever, you're basically giving them permission to call you even if you're on the do not call list. And the reason there's that loophole is to allow businesses to call you that you're doing business with. So this way, if, if you're 
uh, the phone company can call you. The electric company can call you. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, being a do not call list should not prevent that. But so, unfortunately, this extends to any company which can claim they have any kind of business relationship with you unless you've actually asked them not to call you. So that the second they can establish or claim to have established some kind of business relationship with you, even a very thin one, such as like joining an email list, they can call you. But that's not the biggest problem. Sorry, I'm back. Okay, welcome back, Brandon. So the biggest relationships are complicated. That's all I have to say. Go okay, on. Okay. Okay. So, so the the thing with do not call list, the, the biggest problem is that in order to go after any company that violates it, you have to know which company is violating it. So how do you know who's calling you? Well, uh, caller ID is one way. A second way is the company tells you its name, but the, the, the company can, uh, they can hide these things in many ways. So let's look at the caller ID situation. A lot of people don't understand the way caller ID works. Now, caller ID is different than something called ANI, which is a uh, Automatic numeric identification. ANI has been around for longer than caller ID. I used to. ANI has been part of toll-free 800 numbers for a long time, dating back, I think, to the 80s. I know at least the 80s, maybe even before that. Where if you called an 800 number that had subscribed to this service, they actually could see your phone number, and there was no way to spoof it. They this would uh, this is something different where your your phone number would be. would be seen and you, you couldn't spoof it. It was it was something that was uh, part of the call being completed. That was different than caller ID. Caller ID is whatever uh, phone service you're using to make the call, to complete the call, basically tells the receiving phone what its number is. But it doesn't necessarily have to tell the truth. And unlike in the old days when the only way to complete a call was through your local phone company, now with all the different uh, voice over IP services out there, uh, many people can place the calls themselves. If you set up your own small voice over IP service, then you can complete the call on your own and you can actually send whatever caller ID information you want. So the caller ID that's sent does not have to be the actual number you're calling from. You can really send anything as caller ID. In fact, I have ways to do it. I've I've called people before from their own phone number. In fact, when we're done with the show, Brandon, if you want, I can call you from your number. You'll see you're calling yourself, and it'll be me. I, I I've done that before. Yeah. The spoofs. I know. Yeah, yeah. there's the and the you other know, services. There's tons of apps. Right. There's there, there, right. There's there's apps that do it too. There's also apps that do it. So so there's many ways to do this, and it's because whatever. Whatever is putting the call through can just lie about what number it is calling from. It's 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 like someone coming to your door and knocking, and you say, "Who is it?" and they say a fake name. It's just like that. Your your phone is saying, "Oh, who is it?" and the and the phone calling you gives a fake name, a fake number. That's and it the way it's sent. It's sent between the first and second ring, and it's actually sent as an old school twelve hundred baud signal. That shows you how old the technology is. It dates back to the, the late 80s. So the problem is that since it's so easy to spoof the caller ID that you won't know who to report. They'll just put any phony phone number there where if you call back, it won't be them. So you won't even know who to report. So you can report it, but they won't know who really called you. 
Now, there is a way to bust them by what's known as following the money, because they're not just calling you to, to harass you, they're calling you to sell you something, or maybe to scam you. But there's always some way that you're paying them. And they can follow, like let's say you pay by credit card, they can see who made the charge and try to trace that back. But a lot of times it's foreign, or a lot of times it's, uh, it's some kind of shell company that's very hard to track down, and it, there's, there's so many of them, it's like playing a game of whack-a-mole to track these down. And, and you, you, they do away with one, and another one starts. Uh, there was a... I'm sure you've all gotten the Rachel from Cardholder Services calls over the years. Uh, the, Cal Watt, have you gotten that? Oh, yeah. Uh, what about I, I get tons of them. And, and, Brandon, have you gotten, hi, this is Rachel from Cardholder Services? Yep. I, I just got that today. Yeah, so, Brandon, have you gotten it? That is. Uh, you, you don't know what that is? No. Oh, you're lucky. Uh, yeah, Cal Watt just got it today. This is what, the way it goes. It goes, uh, it's a female voice. This is Rachel from Cardholder Services. Uh, there's nothing wrong with your account. So, of course, you know, when you hear cardholder services, you get nervous for a second. Maybe you know someone stole your credit card. There's nothing wrong with your account. But you know, please press 1 for an important message about how you can lower your interest rates. So that then uh, what they're hoping is you press 1, they connect you on with a human being. You know, Rachel's just a robocall. It's something that you uh, – uh, a human being is not placing the call. But then it connects you to a human being who then tries to sell you these bogus interest rate lowering services, which really don't do anything. It's just nonsense. And they charge you as much as $3,000, often by lying to you. They'll like take your credit card and say they're just checking your, you know, your interest rates, but in reality, they're just charging you for it. And well, you know what? I got, a, I, I got something weird today that I'd never seen before. I got a text message on my phone from like one of those weird numbers. It's like 100400, and it claimed it was from Wells Fargo. And it was a notification saying, and I'm, I'm not making this up, it was a notification saying that I, I have violated the Patriot Act and they needed specific information about me. And until they have, until they've received it, my account will be uh, disabled. And then when you click on the link, which I did, I knew it was a scam anyhow, I just clicked on my cell phone. It was a fake online sign into your online banking page. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, which so I've, never, so I've never seen this so before. Text, it was to my me- phone. Wow, text message phishing. Yep, it was via text message. Yep, yep. So, and then of course I I put it in Google, and then there was a ton of reports, you know, all over. Yeah, from, you know, but crazy. So, so the problem is that from a technical standpoint, for these robocalls, there's no way to stop them because no matter what you do, they can spoof any number, and there's no way to know if the caller ID being shown to you is real. And so, so as far as like completely stopping them from a technology standpoint, there there isn't a way. Now there are some ways that that are there's some services that are out there that attempt to, but they don't do it very well. Like one attempts to ask the caller a question that if they know you, they'll be able to answer, and 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 this way they don't get past it. Well, the problem is, what if you're getting a call from a business or or, or, or something that they, they don't know you well enough and they, they can't answer this about you, you're going to miss important calls. So that's that's a waste of time. Uh, other ones, you can you can put a white list of phone numbers that, that can reach you. But again, you're shutting off a lot of people that, uh, that may call you, like business, again, businesses that are legitimate that you didn't know were going to call you. There's really no solution. As long as the caller ID can be easily spoofed, which it can, there is no solution. And unfortunately... For whatever reason, the, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has not been aggressively pursuing violators of the do not call list. Maybe because a lot of them are foreign, but there are plenty domestic 
And they, they did bust the main firms in charge of this Rachel message. The number of them got busted. Uh, I think in 2013, it was 2012 it happened. They, they, they shut down five different companies using that message. But uh, it, it persists, and they just, they're just not going after enough of them. That would be the real way to put a dent in some of this, is very aggressively go after companies that are doing this. Put a lot of resources into it, make it very high profile, go after very stiff sentences. Then this would really go down in the number that you get. But then the foreign ones, the ones coming from other countries where the FTC can't touch them, especially third world countries, uh, that will still continue. So you're still going to get a lot of that. You're still going to get the scam calls, you know, the fake Dell, the fake Microsoft, all that, all that stuff. That, that's still going to continue. And there's no way to stop it without preventing other calls from coming in that you might want. There's just no way. Now, there are some ways, however, to... Uh, to, to make it a little tougher for them to get through to you. First of all, one of the tricks that's being utilized nowadays is that you get calls from a caller ID that's similar to your phone number. So let, let's take the Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808. If they were to be robo-calling the Mount Charleston line, I might get it from 702-430-9921. The, the reason they do this is because they figure that you're going to be getting a call from a number that uh, – from a prefix you're used to and figure it's someone in the local area who you might know or a business you might have dealt with and, and be more likely to answer. I'll admit when I got some of these like on my home phone, I was fooled by it to where I thought, OK, well, I, I recognize this number as a prefix in, in my local area, so I, it must be a business I've dealt with around here. Then I call up and I go, uh, here, hello, this is Daryl. Computer calling about a virus on your computer. And yeah, that's that's that. So if you get those calls, if you get calls from something that looks local, especially your exact prefix, they usually don't do it with a prefix around you, but it, like your exact prefix on your phone, especially your cell phone, and you don't recognize it, then it's probably a BS call. When I say especially your cell phone, it's because businesses usually don't call you from cell phones. So if you, and your cell phone prefix is very likely only used for cell phones. Unless you've ported the number or something. So uh, let's let's say your your cell phone is uh, you know seven zero two five two one six six eight eight okay, and then you get a call from seven zero two five two one four four two one. Well, you go okay. What's the chance of of some random cell phone with the same prefix of mine calling me? Uh, it, it's almost surely one of these type of calls, and you can just send it to voicemail. They usually will not leave you voicemail. And that's another thing, another tip off is that a, a legitimate business calling you will leave a voicemail typically and uh, a one that Wait. just hello yeah I, I'm sorry I was I was listening but I just didn't understand what did you mean about calling with the same prefix the same prefix meaning that your area code and first three digits but last that time, happens all that happens to me all the time then just ignore not it. all the time but it happens commonly like once yes. or twice a week yeah just what does that mean that, that and then that, I call back and it, it no one answers yeah because it it's, it's, it's a it's a fake call, it's a fake caller ID. And it's being done to get you to answer, thinking it looks like a familiar number in the area. What are they? What is it? What are they calling me for? It's, a, it's usually some kind of scam. Okay. So whenever you see yeah, that, yeah, that's funny. I mean, whatever. Like, I don't care. My, my number is seven zero two four six zero, and I always see a four six zero, and I'm like, what is this number? And it's and it makes me think that it's some. Yeah, it actually does that. I don't answer anyhow, but I call it back, and then it, no one even answers. Right. It's, it's it gives me. The number you're trying to reach is not taking calls right now or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I mean, I never knew what it was. I 
I've always thought it was more like one of those companies because I get a lot of those polls, like asking me to you know talk or answer questions about you know something with Nevada or like a Gallup poll or things like that. And that's what I thought it was, but. Okay. No, but if they wouldn't be, know. you know why they wouldn't be calling from a cell phone number. Your seven zero two four six zero is a cell phone prefix, so they wouldn't be calling you from a cell phone to do that. They'd be calling you from a a business line that would not be a cell phone, and and it would not have that prefix. It would not be seven zero two four six zero. So, so that that's especially a tip off. Now with a home phone, that's less that's less of a tip off because there are like I, I have a home phone and there are home phones in the area or business phones in the area with my same area code and prefix. So there I, I, I have to be more, you know, I, I sometimes have to answer them. But uh, another thing is never to give them any kind of hope that you are believing them. So a lot of times people want to be polite. A lot of times people are afraid to be really obnoxious to the person calling them. It, it, you know, even if they think it might be a scam or or, or a, an, un, an unwanted solicitation call, they sit there and listen. They 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 try to say, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not interested." But wait, what about this? And they'll sit there and listen to another to another spiel for another few minutes. You don't do that. Here's the way you have to look at it. You got to look at it. These people are disturbing you. They're harassing you with phone calls that you did not want. Okay, you deserve. They deserve no politeness. In fact, there's a good chance they're trying to scam you. But even if they're just trying to sell something, you didn't want these calls. They're bothering you. They're intruding upon your life. They deserve no politeness. And believe me, they get a lot of people who are super rude to them and cuss them out and do other things. And they they don't take it offensively. These are people just doing a job. They don't give a crap. They're not going to be insulted if you just hang up on them or say something rude and hang up. Um, I, I've said I've seen things to them before. It, you know, there's a, I, I know a guy, I don't do this, but I, I know a guy that whenever he gets these calls, if it's a guy calling him, he starts hitting on him as if he's gay. And, uh, and that, that, that gets them to hang up. So, you know, whatever, and this guy isn't gay himself. He just does this to make the... Okay, so tell us now, Mr. Wittellis, what's the most obscene thing that you can remember that you said? Be honest now. No embellishing or... Well, I've told this story before. This this wasn't even a a, a robocall, but this is a collection agency that was trying to collect on something that was uh, not a valid debt and wouldn't listen to me and was being obnoxious to me. So so I told them that if they call me back... They were actually collecting on the behalf of uh, of the city of Los Angeles, but but it was a a bullshit debt to a court that had been paid a long time ago, and and they refused to look into it for me and said they're going to keep calling me. So I told them, and I've told the story before, I said, okay, if you ever call me again, my only words to you will be, suck my dick. And they said, what? I said, you heard me. If you ever call me again, no matter who it is, all I'm going to say is suck my dick. And they said, sir, this is very rude. I said, not just that. I'm going to say, get on your knees, pull down my pants, suck my dick, and I'm going to put your head down on my dick as you're doing it. And they're like, there's a woman, she's going, sir, you can't say this to me. That's illegal. It's an obscene phone call. I said, no, it's not. You called me. So if you don't like the way I'm talking to you, hang up on me right now. But I'm going to tell you right now, suck my dick. And anybody else who calls me, I'm going to say, suck my dick. And if you don't like the fact that I'm telling you to suck my dick, then you don't have to ever call me again. But that's all I'm going to say in the future. That's what I told that collection. And they didn't call back. (laughs) It was effective. But, uh, and I was right. You you cannot be obscene on a call you were... Who did you owe money to now? Let's be honest now. Was it one of those doctors billing you wrong for an aspirin no, or Tylenol? No, no. It was, it, was, it was the city of Los Angeles when I got a ticket and I paid it and they erroneously sent to the collection agency that I didn't pay it. And yet the collection agency refused to check on this. 
they told me that they're not checking on this and that I would have to go down to West Los Angeles, uh, which I, I lived in Vegas at the time. I, I had to go all the way to West Los Angeles, they told me, which I never lived by, even in L.A., and, and go down to the court, get a form, mail it to them showing that I don't owe the money. Otherwise, they're going to keep calling me. And I said, no, you work, for the, you work for them. You ask them if I owe the money, and they'll tell you I don't. And they said, we don't make those calls. I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. So, th- so, yeah. so that's what I – and I even checked with the court after I, I called up the court the next day. They said, you don't owe any money. I said, okay, well, I think I took care of it anyway, which I did. They never called me back. But, uh, but you, you never have to feel bad about telemarketers or, or, or even especially scammers. When they're calling you, you don't need to listen to them. You can hang up on them right away. You could say, don't ever call me again and hang up on them. You can say, don't call me again or I'm calling the police and hang up on them. Uh, not that they're going to be scared, but they will say um, – but what they will do is they'll mark down this person is unlikely – to ever buy whatever we're trying to sell, or where the scam's never going to work on them, so don't bother. Uh, I actually had a this is this is annoying. I can't go into too much detail on this because it's, it'll be giving out some personal information of mine, and I, I don't want to do that. But let's just say I, I a company was calling me to get me to do business with them because there's a certain list they had that indicated that uh, I would be someone that. That they would like to do business with. That's, that's all I'll say. Okay. And I told them the first time, no, I'm not interested. Please don't call me again. And the guy was very persistent. No, 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 wait. You know, I think we got off on the wrong foot. Can you just listen to me? I go, no, 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 listen. I, it's, no offense to you. I'm just not interested. So please don't call me again. Goodbye. A few weeks later, get another call from someone from that company. Again, I tell them the same thing. I tell them you called me a few weeks ago. Please stop. A few weeks later, I get another call. I'm getting more pissed, and I say, you know, I keep telling you guys to stop calling me. Stop calling me. And, uh, again, they try to keep me on the phone, try to tell me to hear them out. They're sorry if they're bothering me. That's not what they're trying to do. They just want to be able to listen to their proposal, and I, no, hung up on them. Then I get a fourth call, again, a few weeks later. At this point, I'm getting pissed. And I actually had looked up the company before this, and they were a fairly large company. This wasn't like a scam. This is a real company of a fairly large outfit. And so, so I was furious about this. And I said, I have told you so many times to stop calling me. And the guy's like, well, look, look, I haven't done this, but I really think you should listen to what I have to say. I go, no, we're way past that. There's no chance, even if I needed what you're trying to get me to do. Uh, even, if, even if I needed that, I would never use you because of the disrespect you're showing me with calling me over and over like this when I tell you not to. But that aside, we've gotten past, we're, we're past this now. You are harassing me by these phone calls. I do not want these phone calls. And he said, okay, I'll note it in our thing. I said, no, you've noted it before. It never works. So, number one, I want to speak to your boss here and, and let him know. And number, t- and, so, and number two, there's going to be far more consequences than you can imagine if these continue. So he puts the boss on, the, you know, his boss, which, again, is not the boss of the whole company. It's a fairly large company. And I, I told this boss there that I'm going to be doing a few things if they continue to harass me like this. I said, number one, I'm going to report it to law enforcement. Number two, I'm going to uh, commence a lawsuit. And number three, because you're a large company, I know you have deep pockets and you're not that afraid of these things. Uh, since you are f- harassing me on the phone, I'm going to start harassing you on the phone. And I'm going to set my computer to call up your extension and the guy's extension who called me. And I'm going to, have, I'm going to be bombing your phones with, with calls over and over again of my computer just calling you and saying nothing all day and you're not going to get any work done. That's going to be what I'm going to do if you can't stop calling me. And I said, I'm serious about this. I'm going to do it. And there will be nothing you can do because I can prove that you called me. 
when I keep asking you not to. So you're going to harass me on the phone. I'm going to harass you on the phone. So and he says, okay, well, I'll, I'll get it in there and you know, tell me if, if, if by next Monday you're still getting called. I go, no, 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 not by next Monday. You're not going to call me one more time. You need to make sure I don't get one more phone call. And if I get one more phone call, my, fo- my computer is going to place 10000 to your company. So there's your choice. And uh, I said, I don't, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I've asked so politely so many times for you guys to stop. And you're not stopping. So let's say I haven't gotten any calls since then. But, uh, and I've known other people who have been in these situations where they keep getting called by the same company over and over. Sometimes, like, I, I have a friend who keeps getting calls for the previous person who had their number from the same company over and over who they owe money to. And I said, you've got to take that approach. You've got to say, look, this person, I don't know this person. I have their old number. And then threaten to do something to them. Because sometimes you have to do that to get them to stop. But now, of course, this doesn't work with scammers, especially scammers out of the country. But, the, but, but as far as scammers or, 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 or even just hustlers who are trying to sell you something, if they think you're not going to be a customer, they're likely not to call you again. So that's the best you can do. There's not much more. Uh, don't bother going to the FTC and complaining when you get calls from a company when you're on the do not call list. They're not going to do anything. People do this all the time. The FTC is the, used to the fact that almost all these are fake caller IDs. Uh, it's not going to make any difference. A lot of times reporting things like this, uh, it's just the mechanism to report is mainly a feel-good form. So the public feels that they can do something about it. Like uh, there's a there's a form you can fill out to report internet crime to the FBI. All that gets ignored. Maybe something very serious like terrorism or you know something like that would would not get ignored. But anything else, oh such and such person scamming me or whatever, totally gets ignored. They just want people to feel good that they have a form that they can fill out and report. So. At best, they'll give you a quick phone call and ask you details and never do anything further. So don't bother reporting this to the FTC. Nothing will ever get done. You're probably getting called by a fake caller ID. The best thing you can do is not give them a chance to talk to you. Or if you want to have fun, screw with them, like I do sometimes, where by the end of the call, they, they realize you made a fool of them and wasted their time. Of course, you waste your own time doing it, but if you have fun doing it, then do it. But, but never, never, never feel bad about being rude to those calling you. You should be as rude as possible and give them as less of a chance. You want them to finish the phone call with you and have the belief that there's no chance. You want them to finish up with you by the time you hang up, which should be after only a short time unless you're screwing with them. But by the time you hang up, you want them to believe that the chance of selling you something or scamming you is zero point zero. So that's uh, that's the best advice I can give about this, and I, I, I wish I could give you a better solution. I wish I could say just you know do this, this, and this, and you'll never get robocalls again. But the the problem is, you may ask, okay, why why don't they change this? Why don't they change this so you can't spoof caller ID? That's what people ask. You know, we why are we still using a system that was developed in the eighties? Why are, why why not just update the phone system and make it so caller ID can't be spoofed? They could, very possible. The reason they don't is because it would break every voice over IP system, of which there are so many now, that currently complete calls the old way. If they were to introduce something new 
that requires a new protocol that would somehow have some sort of handshaking process to uh, truly display a real caller ID and not just you transmit what you say your caller ID is, but some kind of verification process. This would be something completely different that every single system that places phone calls would have to adhere to, and we would break everything that didn't, that can't be that was not updated. So this would cause such disruption that they don't want to do it. So, unfortunately, I don't know when, if ever, this is going to change. So it's just one of these things when you you've built something a certain way to fix it sometimes requires tearing everything down and starting over again. And and it gets tough. So uh anybody else have any comments here? Uh, Calwatch, are you still there? I'm still here. Yeah, and you have any comments about this uh, situation? Not really. <laughs> Brandon, what about you? I think they're sons of bitches. Okay, that's that's a valid comment. I can't argue with that. Uh, just never be nice to scammers. Never be nice to people who are intruding in your life to sell you what something. What about me? <laughs> no, the, the robocalls are just the most annoying part, Druff. Like, when you're not actually going to end up talking to a person, they're just so fucking irritating. Yeah, I I get. I, I like sometimes to try and experiment to see whether there's a human being monitoring the robocalls. Like I'll get I'll get a call where I don't know if you guys got in this one the fake woman who whose headset wasn't on right. So you, you answer. Yep. The reason they have that, by the way, is because there's always a pause when you get one of these robocalls because it has to process that you've you've answered and that it's uh, that it, it's, it's not an answer machine. So it has to wait for a second where you say hello. It has to it has to wait to make sure it, it's not a machine because like yeah, you know what I've been doing is when I get any call from some a number I don't know, I just I hit the phone and just sit there, but I don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 if you the the thing with the headset, what it, it was a. Tr- it would try to trick you as to why there's a pause. So you'd say, hello? Hello? Then you'd hear a, a girl kind of laughing. Oh, <laughs> then my headset wasn't plugged in. I can't believe that. Okay, well, sorry about that. Uh, so anyway, hi. And they, 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 then they, they make some kind of either – some kind of intro, sometimes with a sales pitch. Sometimes they're saying they want to do a survey. It, it's always some BS like that and usually some kind of scam. But – I started wondering if they would monitor these. So they, she, you know, she'd ask. So I want to know if you're interested in taking a cruise to the Bahamas for three days and two nights, totally free. Is that something that would interest you? And then, then I'll say something like "suck my dick" or "or fuck you" or you know, things like that. And then I see, I, I wait to hear if it hangs up on me or goes to the next question. And it was kind of fifty-fifty. Sometimes I say, "Oh, that's great." So, do you think that uh, you know, if we were connected to someone right now, you'd want to book your free vacation to the Bahamas? Is that way you you know, do you want to be connected right now? And so, it's, but sometimes if I say something obscene, they just hang up immediately to where I think it's there's a person monitoring it, but the person just doesn't. Maybe they're monitoring a few at once, or they just don't feel like saying the same things over and over, so they are actually given the tools to just play the same thing. Like the the machine plays it by itself, and then they only. Don't think it's possible that certain word recognition, like it's programmed to hang up on. Right, I thought of that too, but I started trying variants of it that it wasn't going to necessarily find. Like sometimes I'll just say like totally nonsensical things, or uh, and, and it'll still hang up on me. 
you know, like, uh, you know, say, do you want a, a three day, two night cruise of the Bahamas? And I'll say, tomorrow there's a 70 percent uh, chance of rain, and the high is going to be seventy three. And I'll say, you know, then it'll hang up immediately. How often are you getting these calls, by the way? Uh, not as much anymore. It's it's funny. I was getting them a lot. I'd say about like between like two and five years ago, I got them a ton. I'd say in like the last two years, they've really decreased, and the only ones I tend to get now are just the outright scam calls from uh, the fake Dell, fake Microsoft, ones like that. I, I've never even gotten fake IRS calling me, which I, I it's kind of sad. That, that's the most fun, the fake IRS calls. But I've never gotten fake IRS. And the, the, the fun thing about fake IRS is that they try to make, they try to intimidate you and make you feel like the police are going to come get you. And then that's really fun to screw with in return. But um, yeah, never never feel bad about uh, reacting badly to these, and and there are some people that just really have a hard time ever being rude, no matter what. And even if you're one of those people, you've got to break that. See, I don't have a problem being rude. I've never had that problem. So I've never had a problem with doing that. So being rude to a scammer or a telemarketer who's bothering me that I do not mind. In fact, I, I, I get satisfaction out of it. It, it feels good to, do, to be rude to them. It's, a, it's something where you, you feel like you can abuse someone and feel no guilt for it. It's, it's not that common that you can find a situation where you can harass or abuse someone and actually feel good about doing it. In fact, that's, what I, that's what I've told scammers when I've like repeatedly pranked them or bombed their phone number with calls or whatever. And they, and I say, you know what's so great about this is I can do this as much as I want. I can feel great about it, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. You can't call the police. You can't do anything to stop me. And you deserve it. So that's that's about it, and it's, it's really not going to change. And uh, don't expect the FTC to rescue you. And don't subscribe to any of these dumb services that can supposedly stop it. They're more trouble than they're worth. And you can use like a call screening thing where the person has to say their name first. And then if you just don't recognize it or it's not a business you've dealt with, just not accept it. But again, it's a pain in the ass. Like, don't you hate calling someone and you're, you know, please say your name at the tone. Beep. And then you've got to wait for them to accept your call. I I, I feel like the I'm calling someone who's got like a false sense of importance. And I feel like it's obnoxious because I feel like, what if the person just doesn't feel like talking to me and that I don't know if they're either not home or just purposely ignoring me? I find the whole thing kind of unsettling and off-putting. Like, like Brandon, if you called someone, I'm talking about just someone you know, and you got that obnoxious thing, you've got to say your name first. Wouldn't you feel kind of weird? Absolutely. Yes. yes. So I don't, I don't, I would only do resort to that if I was just getting pounded with, with like, Tons of phone calls. And, of course, you can always change your number. If your particular number is getting really hammered with, with unwelcome calls that you can't stop, uh, you can always change your number unless it's a number you're really attached to, either one you've had for a very long time or a customized number you put a lot of effort to get or something like that. So uh, the, the, the bottom line is problem is not going away. And then, as Brandon mentioned with the text phishing message he got, it's getting worse. I got, I got a pretty effective, but it didn't fool me, but I, I, I had to think about it for a second. I got a PayPal message that was phishing today. Let's see if I can bring it up. It was actually convincing enough to where I had to... I get those too, but the problem is I've had so many problems with PayPal. How the hell can I tell if it's real or not? That, that's what happened. That's what I thought. That was the problem is I've yeah. had so many problems with them Did that I thought... Like a case number on top of it right. in the subject? <laughs> 
that's what that's what happened with me. Yeah, let's, it's the same one. Let, let's yep. see, let's see if I can find the specific one here. Um, maybe I deleted it. I wish if okay, it it, it, it was it was something where. They said they did not have – I think it was they didn't have the tax ID number of me or something. Yeah, that's what it was, that they were missing my tax ID number and that if I don't – that my account has been temporarily shut down and that if I don't click on this link to fix it, that it will remain shut down or, or even be permanently shut down. Well, I thought of a few things here. First of all, it was an account I hadn't used in a while and and second, it – yeah, I, I thought about you know, wh- why would they want my tax ID, which by the way I'd given them anyway on that account, if I haven't made any transactions in the year two thousand seventeen or eighteen or eighteen, and uh, and also it was from like a weird, it was from like just service, not service at PayPal, but just service. And then if you look at the email address, it was something totally not having to do with PayPal. So service at customerservicecorp.com or something. So. Uh, I didn't have to click on anything at that point, but it was a, a it, it was actually a semi-real looking message. And again, like right, every time you get a PayPal message about some problem, you tend to believe it more if you have had problems with them shutting you down in the past, like I have and Brandon has had. So that uh, it didn't trick me, but I did have to take a moment to go, wait a minute, is there any chance this is real? Where a lot of times the other ones I just instantly delete because I know they're fake. Uh, I've also gotten some of these uh, ransom messages lately. In email, I've gotten a few of those of people who, at once, they either claim. Oh, I can't hear you, Brandon. Sorry. By the way, look at your phone. Yeah, look at your phone in a, I don't know, ten seconds or so. I just sent you my PayPal message that I got. I think it was about a month ago. Look at it and tell me if that's similar to what you got. I sent you a screenshot, but I could forward it to you too. Oh, I think it's. Hold on. It was, I think it might be it. Here, let's see. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but you're right. It was. It was. It looked so suspicious, and but, but because I've had problems with them, it could have been real. You know, it's very close to this. It probably okay. is the same one. It probably is the same one. I mean, because a real PayPal threatened to shut down my account right. so many times. <laughs> <laughs> How would I know the difference? Right. That's that's been my problem. And and see, I, I've gotten the ransom messages, which are written in broken English, but they're funny. Like they they range from someone that was hired to kill me, but that if I outbid the uh, the person who hired me, them that they'll take my money instead and not kill me. I've had that. I've had uh, the they're going to release secrets about me that they've figured out. In fact, in fact, one that highly implies without directly stating that they saw me jerking off through my webcam. That they they uh, something like they got access to the camera on my computer and saw me engaging in certain activities on the camera that they were not wholesome right. or something like that. And the, so you, to imply that they caught me jerking off on my laptop and that uh, on the camera and that uh, if I don't pay them you know, $200, they're going to release it. And uh, How do they get these emails? I mean, like, are they stolen or are they sold? They're sold. Companies on- they're usually sold. But they're sold to scammers? Like scammers are buying emails? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah and, and, and often what happens is people just steal them out of a company that you've signed up with, and then and then give them. A lot of times, though, these are just sold, these are just sold as raw email addresses. So rarely do they say, yep. you know, email me like Todd, comma like it's always just uh, um, like the, like the th- the message sir, was, you know, like sir. Well, the message that was threatening to kill me, it did not once message me. Did not once mess 
mention me by name or any details about me. It was a very generic message that uh, you could tell the person knew absolutely nothing about me, not even my name, not even my city, and it was just an automated message that was just fired out. So, like... Brandon, I can I can answer your question. So there are three major ways that uh, email addresses are gotten. One is that there are bots that just kind of rove around the Internet looking for email addresses to harvest, Yeah. right? Um, another one is that, yeah, uh, as Druff said, there's a, a big business in buying and selling mailing lists where companies will say to, uh, trade and sell email addresses all the time. Um, and it's, well, this- can, and whenever, whenever a company goes under, um, you know, like Dan, <laughs> one of Dan Fleischman's many companies, one of the things that is part of their intellectual property will be things like email addresses. So that lucky dragon, they're going to be that lucky dragon yeah. is going to be releasing my stuff now, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Or, and the, or, the other way um, that email addresses are harvested in this manner. Um, see if you guys can guess. Maybe maybe one of you guys can can guess what this other third way is. Um, could be through hacking. There you go. You read about all of these hackings where uh, credentials are stolen for X number of people, email addresses are part of that. It's a big deal. Like, com- There are actually sweatshops where people are paid to hack into various um, databases to, you know, obviously... Are you talking about to- hacking, hacking sweatshops? Yeah. Jesus. Not even kidding. Not even kidding. And, and by the um, way, I, I, here's something I do, and you know, it's not as easy if you don't have your own domain, but uh, I have a small website that I just put up uh, the rare game pieces of, of the Monopoly game at Albertsons and other supermarkets around uh, the U.S. So it's called raregamepiece.com. And I also use raregamepiece.com as various throwaway email addresses. Yeah, and, sure. Notice and, and that. So, so what, what I do is I, I if I sign up for a company, let's say I, I sign up for uh, a, a mailing – I give my email address to a plumbing company, you know, ABC Plumbing. So I'll actually the email address I'll enter on their website is ABC Plumbing at RareGamePiece.com. And this way, if I get future spam, then if it's coming to ABC Plumbing at, at RareGamePiece.com, I know they're the ones who gave away my address. Yeah. Well, I mean, but what do you then do? Um, Just write them a nasty email yeah, from that email address, <laughs> you know. I call them and bother them about it, whatever. Like, I, or just, I just want to know. Like, I sometimes want to know where to come from, and right. I'll, I'll I'll do that. It's it's not really uh, protecting me that much, but I'm just saying it's just I just do it for informational purposes. And but but yeah, there's there's so many different ways your emails can get out, and and definitely like on, on the forums, it's it's important not to post your email address, even if you. Uh, don't mind the users of the forum having it because the the bots will pick it up. Though, right. if if you put your email address like if it's in like a screenshot, like a graphic, like it was part of a, a JPEG or a PNG file, then they don't catch it. They usually don't. They could read those. Some in theory, of them definitely do. Drew. Some do, but they, I, most of them it, they go after the Drew, lang. They, for, they have bots that hack the captchas. No, I know they could. <laughs> they for sure could. Well, okay, so then but, what do they do? They, these bots. Yeah, I don't know about this stuff. So these bots steal the email addresses and then they sell them? Yes. yes. That's why people always write it with the dot, like D-O-T, that they can't catch on to that? They no, can. but I mean, it depends on the bot. Some that, of them definitely right, can. Right. It, it's, a, it's a numbers game about how, how – if you just put your email just, just blatantly out there, 
then then all the bots are going to capture it. If you put the if if you change it to like dot, then some bots will get it, some won't. If you do parentheses dot, then fewer will. If you put something like uh, uh, you know email me at you know this at this you know this domain we're on right now dot com, then none of the bots will get it because they won't understand that. But uh, but the real problem is that no matter. You know, let, let's say you're really conscientious about it, and then one bot, like this super bot, like picks it up, right? The problem is that your email address is then sold, you know, it's sold in an email list, but it gets resold and resold and resold and traded all over the place. So it really only, it's kind of like getting, you know, herpes in a way, right? It just is never going to go away. <laughs> as soon as As soon as you are, your email has been harvested, like it's it's pretty well fucked. I mean, it really is. Well, it depends how how well it propagates. I have like I've had this one email address, the main one I use. Uh, uh, that one is not getting inundated by spam, and and when it is, it is from things that I have for the most part have signed up for in some way, and they're just over aggressively sending me email. I'm just too lazy to unsubscribe. Like that's that's mainly the problem I have. It's not. I, I get very little unwanted spam there. And and I, yet I have used that address for a lot of company, a lot of large companies I've signed up for, and and it, it has gotten out to spammers occasionally, but it, uh, it it hasn't propagated enough to where it has hurt me. So it, you can run bad, and and the one time it gets out, that it goes to the wrong people and it gets distributed everywhere. But it depends how prolific the the seller of the of the email list is of how bad it will be. But that's so. Druff, uh, during this time, I have been doing some more research on Mr. Fleischman. <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I was curious. I know, you're fascinated I mean, there, there's just an interesting pattern going on here, right? Like you mentioned of companies that are kind of going up and going down and all that kind of stuff. So he still apparently has uh, victoryceo.com as kind of his official website. Really? Even, even though I guess he's not the CEO and there's, no, and, and there's no more victory vi- poker. And there's no more victory poker other than that. But yeah, we, yeah I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's still his primary domain, I guess. Yeah. So, an interesting thing about that, at least to me, is I saw there was a, a post on there um, from February 24th in 2016, and it lists him as uh, it's an interview, Microsoft Microsoft Business interview. Uh, and it says these two interviewers, they interview Dan Fleischman, CEO of First Slice Media. Have you ever heard of First Slice Media before? No. Yeah, I'd never fucking heard of it either. So I went to go check it out, and there's a Twitter account with like 4,000 followers or whatever. And I tried to go to the website, and the website didn't work. Right, Their website was completely down. Um and I checked it on archive.org, and it was so he did this interview on this Microsoft Business Network or whatever this was, you know, touting his um, firstslice.com, and it says that there have have over 300 million page views. Right, within three months of doing that interview, the website was gone, like the whole business was just done and over with. <laughs> right, which is really kind of strange. And then you know, you go to his his bio page. And he talks about the fact that he is an active angel investor in a whole number of companies. Um, one of them is called U Wheels, um, which again is one of those things that you click on it and you try to go to the website. And oh, oh and it says here, by the way, um, that 
Uh, he invests in all these companies, uh, including the Dollar Beard Club and consumer products like U-Wheels, both of which, which have exceeded $5 million in sales in less than eight months. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds impressive, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was written in 2016. Well, I checked on this U-Wheels, and they were down... As of mid, or sorry, as of late 2016. How do you go from selling $5 million of something to just not existing anymore? Right? I mean, it's just, and it's just bizarre. And the same with this first slice media, like, I, or sorry, first slice.com. I have no idea how well it did or didn't do, but he's touting, you know, 300 million page views. How do you go from that to three months after you do the interview that it just doesn't exist anymore? I mean, it's just bizarre. Yep. Um, and then Dan, actually, he has his own charity. So given, you know, kind of all this, and, and you know, there's no proof that he's done anything shady or anything, but given all of this, like, would you invest in his model citizen charity? No, model citizen. <laughs> That's, that's what fun. it's called. That's it's the model citizen charity. That's funny. Right? It's, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a used car dealership. A used car dealer comes up like Honest Eddie. You just you, yes. know, you know it's it's the opposite of what they're saying. But you you were exactly right that he apparently does have a has been involved in a string of businesses that are just you know being touted as the next best thing and the most amazing thing in the world, and then they're out of business like very shortly thereafter. Yeah, and I doubt they uh, ever made money. They, they, there's very good chance that they're also lying about the success of them even initially. Right. Yeah. I mean, the way Dan Fleischman paints it, and it, he was like the only guy that founded this "Who's Your Daddy" thing, and apparently that's not the case. Like his buddy, who was you know buying 500 pounds of marijuana, founded founded it with him. But then I was I was also you know looking on his Twitter and some of the these twenty four businesses that he angel invests in like one of them is like a, a local yoga yoga studio in Florida somewhere you know so we're not talking about you know huge amounts of money but guess where so it it also looks like he's kind of doing the speaking circuit at uh, small events you know touting I guess how good he is at starting businesses. Yeah. Um, guess what uh, sphere that he's doing these presentations in? Like what what uh, market? Uh, well, I saw the cryptocurrency thing earlier. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, he's doing a whole bunch of he's doing the cryptocurrency uh, circuit now. Apparently, well, yeah, he's jumping on that because he's seeing that this is what everyone's excited about now and wants to learn about. That's that's what he's jumping on. He's just thinking, well, okay, there's all these people who. Say, right. oh, if only I could. If only I knew more about cryptocurrency, I'd totally get on this and invest in them. Right. But no one will teach me. I don't know anybody who will teach me. People, I either don't know anyone who could teach me, or the people I know won't do it. So, so yeah. So I mean, it really does seem like he's kind of jumping from one thing to the next. And even though the some of the achievements, you know, five million dollars in sales in eight months, three hundred million page views, you know, whatever they sound very impressive, but pretty pretty clearly they are not viable businesses because they're they die like very shortly thereafter i bet i bet um, if, i bet if you looked up on alexa which i know is not a, uh, a super reliable indicator but you know the alexa right. service for the showing the the page views and and about the popularity i bet if you looked up any of these they wouldn't even show up and th there's no way something with that many views could not show up on alexa or be like a you know super right. low down on the list yeah and you know i realized that Online um, news sources are actually really difficult to make money at. 
um, because the I mean, it's just it, it can be really tough to make money in that sphere. But anyway, you know, it's kind of painting a pattern of a guy that is. It, it's really hard to determine how successful he is or not. Now, you mentioned before that you thought that maybe he didn't, you know, have an incredible amount of money. Um, but I found one thing that makes me think that he probably somehow has been fairly successful. What is and that? what that is, is I found a video of him with his wife or, or girlfriend. <laughs> and, and this girl is way hotter than this dude could ever pull. Way hotter. What is the name of that site with the 300 million views, supposedly? Um, it's called First... Let me find it again. Firstslice.com, spelled uh, uh, number one, stslice.com. Okay. Um, Firstslice.com, mm-hmm. it, it does show up on Alexa, but it never had very much traffic. At best, about... I think nine months ago, it was like the three hundred something thousandth uh, most popular site in the world. But according according to archive dot org, it was already dead by then. <laughs> then I, I don't, don't know. I don't understand that. Or, or or maybe or maybe it just didn't sample it at the, those times or whatever. But I mean, we we're definitely seeing a pattern of a, a string of businesses that just don't work out. But I think somehow, some way, this guy has made money, whether it's, you know, from the professionals uh, talking circuit or maybe he pulled some money out of these uh, that first public company and just kind of left with it. You know, who knows? But this girl is way hotter than this guy would ever, ever pull unless he was doing pretty well for himself. <laughs> and and she's and she dresses and looks like. The role, like she's in a halter top, showing her belly button and like ripped jeans, and they're in the middle of a, a jungle in Costa Rica, and she's all she's got all the makeup on and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah. I, I, I'm 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 basing it purely on the ass that he has managed to pull down, that he probably has made some decent money in his day. Yeah, that's probably, or at the very least, he's faking it to her enough to where he's spending enough on her to where it looks like he's rich and, and she's fooled, which could be yeah. happening as well. Uh, so, I just give, I give you the link to his tweet where you can see her okay. and you can let me, you let guys me, let me know I'm if you ta- think I'm gonna, that I'm take a look you, I'm, like I'm overstating it or you know whatever, but you, you see him and we've all seen it where we see a couple and we're just like, mm, how did that happen? Yeah. that That's kind of what I'm Yeah, I, I, t- I totally agree here. And, and by the way, the, I, I looked up this firstlice.com Mm-hmm. Poker Fraud Alert has a much better Alexa ranking than that than FirstSlice.com had at its peak. So oh that, that, that that tells you something. Well, Druff, how come you haven't monetized this thing? You, you could be pulling down ass like that in that video. <laughs> but, it, and, you know, I was just kind of looking through some of the, the, like, he says he's an angel investor in, you know, 24 businesses, but at least the businesses that I could find, um, they're not big time businesses and the, a lot of them have gone under. Um, and also it really looks like he is leveraging his social media accounts, which is fine where when he comes on board with these companies, um, he also is then doing some reciprocity and promoting them, you know, and maybe he's getting paid for doing that as well. Maybe they, he works out an arrangement with these companies that says, you know, I'm going to give you, 
some small amount of money, like you know, ten grand or something, and uh, you know, hire me on to do these uh, social media things, and you know, you can pay me some money in stock or something like that. Who knows? Um, but he, it seems like he's like a serial company founder, and the majority of them just have not done nearly as well as he, apparently he is saying that they have done. This this video you sent me of him and this girl, this is actually recent too. This is from uh, December twenty eighth of two thousand seventeen. Right. So this is right. this is quite uh, recent. So he's he's actually probably with her right now as we speak. Yeah, and she, and good for him, man. I mean, <laughs> she's fucking smoking. Yeah, but you, but you know what I mean. Like if you just see these two next to each other, you're just like, what? Yeah, you know? yeah, right. You so see- she, so he's made some money. You know, clearly he has made some money somewhere. No, okay. He's got. Uh, I, I guess with everything he's doing, he's got enough going on here to where he can, he can manage that and uh, can pay for these trips to Costa Rica and, uh, and everything else. Well, that's that's about all I have for tonight. Brandon, are you still there? Oh, is he even still on the line here? Yeah, he's still here. He's just kind of he's here, but he's not. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I'll tell you guys, I almost did not make this show tonight i almost did not uh do it because i was at you're gonna, you guys are gonna laugh at this but I was, I was actually seriously considering it until about noon today and then i decided against it i was considering ditching this show so i could go play i'm sorry i got i got disconnected i was there right when you said Am I still there? So okay, okay. Disconnected. It's kind of like Trader Ruski, long delay. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm I'm doing my best. To, I, I was so I, I was gonna say is I, I was considering today not doing the show at all, and what I was actually planning to do instead, and in, in canceling the show, was go play a uh, three hundred a three hundred forty five dollar buy in limit hold'em tournament. <laughs> so, commerce at the LAPC, you know they they have this tournament only one of two limit hold'em tournaments they're running and uh i'm gonna actually play some lapc events i haven't done so yet but i'm going to i'm gonna play some omaha ones and plo8 and uh, big o and limit hold'em but this is only one of two limit hold'em events i'm not going to do any no limit hold'em i don't feel like it but this uh limit hold'em event i was considering going playing this and then playing cash afterwards so i i dropped benjamin off at school i went back and took a nap and I, I woke up, and I looked at the traffic, which was not terrible, but not an easy drive either, kind of in the middle where there's spots of traffic. And I thought, ah, oh, so I have to drive a fair distance, you know, over 50 miles to get to Commerce. I have to sit through periods of traffic, and I have to enter a fail $350 tournament, which probably will have a lot of fish in it, but still, it's a $350 tournament. And I'd have to get, like, super lucky to, like, be one of the first top few spots to make it worth my time. And I go, yeah, I can play cash afterwards, but if the whole point is to play cash, I can go do that anytime. I don't need to do this now. And I felt tired, and I'd have to cancel radio today, and I said, why would I do this? And I said, nope. And I put down my phone and went back to sleep. They got 101 runners. That now makes me even happier that I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought maybe they'll get more than that because it was a low buy-in, but it is limit hold'em, which is dying. So that was exactly what I was worried about. Is they'll get like a hundred runners, the prize pool is thirty-five thousand. Like I thought of that. Like, like what if they get a hundred people, the prize pool is like thirty thousand, 
and and you know, so what's first place going to be? Yeah, like uh, six or seven, eight thousand. Right, and, and, like and, that. and I had to run well, even if the players are fishing there for the most part. I had to run well to get there. You have to hit, you had to hit hands to win a limit hold'em tournament. So, uh, but but yeah, I'm thinking of going down next week. The buy-ins start to go up, so like next week on the 29th is a a, a limit 08 tournament for 570. There's a big O tournament the next day, same 570. What's the next limit hold'em tournament? That's 1100 on the February 11th. You've got 30 people. <laughs> well, I'm just you know if, if 350 gets 101. I, I know it maybe fa- it maybe fails. So I I, I I kind of wanted to go down and play some of these, but uh, and also you know it's it's some the limit hold'em. I don't need any preparation, but the other the Omaha ones. I'd like to get some more of those some of the live play with that under my belt before playing them at the World Series. Uh, limit hold them I could do in my sleep, but uh, so that, so I I haven't done it yet. I, I I claimed I might go play some of these three fifty tournaments for PLO eight and limit hold them, but I haven't done it. So maybe next week. But I, I almost missed the show. Now the next one I I said I might play would be the twenty ninth. Let's see if something would interfere with radio next week. Next week the radio will be thirty first. No no no. I'll be here on the thirty first no matter what. Okay good. So believe it or not. Next week, provided I don't get sick or something, we will actually have our fifth show in January, despite the fact that I didn't do the first show of January till January 6th. So there'll be our fifth show of January taking place in a a span of 26 days. It's the truth. How is that possible? Because I kept putting like six days between them. Oh, because you okay. I was like shifting around the schedule, yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's what happened. So, there's been a, a, a lot of radio in the last uh, in, in the last few weeks, and there'll be a show again next week on the 31st, another one on the 7th. It should be Wednesday for the foreseeable future, unless there's some reason I have to move it. But I, I, I can't see right now a reason why I should be canceling radio entirely. For any upcoming week, though you never know. You never know. I could get uh, sick. In fact, if somehow we get snow in the mountains, this is such a horrendous season for snow and rain in the West. There was that one big storm, but that was it. There's really been nothing else, and everything in California and Nevada is just barely got anything. So the the ski resorts are awful. The uh, very little rain has fallen. Uh, so. If snow does come down, to show you how bad it's been, I actually bought, you know, when you have a kid, they're constantly outgrowing things. you got to constantly buy new stuff for them. So uh, there's, uh, I bought some new snow boots for Benjamin, which you don't get a lot of use of anyway in Southern California. But there, there is a mountain that I can get to driving about an hour and a half from here that, that'll bring him to to play in the snow. And then there's you know going to Mount Charleston, which we do sometimes. And then and so so I, I get snow boots for him, but it's a pain in the ass. I have to keep buying new ones because we use it a few times, and he grows out of them. The snow boots for this year, I'm actually considering returning because we haven't used them yet, and it's, it's starting to look like we won't have an occasion to use them. So that's that's how bad it is. But um, even if I do go skiing or something in February, which I will if the snow gets better. Uh, I will actually do the radio show from there, as I have before. So I, I always try to do the show. It, it, it bothers me to miss one. And uh, as long as I'm healthy, 
And as long as I'm in a place, I can do it. The, the, the times I won't do the show is if I'm on a family vacation. Because I, I don't want to make the rest of the family like sit there when I'm doing radio. And like, they, of course, they, they, they got to sleep. Like if I'm just on a ski trip with my dad or something, that's a different story. You can just go to the other room or I can go to the other room and just do it and, you know, start a little earlier than usual, finish earlier than usual, and then go to sleep. But like, I, I don't want to put the family through like having to wait through radio being done and having to work around radio. So the, that's the only time I, I intentionally skip it unless I'm sick or unless there's really something else going on where I can't make it. Uh, occasionally, like, like Benjamin's mom will be gone a whole week on a business trip or something, and then I can't. Uh, then I will have to cancel it. But that doesn't happen very often. So, Poker Fraud Alert Radio should be heard regularly for the foreseeable future. And I, I you know, I, I mentioned this before. I, I'm very happy with the fact that the last year or so we've actually had a very stable situation with the co-hosts and and. Uh, Cal Watt has been here most shows, which I really appreciate, especially with the time difference. And then Brandon's come on in the second half of a lot of shows. Trey Daruski has come on in the first half of a lot of shows. So between the three of them, I, I've almost always had a co-host on with me, and often two. Mm-hmm. And and it's been the same people, which which is nice. It's it's continuity. It's, uh, people have can uh, they they have the same things they can expect, and I'm, I'm glad the three of you have been participating like this. And it's it's been and also this way, nobody is uh, nobody has to feel obligated to make it every week. You know, if they if they miss weeks or whatever, then no problem. And it's just you know you do it when you want. If you don't want to, you don't have to do it, and with three different well, people. Well, usually if I miss it, it's because I pass out waiting for you. Right, right. Cal Watt's been very <laughs> – he's been very good. Cal Watt, with, with a three-hour time difference, he's been very good with, with uh, attempting to make it and usually being successful. And, and when he hasn't made it, it usually has been when I've started after 9 o'clock Pacific, and then by then it's midnight where he is and he passes out and that's that. So I don't blame him for that at all. Uh, but but again, he, he's not even obligated to do it. And uh, by the way, I, I'm going to be putting together an intro soon to the show, and I keep meaning to do that. But I put a little intro that, to play besides just a song, and the the, the intro will give credit uh, to the co-hosts there in in some portion of the intro. But I just I just got to put it together. So thank you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And, uh, you know, because Skype is such a piece of crap, when I play this uh, in song, you're, you're going to have a hard time hearing me. So anything you guys want to say before we're done here? Good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. I can't hear nothing. Yeah, I know. Oh, you can't hear anything? <laughs> That's such- be, you haven't been able to fix this yet? No, it's, it's it's Skype's fault. Skype is—they keep making Skype worse and worse. Can I Callowat? Night, man. I may actually see if I can go back to like good night, Brandon. I may see if I can go back to like a older but not super old version of Skype and see if this helps it a little bit because the older Skype just doesn't work anymore. Like old old Skype just will not work with their new network. But uh, like like. A version prior to this one that's not as terrible might be uh, desirable because this one's so terrible it really kills my ability to share sound with a co-host like every few minutes. It, it's amazingly tilting. Like, I I think I need to hire someone to just like constantly hit the share sound button over and over again because uh, otherwise I don't know what to do here. It's horrible.
You know, I, I actually have a question here. Let's see if Calwatt has an answer to this one. Let me pause this for a second. Calwatt, you still there? I'm here. What do you do about the autoplay problem with, with uh, websites these days? Where because like on Google Chrome, I cannot find a solution to stop autoplay, and I hate it. I don't go to websites that have it. Okay. <laughs> there was one plugin that was stopping it, but it doesn't work anymore. And Google said, oh, well, we're going to – in 2018, that's going to be a thing of the past. Like they, they implied as if like when the clock, the clock strikes midnight for January 1st that they're going to release a Chrome. They didn't say this, but it was implied that will stop this autoplay. But no, we're, the, we're like near the end of January, and autoplay is still strong as ever. So, uh, they they will they will crack down on it. They're they've been actually using their kind of clout in the market because they have like seventy percent plus of the the browser market to push for a whole lot of changes, and I'm I'm sure they will do that. It's it's horrible, and then so so I there is a way with Firefox to do it, but I'm just not a fan of the Firefox interface. But I guess there is a way that someone posted on our site on how to do. So. I may have to temporarily switch there because it, it's driving me crazy. There's so many sites that are doing autoplay these days, and I just find myself like just turning off sound when I browse the web now because I can't stand yeah, it. Yeah, but it's, it's usually just like the really shitty news sites that have that. Those oh, are I, really the only ones, right? No, what, what are you running? Like ES- what kind of porn sites are you visiting? No, like, you even, like ESPN does it. Like so many of them do it. Really? So many of them do it now. And, and sometimes it'll be like a delayed autoplay. That's the worst. Like ESPN's terrible with that. I'll just be sitting there. With with a back uh, actually, you know what? Hold on, this may be this may be a way to do it. Let me just there, take. There's a look. like a, a there's a there's an autoplay. Okay, on, so on here ESPN. here's what you do. Okay, o- open up your. We're gonna do the show's over anyway, so we'll bore the crap out of people. We'll do live tech support. Open okay. your browser and go to uh, in the browser bar. Type Chrome colon slash slash flags. Okay. It's funny. I was Googling around. I couldn't. Okay. okay, so what do I do next? So you see a whole bunch of options, right? Just search on autoplay. Search the page for autoplay. Wait, hold on. Hold on. You see the, where it says autoplay policy? Uh, hold on. I thought do a search. Yeah. All right. So change that to. Document user activation is required. Okay. And relaunch. And now. then that's it. That's it. We visited. That should do it. Really? How come this isn't anywhere? On, like I, when I searched on the web, I wasn't finding this. This is what you pay me the big bucks for, Drew. I'm going to have to post this on the – I posted this on Poker Fraud Alert, and, and, and a lot of people, including ones who are usually very good at this sort of thing, they also drew a blank on it. Everybody Drew, drew a blank you got, on it. You got to call on the big guns when you need stuff like this. Come on, man. I can't. This is. Uh, you know, I now, hold on. Let's see if it works. Yeah, let's see if it works. Maybe that's maybe that's why nobody's suggesting it. Well, I'll have to try it. I, I I had to relaunch Chrome, and I don't want to erase everything I have up right now. So. No, just open. Oh, oh, you don't want to relaunch Chrome right now? No, because I have a lot of things up right now, so I don't. Want oh, to for it. fuck's sake! I'll right, do it. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it right now. So, what website is going to autoplay shit for Let me? Let me think of what's going to like immediately autoplay. Uh, maybe CNN. Do they do it? Let me see which is like immediate autoplays. See, now I'm trying to find one. I can. I know ESPN yeah, is right. like ESPN does it like delayed. That, that's what's really tilting you. Like you're there, and then like an hour later, it starts playing something. 
That's not going to help me. Yeah, it's not going to help. Uh, CNN sometimes does it, but they're not doing it right now. Though maybe it's because I changed that setting. Uh, no, I don't. No, actually... you got to relaunch it for it to take effect. Yeah, that's what I thought. I think maybe they're just not doing it at the moment. There's a lot of times I'll start it and it just starts playing. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to. It seems like when I'm looking for it, I can't find it. But when I don't want it, it's always there. Well, this should do it. <clears throat> okay. Well, I'll, I'm going to try that, and if it does, I'm going to post about it. And th- you know, thank you, Kawat, for. That's why. That's why I paused the closing song. I said, "Yeah, I, I got to make sure that Calwatt doesn't know a way to do this." Yeah, you got to take advantage of your free tech support. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that is it for tonight. Now you guys know how to turn off autoplay on Chrome. Learn some valuable information. And we will be back January thirty first, around eight fifteen p.m. We already have a minimum of $50 for the free roll, and probably more by then. And maybe Dan Fleischman will have founded and abandoned four new companies between now and then. You never know. This show was actually pretty long when it's all said and done. They started close to on time. We're looking at about six and a half hours here. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty lengthy. Thank you, Catwatt, for staying up till almost six. So, talk to you next week. Text me anytime, 775-372-8355, if you have any comments on what you've heard tonight or anything else you want to talk about. Good night and shalom. Shalom.